It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, February 2nd, 2015. If you're watching us live, I apologize for the slight delay. I was just talking to myself for around 12 minutes and then I realized this wasn't actually live. No one was seeing it. I hope the guys in the back liked it. I actually thought it was one of my better intros. If you're watching us after the fact, well, this doesn't really affect you. But hey, they tell me I have to end the show at 4.30. I'm going to 4.45, my friends, and there's nothing you can do about it. You'll have to kick me out of this place. So anyhow, sorry for the, sorry for the delayed start, but here we are, ready to go, right? I'm looking at it. We're good. We're live. How about that? Episode what? 260-something? Still can't get it right. But we have a lot to talk about, my friends, so no time to waste. Welcome back. I'm in New York. Last week, there was a blizzard. This week, there's some kind of crazy freezing rain, sleet going on outside. But we are here. We are ready to talk. And what a month it has been. January finally over. I'm very excited to finally put it all to rest and get some perspective on all of this because in my opinion it was one of the better months in UFC history. I mean you look at the the ratings, the gate, the attendance and thank the MMA gods it all came together. All the main events came through. They were great and there's a lot to discuss. Of course no bigger story this weekend in my opinion than what happened Saturday night in Las Vegas. Anderson Silva coming back 13 months later and this is the part that really wasn't discussed in my opinion. He was coming back to the same arena. I mean, he wasn't fighting, you know, in Brazil. He wasn't fighting in New Jersey, Texas. He was coming back to the MGM where 13 months ago, he broke his leg in the most gruesome way possible. He was carted out. I was standing right there when he was being put in the ambulance. I thought that was it. This guy's done. He's staring at 40. There's no way he's coming back. He comes back 13 months later. And let's be honest, he could have come back 11 months later if he wanted to, 12 months later. And he goes out and he beats Nick Diaz. I thought it was one of the more entertaining fight cards, especially in recent memory. The, the, the prelims were great. I thought they lived up to whatever hype there was. And the pay-per-view actually exceeded my expectations. First three fights were super fun. Great finishes. I didn't have a big problem with the co-main event. I know a lot of people were booing. It was a very weird crowd in Las Vegas. They were, uh, they, they were boo-happy. And then the main event was fun as well. We'll talk about all of that. I want to talk about it a little more, but we have uh, started a little late, so we won't have a lot of time to digest it all. But there's certainly a lot to sink our teeth into, and we have a stacked show for all of you, my friends. There is so much to get to today with so many guests, so let us get into it. Four o'clock, we'll take your questions and comments. As always, hit us up using the hashtag Hour. And uh, you can also leave questions or comments in the comment section below. 355, we'll go inside the vault. Got a good one this week. We shortchanged you last week, so we got a good one. Uh, 340, we're going to talk to Ed Soares, the longtime manager of One Anderson Silva. You know, on Saturday night, I posted a picture on my Instagram, and I said, is this the last time we'll ever see Anderson Silva fight? Is this the last time we'll ever see Anderson uh, at a press conference, post-fight press conference, after one of his fights? Well, uh, he, Ed Soares, weighed in. Saturday night after the fight, he said, nope, definitely not. Let's just give him some time, which I thought was interesting. So I want to talk to him about that and the whole week. 3.20, we'll talk to Cesar Gracie, the longtime coach and mentor of Nick Diaz. He was back 
in the mix this past week in Las Vegas. So uh, I want to talk to him about where Nick goes from here, the fight, all that stuff. Uh, nutritionist and trainer to the stars, Mike Dolce, will join us at 3.05. Talk to him about Kelvin Gaslam and John Lineker, two former clients of his, missing weight badly on Friday. And also Tiago Alves, current client, winning. Great comeback fight. Jordan Meehan looked so good in that first round. Uh, basketball, mesh shorts and all. Then got a little cocky, rolling thunder, somersault, and then got knocked out. TKO. Great kick to the body. 245, we're going to talk to Benson Henderson. It was announced late Saturday that Benson Henderson has saved UFC Broomfield. February 14th, Broomfield, Colorado, Fox Sports 1. Uh, that card decimated by injuries. It was supposed to be Matt Brown, Tarek Safadine. Safadine pulls out. Brown gets moved to Dallas. Then it's supposed to be Wonderboy Thompson versus Thatch, Brandon Thatch. And Thompson gets the same injury as his training partner, Chris Weidman. Rib injury. So then... They call up Benson Henderson, who has been flirting with the idea of fighting at 170. They call him up to save the card. He just fought against Eddie Alvarez. He was supposed to fight April 4th against Jorge Masvidal. And he says yes. So less than a month later, Benson Henderson making his UFC welterweight debut main event in Colorado against Brandon Thatch. Very interesting. So we'll talk to him about that. 225, we're going to talk to Rashad Evans. Of course, his good friend, training partner, Anthony Johnson, coming off. A huge win over Alexander Gustafson last week. And uh, on Saturday, Dana White said something interesting about Rashad. said he's still injured. So I'm curious what's up with Mr. Rashad Evans because he was supposed to fight February 22nd against Glover Teixeira. Two twenty-five, Rashad Evans, as I said, two hundred five, Gilbert Melendez. We're going to talk to him. He was in Nick Diaz's corner. Interesting, Gilbert Melendez was working for ESPN and working Nick Diaz's corner. So very interesting weekend for El Nino. Also, he has some thoughts on what's next for him. Uh, 145, we're going to talk to Demetrius Johnson, who is the UFC flyweight champion, also a big Seahawks fan, so he must be sad. I went on this whole rant in our fake intro, the one that never aired, about the Super Bowl champions not really being the world champions because that's the one sport, in my opinion, where you can't really call yourself a world champion because it's really dominated by Americans. 99% of the players in the NFL are American. All the teams are American. NHL, uh, NBA, MLB, they could say they're world champs. UFC, certainly, but Super Bowl, get out of here. Not even close. Anyway, we'll talk to him about what's next because McCall Lineker was kind of a mess as far as the flyweight division is concerned. Lineker is moving up, so what did it really mean? And then 125, we're going to talk to Chris Weidman. And to answer your question, Eric, we are going to stick with that time. And just move along. Uh, Chris Wyman, of course, it was announced on Friday, out of the UFC 184 fight against Vitor Belfort. Very sad. Very bummed out about this one. I was so looking forward to that fight. Injured his rib. So it's kind of a mess right now because Vitor has offered a bunch of fights. What, what I was told, Dana White said this on the um, post-fight show. They offered him. They called up Leona Machida. Leona Machida agreed to take the fight for the interim belt. And then they called up Vitor Belfort, and he said, thanks, but no thanks. Not enough time to prepare for Leona Machida, Southpaw. Um, I can't confirm that I did hear from two sources. Vitor countered with Mark Munoz, who's fighting on that card against Jukau Carnero. Uh, of course, UFC not interested in that. That doesn't make a lot of sense, but he did counter with that. Um, right now, it seems like it's up in the air. From what I understand, Musasi was discussed, Rockhold was discussed, but right now, none of those official. I don't think the Rockhold one's going to happen. He wasn't interested in that because, of course, he beat Luke Rockhold. 
And uh, Musasi has been campaigning very aggressively. I don't know if that's going to happen as well. They want to keep Vitor on the card, and I don't blame him for that because LA has been kind of hit, and, and they had to cancel UFC 176. But I don't agree with the idea of putting in an uh, interim title. And, of course, my colleague, uh, Guilherme Cruz, reminding me, uh, he just wrote this on the site, that they were, they were asking for Yoel Romero as well. But, again, I don't know how much that makes sense, especially for an interim belt. The thing is, and Romero was supposed to fight at, at, at UFC uh, 184, uh, Chris Weidman last fought in July. I mean, we've had guys out for over a year. My, my theory is, if you don't have a fight booked within a year, then you could start talking interim belt or stripping. But he last fought in July, and I know he pulled out twice, but I, I just think that's, that's not the right call. What did I say? I said Benson fought Cerrone. Yeah, I, I meant to say Benson fought Cerrone, not Alvarez. So anyway, I had all this stuff to talk about, about uh, UFC 183, but we'll save that for later, because in a minute we're going to be joined by Chris Weidman himself. Some unfortunate news. Really looking forward to that fight. They've been going back and forth for quite some time. But uh, alas, we are going to have to wait for that fight. I, I, I want to see that fight. You know, part of me understands why they want to save UFC 184. But the other part of me feels like I don't want Vitor to fight and then have to sit out, you know, three, four, five months, not be ready. I'd rather him just wait at this point for Weidman to come back. Who We'll hear from him in a second. But from what I understand, he'll be ready in around April, May. So why not just... Have Vitor wait. But you got to think here now, like the Benson Henderson situation, I get that you want to save, not save, because I think Ron Rousey versus Katzengano. Remember when that fight was first announced as co-main event, I said, I thought Ronda, especially in LA, can, she can main event on her own. I think she's a big enough draw. And now she is. She likes to do the co-main event thing because she has to do less media then, but now she's going to do a whole lot more media because she's at home and she's main eventing against Katzengano. Now let us go to our first guest of the day. I believe he is joining us via the magic of Skype. He is the reigning and defending UFC middleweight champion. The one and only Chris Weidman joins us. Chris, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm great. So, you know, uh, thank you very much, by the way, for joining us. I know it's not the best of times. Uh, we were just talking about the entry, but let's hear it from you. What exactly happened, and, and when did it happen? Uh, I guess last week, end of last week, uh, it was pretty quick. Um, I, uh, I was at Hostel Wrestling. was hitting a switch, which I've done about uh, one million times in my life. Um, and all of a sudden, I just, it was just, you know, I heard three pops, and it was extreme pain to the point of, you know, it was just, uh, it was almost like I was paralyzed. It was uh, bad. So I was just out. Uh, went right to an MRI. Uh, found out I had a fractured cartilage. Um, you know, I still wanted to fight. Uh, the doctor uh, that I saw in New York was like, I don't think it's a good idea. Then they called the doctor in uh, in Las Vegas, the UFC doctor. And, uh, you know, they didn't want me to fight as well. Um, you know, it's just, it's just that very disappointing because I've been feeling so good. Uh, I wanted to fight Vitor so bad, um, and for for uh, for me to be pulling out uh, of this fight definitely uh, really sucks. So I'm just pissed off. Uh, you know, if there was if there was any injury, 
like you know any other injury where I could move just a little bit, I'm, I'm still taking this fight. But I just really can't do anything. Uh, any type of movement hurts. You know, my last fight, I fought with a broken hand. <clears throat> I fought with broken ribs before, uh, and I was able to get through it. But this is one of those injuries where there's just uh, there's nothing I really could do. Uh, so it's just unfortunate. It really sucks. I'm I'm uh, apologetic to the fans. Even Vitor, I know he's coming out and uh, trying to come on me. But uh, you know, I feel I, I did feel bad for him. I don't know if I feel as bad for him now, but. Uh, <laughs> I feel bad for the fans. Everybody who bought tickets, you know, I'm uh, definitely uh, feel for you guys. Uh, I'll be back. I'll make it up for you guys uh, very soon. You know, this is an injury. I'll be six to eight weeks. I should be back um, April or May. I'm in great shape. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. So it's one of those things like I'm just going stir crazy uh, that I can't do anything because I feel great other than when I when I start moving, then I realize real quick that I do have an injury. So what's what's the rehab involved here, or is it essentially nothing? You just have to sit on the sidelines and wait. Yeah, I was, basically nothing. I can't do anything. Uh, anytime it hurts, it, it holds it back. So anything that can irritate it at all, uh, which is a lot, like coughing, sneezing, oh, uh, moving, it, it's uh, it's kind of brutal. Um, but uh, So, yeah, no physical therapy. But I did speak to Lorenzo. He spoke to some... Uh, athletic trainer that works with Denver and he, they might send them out to, to take a look at me and work with me. I don't know. I, I'm going to probably talk to Lorenzo this earlier this week, I mean this week and, uh, and see what the deal with that is. But, uh, I don't know. We'll see. When did you tell the UFC that you couldn't fight? Well, I didn't, I, I didn't, it's not like I told them I couldn't fight. Right, their doctor. Their doctor. So, okay. uh, I went. I went right to the doctor. Got MRI because I knew it was serious. I could hardly walk. You know, I, I couldn't. I couldn't uh, posture up. It was just very, very, you know, painful. So I'm like, I gotta get this thing checked out. And when I saw the doctor, he was hoping it was a muscle tear in between the ribs, which is a very painful thing, too. But if you inject it uh, with something, you know, like a cortisone or something like that, you might be able to get through it. So that's what we were hoping for, um, and that's what you know I was praying for. But then we got the MRI results back, and he was like, "There's nothing we could do. There's no inje- the injections won't help it because it's the cartilage, uh, and uh, it's just a tough situation." So he just sent the MRI results over to the UFC, and instead of me calling Lorenzo and Dana on my own, I was like, "Let them, let the doctors talk, and sure. let them talk to them because I don't know the deal. I, you know, I want to fight, uh, but it just it's something that they wouldn't let happen." So mentally, I mean, I know you, you've wanted to fight. Vitor for quite some time and you know you guys were scheduled to fight in in December as well how did you process that information and you were a month away you say that you're in great shape in fact I was flying to Las Vegas with Ray Longo your coach on Wednesday and he was so confident and so excited for this fight to finally you know put away Vitor Belfort and 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 get rid of him from your life and then this happens you know the next day so how did you process the whole thing oh not good man not good I'm I got depressed I I got like depressed for a couple of days. I'm I'm kind of coming out of it now, but uh, it's just uh, really tough, really tough for me. Uh, I just feel like uh, you know I fought through so many injuries. I, I've had them every time I'm in a in a fight. You know, there's nagging injuries and stuff like that. But I've I've fought through some significant uh, injuries that you know most guys would pull out for. Uh, and I was more than willing to do something like that for this fight um, if if it was to come up. But this is just something I couldn't do and. Uh, it just sucks because Vitor, I think, is a great matchup for me. Like I just heard you say that he wanted to fight Mark Munoz. This guy's a mental midget. I would go in there with anything and beat him. I just need to be able to move a little bit. <laughs> and uh, so it just, it just, 
it just sucks where I'm at. So, um, Vitor, as you mentioned, uh, went on his Facebook page yesterday and, you know, ran through the timeline, I guess, or his version of things. And, you know, you do have to feel for him to a degree because all signs say that he is ready to fight and he's wanted this for quite some time. He did avoid a few little pieces of information, you know, the, the, the award show, drug tests that delayed things. And, the, you know, th- that's, that's, I guess, his, his version of the story. But I'm wondering, did you actually read that? And what was your reaction when you read what he had to say about things? Yeah, I went from feeling bad for him to getting pissed off at him. I'm just like, are you, are you kidding me? It's a lot of ignorant things to say, um, and he's leaving out a lot of information. Uh, you know, and I, I don't like to uh, kind of I don't I don't like to take jabs at people all the time and stuff like that. And other fighters, you know, I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of tape leading up to this fight. And I have respect for him. I think he's a good fighter, uh, and and definitely would be a good test, but. When he starts talking, you know, saying I, I pulled out three times, like, just doesn't make it doesn't make sense. He failed, you know. I was scheduled to. We weren't. We we Dana called me and asked if I was going to be ready to fight in May, um, and I said this is the first time that we talked about fighting against Vitor, and I said, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to be good. And and the thing is, before after my second innocent solo fight, I had my my both my knees they kept. My meniscuses were popping into my joints and locking out my knees. And Lorenzo and Dana, they wanted me to get surgery after that fight. Uh, no, I'm sorry, before after my first Anderson Soho yep, fight. Yep. They wanted me to get surgery before my second Anderson Soho fight. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I could deal with it. It's not that bad. Uh, so then we fought the second Anderson Soho fight. And then as we started talking about fighting Vitor May, um, my knees started, they started clicking in again. And that's right about the time when... Uh, Vitor failed his drug test mm-hmm. and he was off. Then I'm fighting Machida in May. And then, then I'm like, and then I called Dana and then I'm like, listen, my knees, let me just get this taken care of now. And this is all this debacle of who I'm fighting. And I was like, let's move, move it back like four weeks. They ended up making it back two months to July. And I was fighting Machida. So I don't know. Vitor, first of all, Vitor, so he failed the drug test. Usually, that's his second drug test that he failed. Usually, he'd be out for at least a year. But I think they they did they tested him when we didn't there was no bad agreement so they couldn't really punish him, I think the way they wanted to. He wasn't licensed uh, was the real problem. He, was, yeah. he wasn't licensed, so the yeah. guy's lucky as anything that he's not in trouble. I mean he's a, he's a two time convicted juice head at this point and he's not, and he's not realizing that. Um, I understand he hasn't fought in a long time, but that's his fault. You know I fought I fought in July I fought six months ago five months ago whatever it is, against Machida, and then so and then the second time he's saying I'm pulled out was. Uh, after I'm after my Machida fight, which I so I fought with a broken hand, which I didn't know. I thought it was sprained. It was a misdiagnosis right before, but they ended up realizing it was broken the whole time. They ended up they wanted to make this fight with Vitor, so they said December. I'm like, okay, but my hand wasn't healing. I would go back to the doctor. I find out my hand's still broken from be, before my Machida fight. So then I'm like, all right, I need another. I need four weeks to let this thing heal. They're like, okay, but they had the Anderson Silva fight they were just made. They had the John Jones Cormier. So they had to make it into February. So they had to push it back further than I would even wanted to. And then this, and then this time is just unfortunate. But um, but for him to be complaining for a guy who's failing drug tests and should even be able to fight up until this this February because right. he just he failed like I think last March or February, February or March. It's just crazy to me. Let me ask you he, this: What what was your? I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm good. Um. 
so as I was saying before you came on, last time you fought UFC 175 in July, there has been some talk of putting in an interim title. And, you know, we've seen this in other divisions where guys have been out for quite some time. Sometimes there's an interim title, sometimes not. When you heard that this was being discussed, considering the fact that you haven't fought, you know, since July, it's not even a year, what was your reaction to the idea of an interim title? Yeah, I thought it was kind of stupid. I'm just like, hang on. Anthony Pettis was out for a year. Uh, Johnny Hendricks was out for like, what, 10 months, 11 months? I don't know, 12 months? You're the reporter. March. He fought in March, and then he fought again early December, so around nine months. Okay, nine months. Uh, Cain Velasquez, they just did an interim title. He was out for how long? A year and a half? Well, he hasn't fought since October of 2013. So I, I can't do that math, but it sounds long. <laughs> yes, it is. So I've, I've been out for six months. I, I just get an injury now that uh, is going to bring me to uh, six to eight weeks, and I'm ready to go. Um, so for them to do interim belt is kind of crazy. It doesn't match up to what other guys, when they've done interim belts. Mm-hmm. It's not like I'm going to be out. You know, I don't have an ACL tear. I'm not going to be out for a year, you know, indefinitely, no matter what. Um, hopefully this thing heals even faster than 68 weeks and I'm ready to go. Um, Are you kind of hoping that Vitor doesn't get booked? Yeah, so okay. on, the other, on the other side, um, in the interim belt thing. Yeah. I, I spoke to Lorenzo about it and obviously I told him, I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't get why, you know, do an interim belt. What does that really mean? He's like, you know, it means nothing. It's really just a, a way to promote a fight. You know, it's it's a way to get people excited. You know, it's a belt, and then you could do champions versus champions. So I understand, I understand the business side of doing it. Yeah. It just unfortunately sucks that it's me, and they're doing it with me. But I understand they want to save this UFC 184. Um, not not taking away from from Ronda, but it, it definitely went down. Um, I think Ronda could headline on, on her own, but I'm sure it, it'll do better if Vitor's on there too. Uh, so I understand, and if they were to make an interim belt it makes it even more exciting. So I understand, I understand where they're going with it. Uh, but I don't, I, obviously as the, as a champion, you know, I don't want other people to think that they're the champion in my way because I think I'm the only champion in the way. So right now there is no fight for Vitor as we speak today, Monday afternoon. Are you hoping he does? And the other thing that bought the, the, the one thing that I'm thinking about long term is that let's say if they did make uh, Vitor Musasi, Yep. Uh, for interim belt. I'm ready to fight. I'm going to be ready in, you know, six, let's say six weeks from now. I'm young. I, I heal up. I'm ready to fight in six weeks. I'll be ready to fight by end of April, you know, May. Um, if they fight, if they fight in this, in the, on this UFC 184 yep. in, you know, four weeks from now, when is Vitor or whoever wins going to be ready to fight again? You know, they're going to need another four or five months. So now, now, then I'm going to be on the shelf forever. Right. You know, then let's say one of them get injured or I get injured. Let's sit, and I'm not even gonna say I get injured. I'm done being injured. <laughs> but uh, let's say one of them get injured. Then it, I just listen, man. I want to be on champion. I want to fight as many people as I can, uh, and I, I want to dominate the, this division. I want to fight a couple of super fights, and then I'm out. That that's the that's the game plan. I'm not losing to anybody. Uh, you know, I, you know. I've said I've said this all before. Everything I've said has has came to fruition. I said I was going to beat Anderson Silva. People laughed at me. I said I was going to beat him again. I said I was going to finish him both times. Unfortunately, the leg break is not the way I would have wanted it to go. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on a mission. Uh, there, there's some curveballs that got thrown thrown into the uh, to my dream, but I'm on, I'm on a mission and it's not finished yet. So, to be clear, you're kind of hoping that they don't book Vitor so that you can be ready to fight him April, May, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, Yes, I want to. I want to fight Vitor. 
and uh, and I want it, I want it to be as soon as possible. So that that's that's my goal. If they if they do another fight with Vitor, it does does screw me. Unless you know what I was thinking is if Anderson Silva did really good in this fight, they were probably gonna try to even if they made Vitor fight, they'd probably have Anderson skip over Vitor and I'd be fighting Anderson again because mm. it's a big fight. Um, but I don't think that's I think that might be out of the question now. So I just want to I just want to fight um, as well, soon as possible. I, so it looks like I want to fight Vitor as soon as possible is really the answer. You say out of the question. I mean, what did you think of his performance? Anderson returns 13 months after your fight, beats Nick Diaz five rounds. What do you think of it? Um, it was a very weird fight. Um, I have a, I have a lot of respect for both fighters. Especially Anderson fighting him twice, and I've actually grown to respect Anderson even more. Uh, you know, we spoke to him a couple of times uh, at the time is now event, and I think he's he really has grown as a person. Uh, just likable guy. He's really became a family guy, more spiritual. I think he's just really grown as a person. Uh, so I have a lot of respect for him. Uh, in the fight, you know, I'm happy that he came back. He was healthy. He was able to go out there and get a W. Uh, but did I think he looked impressive? No. You know, I don't think. Uh, he's what everybody, you know, thought Anderson, you know, would look like and what he could do to Nick Diaz. Um, you know, there was a lot going against him with the leg injury. You know, it didn't seem like he was kicking the legs as much as he, he usually could. Uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. You weren't blown I, away. You don't think he deserves a title shot after uh, a performance nah, like that? No, nah, I don't think he deserves a title shot. There's a lot of other guys uh, that I think uh, are better than him right now. Do you think he should retire? Do you think he should just leave at this point? I mean, he comes back, he exercises those demons. He's almost forty. Um, considering what you saw, you know, just you know, put yourself because you were a fan of his. You call him greatest of all time, all that stuff. I know you've watched the sport for a long time. Do you care to see this guy fight again? You know, I, you know, I, being the champion, I know this goes, this, this ends up going further than I even want my comments to go because my opinion, I don't think, really matters that much, and I don't want it to weigh on him at all. But I, for me as a fan, if I'm just a normal person, I, I want to see him done. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as, as Chris Weidman, as me, <laughs> you know, you want it's a big money fight. You know, eventually, you know, a third fight. But I really just uh, I like to see him retire. Uh, and uh, I think you know he's got a great family. He's got five kids. He's made a lot of money. He has a great legacy. He's, he he just he just won a fight. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him retire. You know, on a W. You know, I, I, I checked out your Twitter. You, you wrote a brief thing about how disappointed you were, and I just couldn't believe, you know, humanity is, is, is a very interesting thing, and it could be downright disgusting at times. Like some of the, the, the comments that you were receiving, just unbelievable to me. Did you read anything? Did you post that thing and go away? Did you read anything? And what do you say to the person sitting at home? You know, if you haven't read anything, the person who sits at home and says, all right, this is the second time you pull out. I mean, what's going on here? Are you brittle? What, what's, what's the deal? So... Can you answer the, 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 the backlash if you read any of that? And if you haven't, I would suggest probably not reading it. And on the flip <laughs> side, what do you say to those detractors? Do you, do you realize everything I've been through? Do you think any of that stuff gets to me? It doesn't. It doesn't really get to me. I fought Anderson Silva twice. Things that people said after my first fight and after my second fight to me are, are mind-boggling as far as humanity and where people's minds you know, can go is pretty, is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I did read some of it and it's basically, you know, me getting called the P to the Y a bunch of times. If you catch my good, catch my drift, yeah. you know, without you know, being vulgar on, on this, uh, sure. with, on this uh, thing, but, uh, you know, the, I'm getting called, you know, the P to the Y, P to the Y. And the thing is people so easily forget, 
You know, my last fight I fought with a broken hand, you know, a confirmed broken hand. I fought Alessio Sicari on two weeks' notice with a broken rib, confirmed broken rib. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my last, my last fight with a broken hand, I, I wasn't able to spar or even hit pads three weeks before, even in the locker room. I couldn't even hit a pad without extreme sharp pain because of a broken hand. I took Damian Maia on 10 days' notice and cut 30, 32 pounds in 10 days. Uh, almost died cutting the weight. And then I get an injury where I could hardly move, and I'm up P to the Y. So it, it's just funny how uh, people, you know, you, I could go from being the toughest guy in the world to being that word. Right. You know? So it's just, it's just funny how people flip-flop and they forget so easily. Um, you know, after they see me fight again, after my next fight, and and I and I smoke Vitor, you know, I'm not. They'll they'll calm down with those words for a while, but as soon as something bad goes again, you know, something bad happens again, they'll they'll jump the other way. Uh, I'm thankful to all my loyal fans. I did have a lot of support. I saw on my Twitter and stuff like that. Anybody who you know stuck through me through these times, you know, I fought you know the greatest of all time, and it was hard to uh, kind of vouch for me and, and believe that I was going to win. Uh, you know, through those two fights, uh, and to say vocally without getting backlash from whoever you're talking to. So the people that supported me uh, from the beginning, I really appreciate it. it means a lot. And for all you guys, uh, for all you guys that hate on me and are, are you're talking crap on my Twitter, you guys are gonna get a reality check soon. Hmm. You know, and I'll, I'll put you guys in your place. And uh, you guys are very uh, nearsighted. You know, you guys don't, you guys don't get it. You know, I, I spoke to you briefly late last week, and you were obviously very down, but I'm wondering if you have turned the corner yet. Like, you, you're you obviously aggravated, and I'm wondering if this has now become super motivation. I, I know that you can be a, a pretty competitive guy. Um, do you think this has lit a fire under you, this this criticism, this setback, what Vitor says? Like, are you are you using this as motivation yet, Are you, or are yeah. you still in that sort I'm of... The, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah. Really getting the chills, and... And holding myself back from getting too, too excited right now and too emotional, and because uh, and, and telling you what I'm going to be doing to Vitor, because mm-hmm. I want to stay within myself here. I know you want. I, I know you want me to go off, but no, no, no. Um, I just, I'm just, I'm, I'm holding it in, and it'll, it'll be released on uh, on my next fight day, hopefully in May, April, late April, May, when I'm healed and uh, and I can do my thing again. Did you um, get a little bit of a, of a of a boost, some 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 motivation? Were you uplifted seeing your your friend uh, Ally Quinta come out there and have a great performance, a, a career defining performance, at least at this point against Joe Lozon? Did you see that on Saturday, and did that kind of get your juices flowing as well? Yeah, I mean, I was I'm so happy for that kid. It was one of the first uh, fights that I wasn't cage side going nuts, but I was, yeah. I was going nuts in the room. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm so happy for him. You know, he's, he's he's proven a lot. You know, against some really tough guys. You know, Ross Pearson. You know, he's on a three three knockout three win uh, by knockout streak. Um, he, Ross Pearson and and Joe Lozano. You can't get too tough for guys. Uh, Ross Pearson, a dangerous striker, and he stops him with strikes. And then Joe Lozano, who is really dangerous everywhere. Uh, very unique style. Very tough guy, and he goes out there and finishes him. It's, and he keeps his composure. It, he's really, you know, when, when I got into the sport, I was I was in the sport before me. Actually, he, he was like a fourteen and zero amateur. He might have had one or one or two pro fights already. And I was kind of looking up to him. I remember watching him the way he mixed it up 
his striking and his wrestling and his kicks and his punches and kind of admiring him and, and learning from him. So I, and I still, and I'm still learning from him. So he's, he's a, he's a big uh, inspiration. Before I let you go, I'm wondering, is there a chance that the Vitor Belfort, Chris Weidman fight happens at MSG? I know you're, you're on the inside. I know you know what's up in, in Albany with Sheldon Silver appearing to be on the outs. Is there a chance that New York gets legalized this year and we see you uh, fight Vitor and MSG? What are you hearing? You guys really think I'm injured? <laughs> oh, can you imagine? <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just popped as a family. Really can you I'm imagine? Injured? You guys think this is real? Wow. MSG, late May. <laughs> Get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. That would be incredible. Which that's true. But uh, I, I, who knows? I would love to be fighting in MSG. Obviously, that's a dream, dream of mine to f- fight in Madison Square Garden, fight in New York in general. Are you hearing anything about that? I fought on the East Coast and right. since before, my, uh, before I got in the UFC. So I haven't been able to come back and, and, let, uh, and, and kind of cheapen the airfare for everybody in New York. Are you hearing anything about it? All I know is that uh, the guy who sponsors the bill of MMA yeah. is going to be the Speaker of the House, so that's huge. Yeah, I don't know the timeline as far as when they could get a vote in, because the thing that always held it up. I, obviously, I know you this. I know you know this, but as far as like just the audience, uh, is that Sheldon Silver was the Speaker of the House, and he was the guy who controlled putting the vote on the floor for the Assembly. Correct. And it would always pass to the Senate, and then it gets to the point where the vote would have to go on the floor to get voted on by the Assembly, and Sheldon Silver would never put the vote on the floor, even though. If it did get voted on in the assembly, because I spoke to a, so, uh, pretty much all the assemblymen, they it would have been a, almost a unanimous vote mm-hmm. of getting in. Uh, but he held it back, so now we're going to be able to get that vote on the floor and get it voted in. But I just don't know when they could do when how it works with getting that when yeah. the vote is able to start. Yeah, I think obviously May April will be a little soon, especially you get the athletic commissions involved. But hopefully, 2015 is our year for everyone living in New York and wanting to watch MMA at MSG Barclays Center and all the arenas in this great state uh chris we appreciate the time very much get well soon keep us posted on your progress and hopefully you do get that vitor fight because i think both of you want it very much i think the fans want it and hopefully it happens sooner rather than later so thanks so much for stopping by and again get well soon all right guys thanks ariel guys i appreciate the support all you haters (laughs) i don't know what to say to you but bye-bye all right there he is the ufc middleweight champion chris weidman stopping by Great stuff from him, passionate stuff, real stuff, and uh, we, we wish him the best. It's, uh, it's a lot more fun when the champions are healthy. Uh, by the way, I, I didn't mention this uh, at the top of the show, but you probably noticed by now my, my voice is a little shot, a little under the weather, but uh, that's it. So we're able to do the show, no problems, but it doesn't sound like my usual sexy self. We go now from one champion to another. UFC middleweight champion Chris Weidman. We now go to the UFC flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson, who I appreciate stopping by because I'm wondering if last night was uh, was a bit of a bummer for him. Demetrius, are you there? Yeah, man. What's going on, Errol? My condolences on last night. Did you go to the game? No, 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 no. I was at home. How did you react to that? Oh, that shit happened. You know, my wife, I was like, once uh, Jeremy Church uh, caught that crazy ball. I was like, oh, that's game. They're going to give him the beast mode. He's going to run it in. We're good. We need a 20-yard line. And then sure enough, that was like, nope, anything can happen just like you. You know, I get nervous when it's one minute left in your fight. Even though I was, <laughs> you whooped the guy's ass, I still get, you know, anything can happen in one minute. And then sure enough, and I was like, you got to be effing kidding me. Do you think that was the worst call in the history of sports? 
man, it, it's hard. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, they have their series at the playoff of, and, you know, they're professional football, uh, you know, professional coaches. So, I mean, I, I can't say, you know, it was the worst play call in history, but if, if it was me, you know, um, I, I'm a professional coach, but I would have given it to, you know, Turbin or Lynch and just worked my way. And they had, like, I think all the timeouts left, and it was maybe 15 seconds left in the game. I mean, I, I would have put my eggs in all bats and, you know, give it to one of those guys, throw a touchdown, kick the field goal, you know, do a deep kick in there and give Tom Brady, see if he can make it down, you know, with, you know, the LOB and the secondary, see if they can, if Tom Brady can get past them. I would have put my eggs in that basket instead of trying to lead the clock. By the way, what's the mood like in, in the state of Washington today? You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, like, in the other day, you know, there's not a lot of traffic to the gym, so um, I, I think the hardest thing is that people are upset because they could have, you know, made history two-time Super Bowl champion, and I, I think that's what hurts the most, especially for the players. They worked so hard to get there, then they come up short one-yard line, and it's like, you know, it's, what can you do, you know? But they had a fantastic season, and I'm sure they'll be back stronger than ever. Two more things, because I'm just curious to get your perspective on this. Um, what's your take on Marshawn Lynch? He's kind of, you know, our, our Nick Diaz in a sense, although Nick is a lot more open and, uh, and, and, and verbose and, and, and interesting. But he is a, a hot topic. He doesn't like to talk to the media. You're great with the media. What's your take on someone? Do you get where he's coming from? Or as, as someone who likes to be a role model and he plays for your team, do you get annoyed by his antics? No, not at all. I mean, I, I can appreciate it because he doesn't want to talk. You know, he says, I'm all about the business, you know. I'm a fan of Marshawn Lynch, what he does on the field, not because of the interviews. And, you know, sometimes when you talk to the media, they can misconstrued or twist the words that you say in the interview to make it sound like that's something you want to do. And what I heard in the past, that's what's happened to him. And he goes, you know what, epic. You know, I'm not going to do media anymore because you guys don't put out there what I say. Hmm. So, and it, and it happens in mixed martial arts, too, you know. I mean, I've done interviews, and next thing you know, it headlines something I didn't even say, and then I get pissed off and, you know, things go down a bad down the barrel. You were at the, uh, the the media row earlier in the week before going to UFC uh, 183. How did the people, you know, like the, the, the mainstream media types, you know, the snooty types, how did they receive you? Did they appreciate who you were, what you've done? Did you get the sense they knew who you were? You fought on Fox, so you had a great picture with uh, Mr. Icky Shuffle. But overall, I mean, what kind of love did you get from the people? How did you, how did you react and how did they receive you? Yeah, you know, uh, the media who knew uh, about mixed martial arts, they loved it. You know, they thought it was awesome, especially me being a hometown guy from Seattle. You know, I still live here, train here. You know, I'm not like, uh, you know, Misha or Ben Henderson who packed up and moved away to a different state or whatever. But, you know, that's, that's their life. But I still live here. You know, I, I drive by the Seattle Seahawks training facility every single day when I'm going to the gym. And, you know, the uh, ex-football players, um, they received me pretty cool because, you know, I have the belt there. And, they showed me their Super Bowl ring, and I was trying to switch one because, you know, I had the, the fake belt, the replica, so I was trying to get a Super Bowl ring out of it. And um, they loved it, man, and it was awesome just to see, you know, how many ex-football players there, you know, respect me because I'm a champion in that sport. Wow, I like the little jab at Misha and Benson. That was nice. No, 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 Subtle. Jab. There's no jab. It's Subtle. Just, I'm just telling you, everybody's like, oh, you don't live in Seattle anymore, do you? I said, dude, I live right down the street. Like, I went to high school, middle school elementary here bro like <laughs> i've been here longer than russell wilson has what you talking about yeah yeah um okay so let's talk about the fights you were there on saturday in las vegas i'm dying to ask you this you know a lot of people thought lineker mccall number one contender fight i mean it makes a lot of sense especially if lineker won and again he misses weight and finally dana white says you're done at flyweight 
and you got to move up to bantamweight. And now he beats the number three ranked guy, I believe he was at the time. And what does it all mean? It means nothing because he's going up to 135. What was your take on that whole situation? Do you agree with Dana White saying, okay, I don't care if you won, you're going up? Or does a part of you really want to fight this guy now? Because it's clear, at least to me, you know, as long as, you know, Dotson is out and McCall just, I mean, he's the number one contender, right? Say, I mean, first of all, you know, I have to give it to Dana White because these guys keep on doing it, man. I mean, it's not like a one-time thing, you know. Same thing with that Kevin Gaston fight. You know, they're great athletes. They fight well. They can beat, you know, top contenders. But at the same time, it's not it's not fair. It's not part of the sport. You know, at the end of the day, it was a catch weight, you know, even though Ian McCall made 126. And, you know, it's great that Dana White's making them do it, you know. I'm sure John Lineker will have a great, you know, career up at uh, 135. He'll probably knock some guys out up there. But it does suck for the flyweight division because, uh, you know, that was the number one contender. I mean, he, he's been on a hot streak, you know, destroying his opponents, you know, not just squeaking by. And it would been made for a great fight for me and uh, the fans. So now you're kind of left in, in limbo, right? Like, were you told that if he won and made weight prior to the fight, prior to the weigh-ins, that that was the direction they were going in? Yeah, you know, that's that's you know, something, you know, they hinted at, you know, but then the day you, you can never uh, throw your eggs in that basket until you get that contract. And even then, somebody, I mean, you look at Vitor Belfort and Chris Weidman, you know, they're about to get it up. And next thing you know, somebody got injury. Now it's out. Now they're sitting in, in limbo again. You know, Chris Weidman can get another injury. Hopefully not, knock on wood. He got another injury. And then Chris, I mean, Vitor Belfort's waiting, still waiting. And next thing you know, a year and a half goes by, the middleweight champion hasn't been defended. So, Nothing's for certain in this sport. All you can do is take care of yourself and save your money and uh, wait for your next fight. What do you think of uh, Lineker rubbing his belly towards the end of the fight? Oh, that was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> really? He was like, ah, ha, 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 laughing. And, you know, and he even called some fat boy and talking all this trash. And at the end of the day, I mean, you're going to talk trash, you know. You, you got to, you know, not back it up. But just got to watch what you say. And, you know, at the end of the fight, you know, he McCall's walking past me and, I went straight to his face, and I said, hey, man, even though you talk shit about me, great fight. And he had nothing to say. And I was like, you know, people were like, I can't believe you said it. I was like, dude, it was true. He was talking all this trash. And, you know, I mean, he had a great fight. He's a great guy, a great person. You know, he's not out there, you know, uh, committing crimes. And, you know, he, he, he follows the rules in the sport. At least he makes weight. He doesn't do any drugs. So I got to respect him as an athlete. But, you know, when it comes to people talking trash, you know, I got to call him out on it, you know. Well, he did tell me before the fight that, you know that he is better than you. Did you see that, and what did you make of those comments? No, it's it's not like, I mean, even though I'm not fighting John Lineker, you know, I know how to approach him. I know how to get the fight to where I want it and not try to negate what he's good at. You know, John Lineker is very good about um, throwing a lot of combinations and throwing to the body and to the head. And I've already, you know, me, Matt, and my coach Brad, we've already thought of the, the perfect game plan, like you say, how to beat him like that because he's not the first power puncher I've ever fought. Um, he's definitely, he would have definitely been the first power puncher I fought who doesn't make weight and cross the distance a certain way. So we, we already knew what I was going to do to him. So, but I'm talking about McCall's comments. What do you think of that? Oh, I didn't care. I mean, just like anybody else comments about me, I don't care about him. I mean, obviously when we get face to face, you know, um, I'll have words with him. But other than that, it's, you know, he said it and, he fought, he lost, and that's the end of it. Because the, the first fight was a draw, and the second one, you obviously beat him rather convincingly. Do you even think there's a score to settle there? 
You know, not at all. I mean, I, I think he wants to start out slow because he got the short end of the stick. I guess you say. And you know, like I said, in, in Australia, you know, it, it was a it was a great fight. You know, obviously, you can you go back and look at the pictures of me weighing in, and um, when I got in the octagon, I was just a totally different person. You know, my diet was horrible, and things happened. But you know, we fought the second time. It was his choice to not take it so seriously, as he says, and kind of until the fight fat or whatever, that's his call. I mean, if he, if he really, really wanted that fight, he would have came in focused, determined. He goes, I know what the end game is. I know what the end goal is, and that's going to be fighting Joseph Benavides for that belt. Obviously, he, he slapped off. And, you know, granted, people have things going on in their lives and all that stuff. You know, I've, I've lost one of my, my – my wife had a miscarriage right before I was about to have the biggest fight in my life against Joseph Benavides, and here I am in emergency surgery, and she's, you know – having emergency surgery because she had internal bleeding. So people say, oh, my life is in shambles. Like, I've gone through that shit before, too. Wow. Uh, I did not know that. And, of course, she's doing a lot better. You have a son. You have another kid on the way, right? Um, yep. Is this kind of a, uh, and I wish you guys the best with the, the second um, uh, pregnancy, and, and I know it's, it's, it's soon wrapping up. I'm sure she's excited about that. But is this kind of a blessing in disguise for you? Because you told me a few months ago that you wanted to fight before your wife gave birth, and maybe now with Lineker having to move up and McCall losing, it will delay your return. Is, is that a blessing in disguise? Yeah, you know, it kind of is. Um, as for family, and it's nice to be able to know that I'm actually going to be there for my, uh, my other son's wedding. I mean, not wedding. <laughs> I hope I'm there for that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm very happy, you know. Uh, they're thinking about possibly having me fight in May. So the baby's due April 11th, so I'm happy to be there and very excited. It's a blessing in disguise. So are they talking Memorial Day? You know, that's why I told them. I was like, dude, I want to get on Memorial Day weekend, you know, John Jones and uh, <clears throat> Rumble's going to be fighting on that, hopefully. And I don't mind sliding a little mouse in there to try to uh, display his skill set. And it doesn't matter who it is, you know, obviously – Horiguchi, um, you know, he's been whooping people's butts in the flyweight division. He's on a, a hot little win streak, and I wouldn't mind touching myself against him. So you think that's the guy who, at least right now, deserves it most? Yeah, obviously, you know, he, he's been on the streak. Even though what Doc accomplished in the past, he's been out for a while. And the two guys he beat, you know, John Miranda, he beat him before already. And then I think he knocked out, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Daryl Montague, and I haven't even heard of him. I haven't seen him, but he wasn't on a hot streak, so... I'm pretty sure, you know, Doc's not doing well. He's pretty, I'm sure he's healthy. And um, if, if they want Doc to fight, me and fight, that's really fine, too. It's, it's whatever. What do you make of, of uh, Horiguchi saying after his last one that he doesn't want a title shot? He said he wanted at least, like, two more fights. Is that a little strange to you? No, not at all. I mean, it's his career, and he can control it. And if he feels he's not ready for a title shot, that's, that's his... Uh, that's his choice, you know. Um, he, he's just being smart about it. You know, when I jumped in this sport of mixed martial arts, you know, I could have went pro after my first uh, four amateur fights, but now it's like, no, let's just take it slow. I want you to do a Muay Thai fight, boxing. I want you to do some jiu-jitsu tournaments. That way, when I become in the UFC, when I get in the UFC, and I, if I become champion, I'm here for a long time. I'm, I'm good everywhere, and I'm, I'm well-seated. Did you ever consider, you know, in, in, in the recent weeks and months, uh, a fun fight at 135, just just to get your, you know, your your sweat on, your juices flowing, because there isn't a clear cut guy right now. Or are you sticking around at 125? I'm sticking around 125. I mean, if I want to get my sweat, and my juices going, I'll just get it on. And like that one, she's so let's just let's just fall hard. Let's just let's just make it happen. So I can get that happening, you know. Um, and I told uh, I talked to you those all this weekend. I was like, hey, I told everybody that I'll fight you. And if you did, and I was like, yes. And I told him we're gonna get paid. And I said. 
$2 million. Uh, he goes, F yeah, I'm down with that. So anything less than that, no, uh, no bantamweight for Mighty Mouse. I guess not. I guess not. I left Dana does. I mean, uh, maybe one million. Dana wants to come out with that. Yeah. Um, hey, one last thing before I let you go. Uh, you know, you came out and I thought your comments were great because I've talked about on this show how I feel like your relationship with Xbox is the best sponsorship in MMA because it's a Northwest company. It's uh, it's clean. It fits your personality. You're a big gamer, all that stuff. And and one of the the byproducts of this Reebok deal is at least in cage, that's going to go away. Do you have any more insight as to what the state of your relationship is and how do you feel about the Reebok deal now a couple months after it has been announced? You know, um, my feelings are exactly the same. You know, uh, I read, I got the whole basically package about, you know, this is what you got to do during fight week. You reach a package in your corner, man, we'll get all this stuff. And, you know, like I said, it legitimizes the sport and, you know, it, it gives just gives that professional look, you know. A lot of guys out there um, this week, you know, have dynamic factor. You know, which there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, it's kind of hard to see the relations of uh, an uh, awesome sport like this martial arts be especially with dynamic factor. You know, not hating on because they're actually putting money into the sport and giving guys uh, a paycheck. And you know, I'm gonna talk once today with the Xbox, talk to those guys, see how things are going, and see what they got in the works and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know. I, I can't wear Xbox anymore once it wants that July uh, 2015. And hopefully, you know, Reebok wants to uh, sign me on um, before that, like they did with John Jones and Conor McGregor. I think I'm a great ambassador. You know, I'm a, a guy who works hard, and I've never given somebody a doubt to not get behind me. But but no talks of that just yet? No, 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 no. You know, Reebok hasn't reached out to me yet, and, um, you know, we obviously haven't reached out to... Reebok did, and we hope, you know, they take the first step or or USC make that step, you know, because, like I say, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to, you know, sign on with something and something bad's going to happen. You know, you can, you can trust that, you know, what you get is what you're going to get. You're not going right. to be shocked like, oh, my God, that happened? What? <laughs> yes. Uh, and, by the way, are, are, you, are you confident that, you know, that was a good deal for you? You've never actually come out and told us how much it's worth, but are you confident that you will not be losing money as a result of this? You know, at the end of the day, I think it's hard to say, you know. Um, at the end of the day, we don't know what the numbers actually are with uh, Reebok. So until then, I, I can't say that. Who knows? Reebok, I'm like, yo, you know, this is what the chance you're going to get. This is one through five you're going to get. And this is what, you know, uh, six through ten is going to get. And everyone might be extremely happy. And, you know, there's going to be some guys up there who are going to be upset. So until we figure out what the exact numbers are going to be, you know, I, I can't say anything. So, I, you know, like I said, I'm very happy for the sport and the UFC for running this big deal. And I hope it benefits everybody. All right, fair enough. Well, TJ, great to uh, talk to you as always. I know you were mad at me for being a little late, but it wasn't my fault, I promise. We had some technical difficulties. You were cracking the whip on, on the text, but you deserve to be. Your time is precious, so I apologize for that. But I do thank you very much and appreciate your time uh, here this afternoon after the, uh, the disappointing night in Seattle. My heart goes out to you guys. That sucks. <laughs> As a Buffalo Bills fan, I know I know a lot about heartbreak, and at least you got one last year, so I'm still waiting for my first. Hey, don't worry. It's going to happen. <laughs> Nothing lasts forever. That is true. Thanks so much, man. Good luck in your next fight, and, and of course, good luck to you and your wife on the, uh, the second pregnancy coming up. Or I guess it's not really a pregnancy. The pregnancy is happening. The second delivery. Yeah, yeah we're waiting for the, uh, we're waiting for the uh, oven to let us know with, <laughs> uh, the bread's done baked, I guess you say. All right. Good luck to you guys. Thanks, DJ. <clears throat> Thanks, buddy. There he is, Mighty Mouse, the UFC flyweight champion, stopping by. Great stuff from him, as always.
And I do agree. I do think he should be a part of that uh, that team Reebok thing, especially with that sponsorship. That's a great one. All right, let's move along now. As I mentioned at the top of the show, our next guest was a very busy man this past weekend in Las Vegas. Not only was he working for ESPN and I'm assuming doing a great job. I didn't have a chance to see it because I was there working as well. But he was also cornering his longtime friend and training partner, Nick Diaz. He was there at the MGM on Saturday. We'll talk to him about all that right now. I'm talking about El Nino Gilbert Melendez. Gilbert, how are you? I'm great, man. How you doing, Ariel? I'm doing great. So what a weekend for you, man. Was, was that a little stressful to be doing the TV stuff and corner your friend? Actually, it wasn't too stressful. My, my obligations for ESPN weren't much uh, on, on fight day. On Friday, we had some obligations, but, you know, it was just intense and, and fun, and, you know, it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a little draining, but, um, no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't stressful or, or overwhelming, you know. It was, you know it's, I love the sport, Ariel. I love it. I, I want to be in it till the day I die, so doing all that stuff is fun. Was it hard for you because you're so close to Nick, you know him so well, you know everything he's been through, you know, you're not – you know, you're, you're breaking it down technically and all that, but is it hard to do that when you're talking about a friend, a really close friend? Um, you know, I guess uh, it's not hard. It's not hard at all. But am I, am I biased? You know, yeah. of course I'm biased towards my team at all times, and I will be, you know, and, uh, and I really felt that Nick did a great job, and, and uh, I disagree with the judge. The judge is not giving him any rounds, you know. But, um, but, yeah, of course I'm a little biased. I always will be, and that's just how I roll, and uh, I see things differently because, you know, you're so tight with people, but, um, but no, man, I could, I could easily uh, do my thing and, and, uh, hopefully still, uh, you know, keep my credentials and credibility while I, right. while I speak. You know, I got to say that first round, in my opinion, one of the most entertaining first rounds I've ever seen. It was just, it was surreal. It was like watching a video game come to life. Like, A, I never thought I'd ever see these guys in the cage and Nick doing what he was doing, trying to get Anderson off his game and, and, you know, lying down all that. I mean, it was just, it was entertainment to the highest degree. Did you know he was going to do that? Because all week long, he was so respectful towards Anderson. Uh, you know, and Nick is always Nick. You know, you never know what to expect. But, um, you know, back to what you first said, I, I was in awe, too. I'm in the corner as well, and it's hard for me not to feel the same way. I'm like, holy smoke, <laughs> in the cage with Anderson, you know, and, and sitting there watching it happen. And then I start seeing Nick do his thing, you know. And I, I did remember Nick mentioning, you know, you know, it's hard for everybody. I'm not saying Anderson, you know, was running or anything, but, you know, Nick said he was going to try to take the center of the octagon and, you know, try to get the fight going. And if he was backing up and not standing toe-to-toe with them out the gate, he was, you know, he was going to do his antics. I didn't know that's what was going to happen, but he was going to do his thing. And, uh, and I think that's where it came from. It wasn't, uh, you know, it was, he was kind of putting that chalk line right in the center of the octagon and standing there. And, and uh, you know, eventually I think we got a little bit of that. A little taste of that here and there, been standing toe to toe, but uh, but you know you never know what to expect with Nick. But you know I was right there, just like as much as you're trying to be a, a corner man and a teammate as much as possible. You're you're in awe and watching uh, you know you know one of your teammates and one of the best guys on your team represent for you against the greatest of all time. And and you know it was it was a treat for me. Were you surprised Anderson didn't respond? Because I thought it was a brilliant game plan. Because the old Anderson typically does that stuff first. And I thought that he would respond and say, oh, you want to you play that game? I'll play that game with you and put the hands down. He had his hands up the entire fight, and it almost felt like he was very nervous walking to the cage. I don't know if you saw, but he was breathing. He seemed very tense. And then afterwards, he broke down crying. So there was obviously a lot of pressure on him. But I'm wondering if you were surprised that he didn't let his guard down to try to go tit for tat with Nick. I was pretty surprised that, um, you know, and it was also impressive for, uh, for Anderson 
to stay composed and, and have perfect form the whole fight. That was, uh, that you know, we never seen that. You know, he, he fought a very disciplined fight and was actually in really good shape and was able to keep that, uh, that form the whole uh, 25 minutes. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was impressed and surprised with it, and, and I thought he would, he would try to play that game a little bit. And I, I think in the first round it was, you know, you know, I think Nick's goal was to get him to stand a little more toe-to-toe so he could be within reach and try to hit him a little bit more. And, and some of it worked, but, but, yes, I was surprised that Anderson didn't get wrong completely and, and give us more of a reaction with that kind of stuff. Nick said afterwards he thought he won. Do you agree? I thought uh, I, I thought there were some really close rounds, and, and I, I didn't agree that I didn't agree that Anderson won every single round. I thought the first and second round could have been Nick easily, and I thought the fourth round was one of those rounds that could have won a Nick as well. So, I mean, do I think it was a you know it was an easy thing to score, and uh, and do I say that uh, you know he swept and won every single round? I thought a lot of those rounds were close, you know. And I thought Anderson definitely won the third round is the round I gave it to him. But the first round, second round, I, you know, I'm encouraging Nick, keep doing what you're doing. You're in this fight. You're winning these rounds. And, you know, you know and it's, it's a tough fight to score, you know, and it's a tough fight to fight. But um, with that size difference and everything, you know, Japan style, you know, I would give that to Nick. Hmm. Uh, last thing on, on that fight, do you think Nick Diaz ever fights again? Do I think Nick Diaz ever fights again? Well... Man, it would be a shame if he didn't. That's all I could say. It would be a shame if he didn't. I think he's an amazing fighter, and, and uh, you know, and I think he needs big fights to get him excited, and if we can get him another fight to get him excited, I think we'll see him there again. So I think it's a, there's a strong possibility uh, that the UFC can make that happen. So he hasn't closed the door, though, uh, as far as you're concerned? As far as I'm concerned, uh, I, don't, I, I, I can't really speak on his behalf, but I don't, I don't think so. I don't think he's done. Okay, that's, uh, that's very good to hear. Let's transition to you. Of course, we last saw you December 6th in Las Vegas um, against Anthony Pettis. Are you over the fight? H- have you moved on, or are you still harping on it? Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's hard to get over. You know, there's a couple times where I'm just, you know, either training, running around, or even eating dinner with my wife, and I just, you know... You just you scream out shit, you know, out of nowhere, you know, and it just comes back out of your mind out of nowhere. You know, you you messed up, and you know you did. You wish you could have done things differently. So yeah, I mean the pain is not as extreme, but it's always in the back of your head, you know. And until I move on and, and have a better performance, you know, uh, I think it'll 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 hurt less. But uh, but yeah, I'm over it mostly. I said this afterwards, but I, I want to say to you, I was so impressed with how you handled it. I mean, you turned into an analyst after the fight in your post-fight interview in the cage, almost breaking down what went wrong, and you handled it with all class. It was really like if you want to show a fighter how to deal with a loss, especially on that stage, just show them that two-minute interview because it was super impressive. So, you know, kudos to you. You, you handled it like a real pro and with a lot of class. Um, do, you have, do you have a theory as to why it, it turned out the way it did, or did you just think he was the better man that day, or did you do something wrong? Um, you know, he was definitely the, the better man that day, you know, but I think I, I could be the better man on another day. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, you have to be very focused in your fights. You can't lose a split second of focus, you know, and I feel like I did that as well as, um, you have to be a disciplined fighter and fight perfectly that night. You know, you're a perfect fighter, as perfect as you could be. And I'm a very focused fighter who doesn't really flinch or, or, you know, just kind of don't make any mistakes and, and that's where I, I get far and, you know, um, had a little lack of focus in there, a little, um, a little too overly aggressive, which, you know, led to not as much discipline, you know, which became sloppy, you know, wide punches, you know, and, and uh, you know, which, you know, which led to 
me shooting from far and you know getting hit and then you know just a, a slow reaction and next thing you know you're guillotined you know and uh wasn't that I quit out there I just I just feel like I could have fought a, a better more disciplined fight and uh and, and I knew it as it was going on I got over aggressive and and that's what happened but uh but yes you know it's, it's, it's hard to deal with but I'm moving on did did the long layoff screw with you a little bit I mean it had been quite some time over a year since you had fought were you out of it did you feel out of it well, I was I would say it was a a very a very productive uh yeah. year for my uh, for my um for my career, my brand. And I did some really good things as uh, you know, being an analyst and the TV show and you know, doing a lot of things, but um as a pro fighter to stay sharp at your age, it's like you need to be in the gym a lot more and uh and be there a little bit more and and I had a very strong training camp and I trained strong, but it's like you know, it's more than a more than a 10 week camp now. It needs to be, you know, year round prepping and staying sharp. And I, and I feel like, uh, I, I should have been a little more prepped, you know, going into a training camp and, and, uh, and, you know, and it's, it's uh, no one's fault, but my, but myself and my, my, my own. And, uh, you know, I'm, again, I'm always a student of the sport and I'm learning. And, um, you know, it's one of those things too, the sports evolving and getting better. And it's one of those things like, Hey, you just, you're good with what you're at. So you just kind of like, okay, you just kind of keep it there and you stay in shape. And then, there's things like this fight that motivates you to stay in the room and reinvent yourself and be in there and get even better and, and prep. So by the time you're at training camp, you just get in shape, you know? So, so I could have spent a little more time in the, in, in the office, uh, you know, training. So, um, I'm, I'm working on that right now. So what do you want to do next? What makes sense for you as far as you're concerned? What, what, what's your plan now? You know, I look down the top 10, I look at the lineup and, and I see a lot of guys matched up and I see a lot of names that, that I'd like to fight. Um, you know, the one name stands out, you know, big time to me. You know, this is a person who, who probably, you know, doesn't like me much. And, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe I feel mutual. But, um, <laughs> but I, but I want to fight them because, not because of that. It's not personal, but because I respect them much. And, and I think they're a great fighter. But at the same time, I think we're a great matchup. And we wanted to fight each other for a long time. So, you know, if Eddie Alvarez is out there and, uh, and he's open to fight me, and I think he is, there's no doubt in my mind he's open to fight me. I think we should we should finally make a date and we should try to fight each other. And, um, you know, to me, no better place than uh, Mexico City would be the one to do it on, if you ask me. But, um, you know, if, if we can make that happen, the UC can make that happen, and Eddie wants it, I think that's the next fight for me. So so Mexico City is is, is rumored to take place uh, June 13th later on this year, and it's going to be a big one. Hopefully, Cain Velasquez will be on it against Fabricio Verdun. Verdun was on our show a couple of weeks ago saying that that's what he is hoping for and, and has been told tentatively. Um, and and I, I love the idea of the fight. Longtime listeners of this show will remember that when you were in Strike Force and Eddie was in Bellator, Eddie called into the show when Scott Coker was on asking to fight you, and it, it never worked out. Scott couldn't make it happen, co-promotion, all that. Uh, so this is a fight that's been years in the making. Two of these sort of underground kings, if you will, guys who have been champions in other organizations and uh, you know, finally are now in the UFC in the same organization. You mentioned maybe a, a little bit of an issue with him. What, what, what is that? Where does that stem from? You know, I, you know, I believe I was calling Eddie Alvarez out first. You know, again, you know, I, I called him out because I thought he was one of the best guys. And initially I called him out you know, back in the day thinking that Strikeforce and Bellator could have made it happen. I mean, this is years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think he took it a little bit as an insult because he thought it wasn't, uh, it wasn't even possible. You know, why are you even calling me out? It's not even possible. You know, stop saying my name, you know. And, and then, you know, it just, just kept going first, full circle. And then he's calling me out and, you know, he put some nasty tweets about me here. And, you know, I never really phased me. 
But, uh, but you know, let's just put it this way, man. It's just, uh, you know, two guys that uh, probably are similar fighting styles, you know, uh, would, be a, would be a good recipe for a, a, a badass MMA fight. So, uh, you know, all that stuff aside, you know, it's not really personal. I really don't care how it feels. I really don't care much about him, but I, I do respect him as a fighter. And, uh, you know, and, you know, I'd like to share the octagon with him. Finally, I'd like to share it and, and just, you know, figure out who's the better fighter. I feel like a uh, an Alvarez versus Melendez fight. Just those last names alone in Mexico makes a whole lot of sense. Do you do you speak Spanish, by the way? You know, my, my Spanish is not fundamental, so I practice <laughs> all the time. You know, uh, you know, I, I try. Uh, you know, it's it's tough. You know, I, I I didn't learn it when I was young, but um, you know, I'm working on it here and there, and I'll give my best in an interview. But uh, but you know, Ariel, there's no doubt about it. When I fight, you know. I feel like I connect to the Mexican people just because I, I truly fight like a Mexican, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, uh, and, you know, sometimes I feel disconnected from the culture because of my Spanish, but, um, you know, being able to go out and, and represent in front of Mexico and, and, and showing my style, you know, there's, there's no doubt where my blood is from, you know? So, uh, you know, so I feel that's my best way to connect to the, to the people when they see me fight, but yeah, I'm working on my Spanish and I'll get it one of these days. Have you pitched this idea to the UFC? And if so, what have they said? You know, I believe, uh, you know, Rodolph, my management, part of my management team, uh, mentioned it to Joe Silva. Yep. Um, I didn't really have a chance to mention it to the, to the bosses yet myself or anyone. And, uh, you know, I think it's in their ear. I, I knew Eddie, you know, was supposed to fight, uh, was supposed to fight Benson, and I know he pulled out. I don't know. Uh, I believe it was maybe an injury or something or, you know, or a flu. I, I don't know exactly what it was, to be honest. But, uh, you know, I hope he's better. I hope he'll be better by June and I uh, hope he'll be healthy. I never wish any ill or pain on anyone or any of the fighters. So, uh, but I figure, you know, fighters, injuries take about four weeks, five weeks, whatever, whatever's going on with him. Hopefully he'll be better by that time. But, uh, but um, yeah, we put the word out there and, and hopefully he's ready kind of, kind of hurt it itself. And are you okay with waiting till June? Uh, because we were talking about the inactivity that will be around six, seven months because Mexico means a lot to you. Would you be okay with that? I would be okay with that. You know, I, ideally, uh, I was hoping to maybe even fight a little bit earlier, you know, somehow, uh, you know, I initially wanted that, but talking over my management team and everything, you know, we thought, you know, Mexico would be a great opportunity. And, and at this point in my career, you know, like, Hey man, I, I got a lot of fighting in me, you know, but I'm also a lucky guy and I really enjoy my career. I really enjoy the sport and, you know, how amazing would it be to fight in Mexico city yeah. and, you know, and, get out there a little early, maybe go take a run by the pyramid, you know, just, just to really, you know, enjoy the moment. And, you know, and you got to do that in this sport and really enjoy the moment. And I think being in Mexico City in front of everyone out there would, would be one of those memorable five memorable moments. Man, I've been a part of amazing, uh, you know, part of amazing cards. You know, I fought in Hawaii when BJ Penn fought Gomi. You know, I, it just would be awesome to be on another badass card with, you know, Canvas for Doom in Mexico City. It'd just be another great, great story in my career and, and for myself. So it just... Just sounds, you know, just sounds awesome. Yeah, no, it's a great call. I was there for the first uh, show back in November, and Kane wasn't on it. I can't imagine what the atmosphere would have been like had he fought on the car, but they were unbelievable. The place was full. It's a huge arena. It's a massive arena, one of the biggest, and the crowd was very knowledgeable and very into it, a very boisterous crowd. So I think that's a phenomenal idea. Um, I'm wondering, did you watch his fight against uh, Cerrone, his debut in September, and what do you think of his performance? I did see his fight against Cerrone, and uh, you know, I felt like uh, I felt like it was it was a decent performance, and you know, I, the late kicks really just started doing the damage for him, and 
you know, that really took him out of his game and in Cerrone's long body and some of those lead knees and kicks and and you know I think stylistically it was a, it was a bad matchup for uh, for um, for Eddie and and then also Cowboy just really showed a solid takedown defense and and Eddie is a is it was my pick to win because I thought he's going to be able to eventually get the takedown and, and put Cerrone on his back but uh, again Cerrone has just been a, an animal lately and was able to was able to defend the takedown. So uh, so when I saw that, um, you know, I thought I thought Eddie, you know, was doing well, except you know he just got picked apart in that leg and just eventually, you know, collapsed. You know, it's it's tough, man. You're fighting you're fighting Cowboy Cerrone, and you know you know he's a tough guy. So uh, you know I think he did all right, but not you know not the best. It's not your it's not your dream uh, your dream uh, opening fight yeah. for the UFC. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, you mentioned your longevity. You've you've been doing this since October of 2002, so approaching 13 years. And you're you're you know early 30s, uh, not not quite mid just yet. 32. Uh, how many more years do you want to do this for? You know, as long as my body lets me do it, um, Ariel. You know, I feel like it's just important for me to to just feel healthy and and make sure I, I take the appropriate steps to, to last as long as possible. You know, and. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm becoming wiser with my years, and, you know, I feel like I learned a lot from my last camp and my last fight, and I have a different uh, mindset, you know, looking at this. But, you know, I think it's, it's endless, you know, if I, if I stay healthy and, you know, and, uh, you know, I can do this for a long time. You know, you see people doing it for a while. But, you know, once, once my body starts calling it quits and, you know, once I, I don't want to become a student in the sport, I don't want to evolve and, you know, and I keep getting hurt, then, you know, I'll hang it up at the right time. But, you know, I'm I'm a warrior in blood, and I, I love to continue to learn and, and test myself, and I'll just let time tell. You know, but but you know, I, I cannot stay out of the gym. I'm, I'll be I'm obsessive compulsive, man. If I don't get mm. my workouts in, I start I getting edgy and, and acting weird, and and it just it's just not healthy for me. So I'll be in the gym till the day I die. You know, whether I'll be in the cage, that's, that's a different story. But uh, I'll be in the gym till the day I die. And based on your TV work, and I know you have the El Nino Training Center in in, in the Bay Area. Um, do you want to transition at some point into being a coach, like really having a stable? I know you have the scrap back and everything, but do you envision being, you know, like a Greg Jackson or something like that, a guy who will be traveling the world with your guys and really developing a team? I would love to do that one day. You know, I got a great gym at the Onio Training Center, and I have some really good coaches, which I believe, you know, in, in you know, a five-year future, I'll be able to even expand a couple in the Bay Area and, and you know, maybe have three solid gyms at the refinery for – for some top fighters in the Bay Area, and and yeah, you know the whole the whole the whole team. I got a good uh, a good lawyer, Sam Awad. You know, I'd love to do the whole management head to toe, really take care of fighters and you know my fighters at least, and and really try to guide them and, and help them learn from my mistakes as, as well as coach them. You know, I, I lo- again, Ariel, I love the sport, man. I have so many, I love to be a rep. I love to do everything. If you ask me, you know, but uh, <laughs> yes, mainly I, I would love to coach. Well, it was uh, it was a very interesting year for you because you kind of changed the game with the way you dealt with free agency and you got a great contract. The TV stuff, you know, being on the Ultimate Fighter, I know the title fight didn't go your way, but now you know you prove once again calling this shot in in Mexico, Eddie Alvarez. To me, that would be an unbelievable co-main event to the uh, Verdum Kane fight. So I'll throw in my vote. Here's hoping the fight happens in June later on this year. Good luck getting the fight, Gil, and great job this weekend. I know it didn't go your guys' way, but. Uh, I think Nick did a lot better than most people expected, hung in there, and uh, and hopefully I echo your sentiments. Hopefully he does return because I think there's a lot more fight left in him. Anyhow, good luck to you, Gil. Uh, always a pleasure to see you as I did in Las Vegas, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you, Ariel. Appreciate the interview. All right, there he is, Gilbert Melendez. Wanting Eddie Alvarez, I love that fight. Remember on this show back in the AOL days, I mean, we, we had Coker on, and... Uh, 
Coker was on and, and Eddie called in and asked for the fight. And then Bjorn, I believe, if my memory serves me correct, Bjorn would, was releasing text messages that he was sending to, to Coker asking for the fight. It never came to fruition. It's kind of hard to make those fights, especially when you have two promotions who are on uh, different networks and all that. You know, you could just ask Gilbert, uh, Gilbert uh, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather about that. But uh, and it never came to fruition. It was always a fight that people wanted to see because they were both outside of Zufa. They are both outside of the UFC. So we thought there was a better chance of a co-promotion happen. But now they're both in the UFC. And here's hoping everything is okay with Eddie Alvarez and he's able to return. You know, hopefully he wants to... come back. I mean, he hasn't fought in a while, so I wonder if he'd be okay with waiting until June, but that's the fight that I want to see. Even if you look at the rankings, it makes a lot of sense, I think. And I think Eddie's probably ranked a little too low. So it seems like... Give me one second here. giving my number, maybe I, I wrote something. You know, one guy who will know a lot about Mr. Eddie Alvarez is Rashad Evans, who's supposed to join us any minute now. Rashad Evans, of course, a member of the Black Zillions, the unofficial, maybe official team captain. They've really turned the corner. And of course, no bigger performance than the one recently by Anthony Johnson going to Sweden Silencing 26,000 Europeans, finishing Alexander Gustafsson in the first round, and now he will meet John Jones later this year. We go now to the phone lines and welcome in the aforementioned Rashad Evans. Rashad, how are you? I'm good, Ariel. How are you doing, my man? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so we got a lot to talk to you about, but I got to ask you yeah, first things first. What was your reaction? What, wh where were you? What were you thinking? I know you weren't in Sweden because I didn't see you there, but... Put us yeah. into the moment, your boy. You've known him for so long. He's your guy. You've trained with him. You've seen him go through the ups and downs, going to Sweden and doing what he did to Alexander. Put us in that moment. What exactly was, was going on in your life, in your head? Uh, well, I was at home. You know, I didn't want to be around too many people because I get too uh, anxious when somebody I'm close to fights. And uh, when I seen him come out, he just had this look in his eyes as if he was, like, um, super focused and uh, ready, but at the same time, in amazing calm and relaxed. And I was like, oh, man, Gus is in trouble. Huh. And, uh, you know, in, in the first exchange, I got kind of nervous and you got poked in the eye. Because sometimes, like, when you, you watch a fight and somebody gets poked in the eye, that, that's, a, that's an intention breaker. You know, anything you can, you know, something like that, get hit in the cup or a low blow or anything like that that stops the action. When you're in, not in uh, a favorite territory, that can be an attention breaker, breaker, and that can be, you know, go against you. So I got kind of nervous about that. But, you know, he came back with that big overhand right right on his neck and just went to work, and then I was like, that's my boy right there. <laughs> I, was just, I was just overwhelmed because, you know, to, to, really, to really get a sense of what I'm feeling, you know, what, what I was going through, it was just uh, Anthony had, you know, when he came onto this team, he, he was, you know, a 170-pounder. He was trying to make it. And uh, he, he's really, really struggled to find his rhythm. You know, he, he, you've seen flashes of, of he could be something at 170, but he just, you know, he, he was missing that other thing. 
and there was no sign that he'll ever ever get it. You know, it, it was it was almost a case of he has almost all the talent in the world, but just really something is something missing, not enough heart, not enough this. He just would not get it done. He'd never be at that elite level. And um, when he came here, you know, you, you see, I see him just trying to, like to, you know, kind of shed that and trying to find his flow, trying to find this rhythm, trying to find out who he was as a fighter and as a person. And, um, you know, even even getting in, in the UFC and having a failure of missing weight and getting out of the UFC, you know, it was something that was just, it was hard for him. And, and it was hard to be his teammate and his, and his training partner because, you know, you don't want to you don't want to see that prognosis on anybody. You know, you don't want to see nobody just down and out. You don't know what to say. You know, you don't know if you're ever going to fight in the UFC again. And, uh, you know, that's everybody's ultimate dream. So to see him, you know, lose his was hard. But he uh, he kept fighting, and he got better, and he got better. And then now he's on the stage, and now he's showing what all the hard work and everything else ha- has made him into. You know, people are like, oh, AJ's a monster, a monster. This kid has been a monster. He's been this way. Now he's just showing everybody who he is. Honestly, though, did you think he could do this, get to this point, 205-pound, number one contender? Did you really think he had it in him, or do you think he'd be, you know, a great fighter and all, but just never quite reach level like, say, you were at? You know, I the first time I really, really realized that AJ was going to be a problem was when uh, he was actually training for Vitor Belfort. Hmm. And um, at that point, you know, at that point it was uh, – it, it was like, you know, I was, I was a bigger guy, you know, and, and, um, you know, before that, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I felt like I, I was able to, you know, kind of get at him a little bit, but then that camp, something changed. Something changed. I couldn't get at AJ no more. Like I couldn't get at him at all. Like it was, I was like, man, AJ getting the better. I mean, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> and he just, he just, he just grew and level, you know, and he kept getting better and better and better. And once somebody gets better like that, it kind of forces everybody else to get better too. But AJ was leading the pack and just, you know, just these games, you know, and, and getting better in all the areas. His wrestling got better. For, that was his first thing that got better was his wrestling. Mm. You know, his wrestling got better, and then and then his ground game got better. And then and then he got he gained a tremendous amount of of confidence in his stand up and his ability to knock people out. And then now to the point where he's in the gym and he's training, you know, at any given moment somebody switch up and, and they they change up the speed on him. And, and they try to catch him one, oh, he'll probably knock that person out. You know, and that's just that's just how AJ's had developed into the fighter that he is today. Now, it's, just, it's been built over with this confidence that he has in himself now. Where did humble AJ come from? Because, you know, when I first met him, you know, doing interviews and stuff, you know, he wasn't he wasn't like an asshole or anything, but, you know, he, he was a little cocky. He was a little um, standoffish with the media. Now he's such a pleasure to talk to. He's so down to earth. I mean, the way he handled Sweden and the the post fight interview, talking about Gustafsson, it was really commendable stuff. Total class act. Where did that guy come from? You know, life life has a, a funny thing it does you sometimes. You know, life, life humbles you, and um, you know, with the road that he's had, you know, even with the trials and tribulations that um, you know that keep on trying to get him down, is that. Uh, you're you're humble. You're humbled in the process of of almost having it and almost losing it, and, and knowing the difference of, of what it means to have both. And then when you get it, you uh, you appreciate it. You 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 see things differently. You see life differently. And I think that's what you're looking at with AJ. You're looking at a guy who just sees life differently. Because you know, even though everybody's like, oh, he's the flavor of the month now, he knows he knows that he knows that people you know they're going to give him hype and all that. He knows that. 
but he knows not to buy into it too. He knows where to leave it. He knows not to make that his identity. He knows to say, you know what, I'm AJ and I'm this big bad dude, not knock anybody out and, and carry this that kind of air, that kind of arrogance. He knows better because he knows that, you know, people hype you up, they build you up and they break you down. Mm. But if you never let anybody make you who you are, then you never have to worry about anybody destroying you. Okay, last thing on him. Um, he's going to fight John Jones. You obviously know John as well as anyone. You fought him, and of course, you you trained with him for quite some time. Um, and I know you predicted an uppercut KO win, but can you break it down? How do you see this fight playing out? Because it's it's the idea of of seeing John Jones at this point knocked out cold, and this really is one of his most interesting tests because he's never fought a guy at at, at AJ's level and age with that kind of knockout power so it's a fascinating matchup it's a fresh matchup but how do you actually see it playing out well the, the thing about john jones that makes him so dynamic and, and make him probably the, the one of the best ever is the fact that he's able to adapt his game plan to the guy he's fighting and then i'll fight the guy in his own game now that is is something he could do in in, in a lot of athletes that he faced but he can't you, you can't you know, get punching power. He's got punching power, you don't. And John does not have that kind of punching power. He has very damaging elbows and stuff like that. But if you're looking to fight an in-close fight with a guy like AJ, he hits you, you're going to get knocked out. You know, and if you're looking to take him down, good luck because he's amazingly hard to take down. He has heavy hits, and, and, and you are going to get hit before you go in. Now, um, John is very creative, and, and, and AJ has never went with somebody who is such a creative striker as John. But let's be honest here, John, John, you know, he can be hit. Gustin showed many times that he can't get hit. And, uh, you know, just, uh, um, Gustin started a, a lot of his onslaught with the his favorite combination. And, and his favorite combination is the uppercut, leading with the uppercut or, or, or finishing with the uppercut. And, and that left hook, those are AJ's favorite punches. You know, his, his hardest punch is the uppercut. You know, and, and, I, and I think that if they start exchanging, which they will exchange, and it's gonna, they're going to exchange because they... Uh, AJ brings out pressure. He will catch John and he will knock him out. Early? Will it be early? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say within the first two rounds for sure. Wow. No contest. That sounds like an easy night. Well, it's not. I mean, I mean to, to say it like that it sounds like I don't have any respect for John Jones and, and what he's done, you know, as far as being a champion for the last years. But let's be honest here. When, when, you know, um, it, it's, it, what it comes down to is just punching power. This kid can really hit. And John makes himself. John. John does not. I'm not saying John can't take a hit, but I'm. I'm saying he's never been hit with somebody like this. Hmm. He never gets hit by somebody like this. Okay, let's transition to you because you were supposed to fight February 22nd against Glover Teixeira. Glover pulls out of the fight. You know, you'd be 20 days away from your your much anticipated return. It has been quite some time since we've seen you in action. And the light heavyweight division is super interesting these days, especially with Gustafson losing and Cormier losing as well recently to John Jones. But Dana White mentioned something in passing on Saturday night very briefly that kind of, you know, it, it gave me pause. So I got to ask you this. He says that you're injured. Is that is that accurate? Uh, well, I mean, I just, I just have to uh, to heal up a little bit. You know, I had to uh, I had to get some, some things cleaned out in my knee, and, uh, you know, I was going to take my time uh, getting getting it all healed up. You know, I felt like, uh, you know, when there was rumors about me fighting Gus, that I may be, you know, coming back a little bit early, but then I started helping AJ train for that fight with Gustafson, and I started feeling a bit better, and they offered me to fight um, Glover, and I was like, okay, fine. But, uh, you know, just 
kind of ramming it up a little bit, kind of aggravating my knee a little bit, so I had to get some things straightened out with it. But um, things are going good and it's feeling strong. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be back out there before I know it, but I'm just going to uh, take my time and get healed up properly all the way through. Was that the same knee that you injured prior to the Cormier fight last year? Yeah, it's, it's the same knee. It's the okay. same knee, but just, you know, uh, just, just, you know, it, it, you know, the time that I had off and, and um, you know, not not being going at that level uh, and, and then jumping right back into it and going to it, it kind of uh, aggravated my knee a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I just need to, uh, you know, make sure I just take my time with it and not, and, and truly, truly build up the strength. And, and I was trying to, uh, you know, maybe maybe try to cheat the system a bit and, and, and go and not do all the rehab that I need to do to make sure that it was fully strong and fully where it needed to be before I got back out there and competed. Did you have to have another surgery? No, I just got some things cleaned out with it. Okay. And what are they saying now? Like, what what's a, a reasonable month for you to return at this point? You know, uh, you know, they said I should be fine in a couple of months, but I'm, I'm just going to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to really take my time, but and just see, you know, when, you know, cause I, I want to get my legs strong and you know? I want to be back how it used to be. And, uh, you know, the, the right one was skinnier than the left one, and it just wasn't—it just—it just wasn't uh, feeling right. So I, I want to make sure that I really build it up, and um, you know, and I'm I'm really really anxious to get out there, but I can't let my anxiety give way to uh, what's best for me as far as navigating my career. You know, I I, I want to go out there and compete with these guys, but I want to make sure I go out there and, and bring bring me. You know, I don't want to go out there half cocked and be like, yeah, but you know, my knee's not 100. percent People don't want to hear that crap. Mm. You know, what I'm saying you go out there and you don't look good. Hey, you need to retire. That's what they're talking about. Right. And I don't want nobody to say that about me. So, in a way, was the Glover injury a blessing as well? Like, do you think you wouldn't have been ready for that? You know what? Uh, looking back in hindsight, I think I think it was a blessing. But you know, no matter what, how my knee was feeling during camp, I was gonna fight anyways. I was going to fight anyways, and, and it was just, um, you know, a, a curious thing happened. It's like once, you know, for me, when I have a fight date and, and it's locked in my mind and, and I put it on the calendar, then that just becomes my ultimate destiny, and it's going to take something, you know, very hard for me not to do it once I signed on to do it. And uh, I didn't care what was going to happen. I was like, you know, I need to do this fight. And, you know, it, it was bothering me, but I figured a way to train around it and, and to make sure that uh, I, I could do it. I don't know how I would have looked, but I was going to fight. What did you think of that matchup? I didn't really love it for you, to be honest, because you were coming off a really great win um, over Chael, and that feels like ages ago, and he was coming off um, a pretty dominant loss. I don't know. It just didn't make a lot of sense for me for you. What did you think of it? Do you still want that fight, or would you rather something else when you return? You know, um, yeah, I, I felt I felt it would have been good in the sense that uh, we're both. Even though I came off of a win against Shale, um, I was still in a position of comeback. And you know, I've been out for a year off of injury, so I'm in this comeback position. Now you have him uh, having to suffer two losses in a row. He's definitely in a position of comeback. So you have a great story of two guys trying to come back. And as far as the matchup actually goes, I thought. Uh, you know, I, I thought I favored in a matchup. I felt like I, you know, I would have been able to do my thing with him. But you know, Glover is, is a tough fighter, and you know, he's a tough outing for anybody. You know, with uh, you know, a, a punch of power that can 
change the complexion of a fight with just a, you know, a, a littlest effort. You know, he's somebody you have to definitely respect when, when, when you're inside there with him. But for the most part, I felt like I, I would have been able to come back and, and look strong and dominant against him. Dana White said on Saturday that um, he's down with the D.C. Gustafson fight, but they both have separate fights coming up next. They won't be fighting each other. Um, is it fair to say that you're not fighting either of those guys because you, you want to take some more time off? Are, are you in the mix for either of those fights, or is that not is that not accurate? No, I'm, I'm not in the mix for those fights. Okay. You know, uh, I don't know who those guys even would fight, thinking about the matchup. But, uh, you know, it, 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 the, the weight class is, is definitely interesting, you know. Definitely interesting, man. AJ, AJ come there and shake things up a bit. So it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And um, I, one, one reason why I felt that AJ was going to win against Gustin more or less because um, I like Gustin. Gustin's a, a cool guy and everything. But, you know, I honestly felt like he was acting like he was a champion. Mm. You know, he, 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 had a, he had a great fight with Jones, and, and it could have went either way. But then... He let the hype get him. You know what I'm saying? He let the hype get him. And it's hard because when you got the UFC machine behind you, hyping you up, putting you in video games and stuff, covers on video games and stuff like that, yeah, you know, you kind of feel like, yeah, you are the champion. You just ain't got your belt yet, but then you're overlooking people, you know? And then when you overlook people, that's when you get that's when you get it handed to you. Yep. Actually, John said the same thing. Um, and, and, and they'd even fight again yet, so we'll see if that fight ever happens. Um, by the way, what happens if Anthony wins the belt? What does that mean for you as a light heavyweight? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't know to be honest, man. Um, it, it's it's a uh, it's a hard it's a hard question. I've been I've been heavyweight, I mean, light heavyweight for, for my whole career, so it's really hard to just you know go anywhere else. So I don't know, man. I have to see. I have to see what's bad, you know, what's uh, what's for me, but. Uh, it, Here's the thing, man. Everybody asks me that question, and uh, I don't really like to uh, put too much thought on, on the what-if of things. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you start putting the what-if of things, in your mind you start acting like it, it's already happened, and you start acting as if like it's already happened. And, you know, it, it may, it, it, that doesn't, that doesn't, that wouldn't help me to act like this is as if it's already happened, this is the way it's already, you know, going to be, so now I need to do this or do that. You know, I'd rather just uh, let, uh, you know, let, let the cards fall where they may and just, and just go from there. But you and will... I'm sure that... Sorry. Yeah, and I'm sure that I'll figure something out when, when the time comes. But you will be back this year, right? You're shooting for 2015. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I to come back this year, man. This is, this is it. I want to I want to do... At least two fights this year. Okay. At least two fights. Um, yeah. l- let me ask you this before I let you go. Have you talked to Vitor Belfort, and how pissed off is he? Um, you know, I I, uh, I haven't I haven't really spoke to him, but you know, I, I know that he's uh, he, he's he's a bit upset. But you know, one thing about Vitor, and uh, you know, I've I've learned just through you know some of the things that I've been through. You know, he's kind of given me some of the, the best advice when when I was on my lowest days, and, and uh, He's an amazingly patient person when when it comes down to it, and, and you know he 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 you know he always got the the good advice to be like you know be patient, your time will come and stuff like that. So I'm sure that uh, he's probably feeling the same way. Um, I do know he was a bit frustrated in the beginning just because he's 
you know, you got to see Vito. Vito's all revved up. He's <laughs> he's ready. To go. Yeah, know, he's in he's in a red, and and this race car has been in a red for a long time because understand he's supposed to fight Jail in June, so he's been training for a long time with just little breaks in between, and his body and his mindset and everything that he's put forward to to fight. You know, he he's just been on point. So he's really got his mind. He got his mind around the fight the twenty eighth, and uh, it was a bit disappointing, but. Um, I'm probably going to give Vito a call and talk to him there, but I'm, I'm sure he's going to just be, you know, uh, the same as, you know, we just, when something doesn't go his way, he, he's, he's amazingly patient. And uh, we just had Gilbert Melendez on the show, and he was uh, suggesting an idea, uh, which I think was a great one, him fighting Eddie Alvarez in Mexico. Do you have any kind of update? You're, I, I kind of view you as the captain of the team over there. Uh, we've been kind of dark about Eddie. You know, do, do you have any idea when he'll be able to return or anything like that? Um, you know, I, I really don't know when he'd be able to return, to be honest. You know, um, Eddie, Eddie took some time off just to, to deal with some things. And, uh, uh, I, you know, he's you know he's, he's been training and stuff like that. So I think I think once he gets some things sorted out, he'd be definitely um, ready to fight whoever. Uh, he's hungry to fight, to be honest. You know, he, he's, uh, he's in the gym training, helping out the guys in the gym. And, um, you know, he's ready to go. All right. Well, Rashad, thank you for the time, and uh, and 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 I hope that we get to see you back sooner rather than later. Uh, it's man, it's, I'm hoping so too, Eric. I'm, yeah. I'm hoping so, man. I miss you. We miss you out there. It's been so long. UFC 167, and there are a lot of interesting yeah. fights right now for you at uh, at light heavyweight, maybe even at middleweight as well. Who knows? Um, but I wish Who you knows, the best. Man. I wish you the best. I, I hope you get you. well soon. And congrats, you know, to your boy again, Anthony Johnson. Will you be in his corner, by the way, when he fights John? You know, I don't know. It's whatever, it's whatever uh, you know, whatever he wants. But for the most part, rather I'm in his corner physically, I'll always be in his corner. You know, I'm, I'm going to be on a ride with him, man. So I'll be there. All right. Uh, thank you so much for the time, Rashad. Always a pleasure to have you on and get well soon. All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. There he is. Sugar Rashad Evans stopping by. Uh, it has been a long time since we've seen him in action. And, and, and we miss him. A very important part of that light heavyweight picture. It'll be interesting to see what he does if Anthony Johnson, if Anthony fights before he returns, it'll be very interesting to see if he does change weight classes. We shall see. Speaking of changing weight classes, let's go to our next guest. How about this one? Coming out of left field, you know, it was announced on Friday that Stephen Thompson was out of the Brandon Thatch fight on February 14th in Broomfield, Colorado. And then Saturday night announced on Fox Sports 1 that Former UFC lightweight champion Benson Henderson, who, as you may recall, had been kind of flirting with the idea of moving up to 170, would be coming back on less than, you know what, uh, what is it? This is like 10 days, it's like less than two weeks' notice to fight Brandon Thatch at 170 pounds in Broomfield, Colorado. Main event, Fox Sports 1. Unbelievable stuff. So we have to talk to Benson about it. He's joining us right now on the phone. Benson, are you there? Hey, I'm here. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for joining us. So give us the timeline. How did this thing materialize for you? Uh, Joe Silva texted me during the fights on Saturday, asked me if I'd uh, be willing to go 170, help uh, help the UFC out. They needed, uh, you know, main event 170. They they lost their tie. So, like, sure, I'll, I'll help you guys out, you know. Look at you, company man, stepping up. You didn't have to do that. I, I always, I, I always say that, but man, I don't, I don't think. Uh, yes, I would agree. <laughs> well, because you know, it's interesting that I that I sort of make that joke. It's because you felt like 
you didn't get the love when they didn't tell you about the Cerrone fight, and here you are stepping up in a different weight class. Why did you feel the need to do it? Uh, I, I don't think I said that, uh, actually, but I, I wouldn't exactly disagree with anyone else who does say that. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe you implied it. Is that fair to say? Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, as far as stepping up, taking the fight against uh, Brandon Pat. Uh, I think it was a good opportunity. Uh, you know, Joe Silva hit me up. Um, that was a, a pretty good opportunity. I have been uh, thinking about the idea, open to the idea of going to 170. I had to be the right matchup at the right time, all that sort of stuff, you know. So we, we thought this one was a, a good matchup, a good timing. I'm still in shape. I'm in shape all the time, you know, but, you know, being so close to the last fight, uh, still in pretty good cardio. Uh, so we thought, you know, let's do it. Let's, let's go for it. So is this just a pit stop at 170, or are your days fighting at 155 done now? Uh, I would say it's just a, a pit stop for right now. I, I would I would not say that I am, uh, you know, going to stay at 170, but, you know, more just flirting with the idea of uh, a 170 and then um, see how it goes from here. I was told that when they reached out to you, you didn't even think twice. You didn't ask anyone. You said yes as soon as they asked it. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, my wife was sitting right next to me. I, I first had a clear with the, with the boss. <laughs> yes. So I, I, I asked my wife who was sitting there right next to me, and then I uh, just texted my coach, John Crouch, um, you know, one of my best friends and, and my coach, so I want to make sure he was cool with it. I hit him up real quick, real quick, and he, uh, I texted him, Brian Thatch, you know, February 14th, main event. He texted back like two seconds later, done. Uh, I texted uh, Joe Silva maybe two minutes after he texted me, and I said, uh, I'm signing me up. And this is a great fight for the market because Thatch is from Denver. You were born in Colorado Springs, right? Yeah, yeah, I was born in Colorado Springs. So did that add to it? I mean, did you even think of that? Did you say, oh, this is fun, I get to go back home? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I fought in Denver a couple times. Uh, it's always cool. I, I love Denver. I lived there for a year when I first started doing MMA training. And, um, so that's why I was able to see Cowboy and I both come up in the, in the Denver scene, uh, Alvin Kid Robinson. Um, a lot of the, the, the Denver guys, I was, I was able to see them all coming up uh, at the same time that I was. Uh, so it's always nice to come back to Denver. I, I love finding Denver, actually. And what do you know about Brandon Thatch? Because, uh, you know, I mean, of course, not the same white class. He's an up-and-comer. People are very excited about him. But he hasn't fought since November of 2013. How much did you know about the guy? Actually, uh, to be honest, no disrespect to Brandon, but I, I didn't really know a whole lot about him. I knew of him from, you know, uh, from Denver. Uh, I know uh, John Crouch uh, knew of him and knows him and stuff. Um, but because, you know, 170 is not my weight class, my weight class, I know I know most all of the guys. I know I know what of them. I know their training partners. Are, I know what gym they're at, all that stuff, you know. But at 170, I don't pay that close of attention. Uh, so I was a little bit, um, you know, I didn't know all the details behind Brandon Thatch. I, I'm, I'm, you know, watching any tape of him or and any of that sort of stuff. So uh, I'll have my homework cut out for me for these uh, next week or so. So two days later, how much do you know about him now? Um, I, know, I know a little bit more. You know, uh, you, you hear from guys who've uh, trained with him, uh, uh, watched some of his highlight reels you know, on, online, that sort of stuff. Uh, so I know a little bit more. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you just fought a couple weeks ago. You fought against Donald Cerrone. I know you were very disappointed about that decision. Um, are you over the fight? I mean, are, are you kind of using that disappointment as, as fuel going into this fight, or are you still harping on it? No, not really. I'm... I, I wrestled all growing up, you know, uh, since I was 13 years old, 12 years old, or whatever. Uh, and in wrestling, you can have the most 
closest heartbreaking, gut-wrenching loss, uh, and, you know, 20 minutes later, you got to go up again and, and, and wrestle again, and you have another tough match. But wrestling definitely helps you a lot uh, in life in general, but in, when it comes to, you know, accepting the loss, manning up and moving on, moving forward, uh, and that's what I was able to do uh, with Sony. Like, the judges, you know, announced their decision. I, I don't agree with it, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, you can't – you can cry about it as much as you want. You can whine. You can, you know, you know, be a crybaby, so to speak, about it. But at the end of the day, it doesn't do anything, you know. It, all that time, all the effort, all the energy you spent crying about it, whining about it, you, you got to get back in the gym at some point in time. So, I, you know, I was able to get back in the gym on that – on that Wednesday or Thursday or so, right, right after our fight, I was back in the gym the next week, and I put all my all my energy, all my focus on uh, you know getting better, getting one uh, percent better every single day. Have you watched it on TV, and do you still believe you won the fight? Um, yes. Yes to both questions. Yeah. You feel like if you had two more rounds, it would be a lot more easier to judge that fight. Mm, I uh, would say that, yes, if we had two more rounds, which, you know, it is what it is. We were the co-main event. But if, if we would have had two more rounds, I think the, uh, the outcome would have been uh, different, of course, and uh, it would have been a lot uh, easier for the judges who were judging the fight to um, make their uh, decision. You know, I, I'll be honest, I didn't see it this way, but I did see some people call it kind of a, a glorified sparring match where it felt like you guys like each other very much. You didn't want to go in for the kill. Is that fair? No, I, I think those people don't know what they're talking about. Those, those are the same people that say, oh, kick his butt, knock his head off. They're the ones who say, uh, kick, him when they, when the, <laughs> kick him in the head when the guy's on the ground with three points on the ground, you know? So, no, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Donald was coming after me. I was going after him. I, your training partners, who you train with every single day, you know, your brothers who you love, my, my brothers here who I train with every day at my gym, the MMA lab in Bendale, Arizona, I beat the crap out of them. There, there's no, there's no, uh, oh, barring session or you hold back because of uh, any of that stuff. I, I don't feel like that's not to me. But you guys are boys. In, in, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, did he hook you up with Super Bowl tickets yesterday? He did. Yeah. Wow. Uh, him and uh, Budweiser, his sponsor, they uh, hooked me up with uh, two tickets to the Super Bowl. He, he actually, before the fight, he, uh, Said, uh, oh yeah, I think I could give the two tickets to, or a couple tickets to the Super Bowl, and uh, I was like, oh yeah, sure, thanks, man, I appreciate, it, brother. And then uh, you know that's not gonna stop me from beating you up, though, don't you know? Like, oh yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> on. And then uh, after the fight, I was like, oh, I don't want your Super Bowl, Super Bowl tickets. You keep your tickets. <laughs> okay, no, wait, yeah, I'll, I'll take them. I was just joking. <laughs> and you're a Seahawks guy, right? Uh, Carolina Panthers first, but yes, uh, definitely a Seahawks guy because I'm from Seattle, so uh, a big Seahawks fan for uh, you know a long time. You know, I lived there the entire time. Okay, so just for fun, let me ask you the same question I asked Mighty Mouse: Was that the stupidest play in the history of sports? Uh, I don't think you can say that. No, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's fair to Pete Carroll. It's not fair to Russell Wilson to say that. Uh, halftime going went into halftime. They had like 30 seconds left on the clock. Uh, they go for the touchdown rather than going for the field goal. They, they decide not to play it safe. Yep. Uh, and it was a great call. Everyone was talking about, oh, it was a great call by Pete Carroll. It was awesome. It was amazing to, to go for the touchdown. It's the same thing. Uh, if Russell Wilson makes that throw and, and the, the corner does not intercept it, everyone's talking about, oh, it was a great decision. It was very smart to not run the ball because everyone knows you're going to run the ball with Marshawn Lynch. 
but to uh, throw the ball instead. Uh, it was just a, a great play by the by the corner to, to make that interception. And there's always the risk of a of a turnover. What if Marshawn had the ball and he was running? What if he fumbled? You know, so there, there's no. Um, I, I think it's hard to say that about uh, Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. I know you're gonna have a ton of people saying that, but uh, I, I think Pete Carroll knows what he's doing. He's pretty good. You know, he makes a lot of correct decisions. I think that was a good decision. It's just uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. I feel like you got love for a guy like Marshawn and his stance towards the media. I feel like you can you can sympathize with him. Am I am I right? I, I'm a big fan of Marshawn and, and how he does things. <laughs> uh, I, I like him a lot, definitely. Don't go Marshawn on us, right? Please. I, I I was thinking about it. Trust me, man. I, I know. I, I feel like I feel like you're always on the edge of going Marshawn on us. I'm actually kind of shocked that oh, you're on the, the show the, to begin with right now. The, the the media, you know, you guys, you guys do different things, man. Like you, you'll you'll take a, uh, like a, a, you know, like you and I, we're we're cool. We we have uh, some good conversations. I'll I'll, you know, I'll call you a buddy. Uh, Thank you. But for us to do it, for us to do an interview, and then you know, uh, I read an article that you write about me, and then in the article you you know word things very differently than how I said it. You you purposely you know put this sentence before this sentence, even though I said you know sentence number right. one or sentence B. You know, afterwards you put it before sentence A, so it makes it makes me sound differently. You know, like the journalists definitely do that. They definitely sensationalize stuff to, to get readers to, to click on their on their page and, and read their articles. Uh, so yeah, man, the, the the media is. I don't know. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but it's you know, you know, I'm not a big fan of doing taxes either. But you do <laughs> taxes. So. Wow, in the same category as taxes, that is horrible. It's true though, very true. I almost. Yeah, very similar. Wow. Well, I appreciate you coming on because uh, I've been trying to get you back on the show for a, a while. And it's interesting because you just tweeted before coming on the show wondering why I was ducking you. Why I was ducking you. First off, you've been ducking this show, my friend. How many unanswered texts do I have for you to come on this show? A, and, that, and I mean, like, how many times have we been in the same city? I come with my gear, and you're always like, oh, you know, I got a fight coming up. I don't want to break my ankles. I'm afraid, you know, because I threw out the stipulation that I would retire, and I can't do that right now. I just got married. <laughs> I mean, excuse after excuse. At this point, I'm just going to take my business elsewhere. I think, uh, I think we're definitely going to have this game. Let's do it in Denver afterwards or, or something like that. High altitude. Uh, I can't deal with then, that. Now, okay, now who has excuses? <laughs> now who has excuses? But I, I'm, I'm going to get a video of it. I'm, I'm going to make sure we, we video that and we post it up, man. You know what? This is, this is the thing that I'm going to propose. International Fight Week. Money, proceeds go to charity. The much-anticipated one-on-one Hawani versus Henderson. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Set it up. I, when is when is that? Uh, July. Week? Oh, you got you got plans, of course, of course. Look at you backtracking. <laughs> uh, if 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 I am there, it's on for sure. I have to double check with the boss. I got to double check with my wife. All right. But if, if I'm allowed to go to that international fight week, then I will uh, for sure uh, give you a couple of lessons in, in how to play basketball. <laughs> have you for seen? Free. I won't even charge you for the lessons. Oh man. wow! I give you free lessons in how to play basketball. Just like Dwayne Ludwig. Did you see? Uh, did you see uh, my boy Carl Haas? He he actually uh, made a poster. Did you see this poster? I did. Yeah, I did see that. Yep. It's kind of messed up though, because you're dunking on me. Um, so I guess you'll get one point in, but you're not a dunker, right? You don't you don't got hops like that, right? I, I could, the the most I could do like right in uh, like my freshman sophomore year in college, I could dunk a tennis ball, but oh. I, I, I that was the 
the most I could do. I, I don't think I could post that now, though. Probably not. Okay. That would have been that would have been weird. Um, let me just ask you a couple more things, and then I'll let you go. Uh, speaking of that altitude, are you going to go early? I mean, there's not much time to prepare, but you are fighting in Colorado. I know you're from there, but it's and 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 and, and I know Arizona has pretty high altitude too. But is it is it is it like in Broomfield? What, what do you know about that? Uh, it's, def- it's definitely a, a mile up. Yeah, uh, I know it takes 22 days for your body to get actually, you know, legitly uh, fully acclimated to the high elevation. I don't quite have 22 days, so. Uh, I, I'm in shape. I'm always in shape. I'm always, you know, in the gym practicing, getting ready, uh, you know, getting 1% better every day. Uh, but I don't have those 22 days to, to acclimate to high elevation. Uh, so we're going to go in there and, uh, you know, go get the job done, do whatever it takes to get the job done. If i got to take him down and lay on top of him for five rounds, <laughs> if, that's what it, if that's what it takes for the judges to, to award your decision, guess what? I can do that. The fans might not like it, but I can do that if that's what it takes. Right. If, if it takes me, you know, freaking – punching him in his left pectoral muscle 17 times in the fight, and then the judges say, okay, well, you win because you did that. I can do that too, no problem. Like, whatever the criteria is in the judge's eyes, how to win a fight, I can do that, no problem. Just give me the criteria, you know? So are you going to go earlier, though? Uh, no, not really. I'm, no. I'm going to go the, the same time as always, and all the fighters go out. Wow, okay. Well, that's that's interesting. And uh, you were supposed to fight April 4th against Jorge Masvidal. You were replacing the injured Bobby Green. Is that a fight that you still want, or are you okay with that that not happening? All, all my dad's side of the family lives in Virginia. They have been begging me to fight in Virginia. Like, I, I can't control that, guys. It's not on me, like, where the UFC fights at. It's not like I can hit up Dana White. Hey, Dana, I want to fight in Virginia. Uh so put that together and get, get it set up for, you know, like I, I definitely don't have that kind of a pull, uh, not even close to that in the, in the UFC. Uh, so all my dad's side of my family uh, is begging me, or they are begging me to, to be on that card in Virginia. So I, I will do my best to make sure that I am on that card in Virginia. Um, the one April 4th, uh, you, want to, you, you want to turn around that quickly? Um, I, I'd be open to it. Oh. Obviously, you know, it de- depends on sure. how I feel after this uh Fight against uh, Brandon Thatch, 170. He's a lot bigger. Maybe I, maybe I'm a little bit more beat up, a little bit more sore than, than I am after most of my fights. Most of my fights, I'm, I really, I'm pretty good. I don't have too many bruises. I don't, I've had one black eye on my entire career post fight. Uh, I'm not really too banged up. I never had any cuts or anything like that, you know. Uh, so hopefully that goes the same way against Brandon Thatch. I'm able to uh, get out there in Virginia and, and um, go show out for all, all my uh, uncles and aunts and uh, cousins. Final thing: How much are you looking forward to not having to use the towel on the on the scale when you uh, when you weigh in? I mean, this is going to be a real treat for you, right? Yes, I am uh, <laughs> very very excited about that. Uh, being able to compete and not have to work, being able to train, to compete and, and do everything, and not have to worry about, not have to stress about, not have to physically go through uh, the the drastic cutting of your calories the uh, drastic uh, losing of uh, water weight. It, it's a, you have no idea how, how excited I am for that. How much you weigh right now? Uh, not, not too bad. I, I'm, I'm pretty good for 170. If it was 155, there's no way. I, okay. It'd be tough. I, I'd make it, but it'd be tough for me. By the way, our, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting pretty good. Our, our, our basketball game will be at 145, so we'll have to weigh in before then, all right? <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll see. About, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get a couple of pounds anyway. How about that? In the words of the great Nick Diaz, don't be scared, homie, all right? 
the time for talking is I, over. I, I, believe it or not, I've heard that once or twice. In that time, I wasn't too scared. <laughs> I don't think I'll be too scared this time either. Benson, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, good luck. This is awesome. The, the card was, was, was pretty much dead, and uh, you made it a hell of a lot more interesting. So I can't wait for it. February 14th, Broomfield, Colorado. Benson Henderson making his UFC welterweight debut against Brandon Thatch. What an amazing and interesting fight that is. Best of luck to you, my friend, and we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks, man. All right, there he is. Wow, that is fun stuff. Benson Henderson, Brandon Thatch. I love those fights that come out of nowhere, much like Anderson Silva Nick Diaz. I mean, I'm not going to compare it as far as the magnitude of it all, but they just kind of come out of nowhere, and then you see them, and you're like, wow, that's, that's a lot of fun. I like that. That's great. Brandon Thatch, I think we've forgotten about Brandon Thatch and, and, and how good he is. He hasn't fought since November of 2013. This is one of those guys that, you know, when he came to the UFC, and even before that when he was fighting um, – you know, he was fighting in uh, Ring of Fire and some other promotions. I mean, a lot of buzz about Brandon Thatch. One of those guys that you knew right away would be an interesting prospect to watch develop in the UFC. And now look at him. He is uh, he's looking very good. He's finally back. Both Colorado guys, great fight. Very interesting. Sucks. I, I like the Wonderboy Thompson fight. I know it wasn't your traditional main event. It, it didn't have that star power. That was a fun fight underneath Matt Brown versus Tarek Safadine, but... This, this, is, this is intriguing. A lot of interesting levels to this one. So we'll see it February 14th. It airs here in the United States on Fox Sports 1. All right, let's move along now. And uh, as we said at the top of the show, it was a tough weekend for Kelvin Gaslam. He missed weight by nine pounds. He lost to Tyron Woodley. John Lineker also missed weight, but he beat Ian McCall. Both guys have to move up now. Dana White's saying that both guys have to go up a white class because they have missed weight too many times and the UFC just doesn't want to be a part of that. So I wanted to talk to a man who has worked with both guys and also had a very good weekend himself. He's been working with Tiago Alves for quite some time. Tiago Alves winning on Saturday, defeating Jordan Meehan, a nice comeback win, a great comeback win for him. And uh, of course, he made weight as well. So uh, a great weekend for Tiago and his team. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Mike Dolce who joins us now via the magic of Skype. Mike, how are you? I'm great, Ariel. How about yourself? I'm great. Thank you very much for joining us. And by the way, congratulations on winning that award on Friday at the World MMA Awards. Um, so let's talk about Tiago Alves first. Uh, you know, he, he, he looked good. He, he had a, a slow start but came back. You know, is that the kind of win where you're like, oh, th thank God everything went away? Because let's be honest, the first, the first round didn't really go his way. He was getting dominated rather easily. Absolutely. And I think that was a good fight for us and for Tiago, where he had the, the, the three-round war with Seth Bozinski, though Tiago was fully in control the entire time. He never really had to go through adversity. With this fight with Jordan Mean, who's very tough, ranked number 13 in the welterweight division, Tiago had to fight through adversity and really get his chin checked. And he walked out of there. He's like, I can take shots from anybody in this division. And this really built his confidence moving forward as he progresses up the ranks. So he said, welterweight division, I'm back. Do you feel as though he has turned the corner, the injuries? I mean, he was out for two years. He was supposed to come back in August, had to pull out. Is Tiago Alves really back? Tiago Alves is back 100% better than ever. He needed that time off to heal up the injuries. We had his body, you know, totally renovated and fixed during that time, but more so his maturity. Tiago was a guy who was thrust into the scene in his early 20s. I think he's been in the UFC for 10 years. He was given the title and earned the title shot with George St. Pierre in 2008, long before he was mature enough in his lifestyle to really succeed and excel. Now, just over you know, 30 years old, he's mentally prepared, physically ready. He's going to make a run in this welterweight division. 
Great news. Great to have him back in the mix. Okay, let's talk about Kelvin. Explain to us your relationship with Kelvin because, you know, you, you, you had worked with him prior and then there was a, a story that came out, uh, I believe it was on ESPN.com, part of the Mexico fight with, and correct me if I'm wrong, you saying that uh, you wouldn't be able to be there in Mexico, but then you were in Mexico. You were doing stuff for UFC Finn. He fought in Mexico. And then he said that you didn't respond to him when he asked uh, you to work with him. And then, of course, he fights this weekend, and you're not there, and he misses weight badly, and Dana White says he has to move up. He loses his first fight. So what is going on between yeah. you and Kelvin Gaslam? Kelvin and I, were friends. I mean, we really enjoy each other's company. We have nothing but love for each other. In Austin, um, you know, we hung out. That was, uh, God, I forget, in November after the, the mm -hmm. Mexico fight. We hung out and had dinner together in Austin after the ESPN report had come out. And that was completely wrong. Kelvin, after he had missed weight um, in the middle of summer, he contacted me a few weeks later saying, hey, bro, can we work together for this next fight? Not sure when it's going to be. Probably going to be in Mexico. I said, absolutely. I said, but we need to start working right now. I don't want to be just a weight cut guy for you. You got a lot of lifestyle issues, and that's where we'll be best because I'm, I'm a longevity, longevity advocate. This is about this kid being healthy. The healthier he is, the better he can succeed. And he said, definitely, let's talk. You know, on Monday, this was on the weekend. I didn't hear back from him for almost eight weeks until September when one of his coaches called me, his coach Terrell. And I said, Coach, listen, I'm already booked now. I'm booked with Nick Lentz, who's fought in September, was scheduled with Manny Gambirian, who's fighting in September, and UFC Fit had retained me to do promotions of um, the, the, the series in Mexico. So my schedule typically books four months in advance due to these fight cards and such. And at that time, I was already booked, unfortunately. So I did communicate with his coach. I don't know if his coach communicated with him. So I never ignored him. And I did say, it's not fair to Kelvin that I'm too busy, but contact me. Like, I can consult, I can look over some things, I can help, but I can't, you know, be there for him. Therefore, I can't be with him. I didn't want to, you, know, um, um, you know, misrepresent myself to him or to his team. Right. And then we fast forward and we see what happened. And that was sad to see. So, so what's your take? You just said he had some lifestyle issues. I mean, why is this guy missing weight so much? You know, I'm, I'm a science guy. Right. And if you look at Kelvin's body, look at his lean mass ratio, he carry, he simply carries too much body fat to compete successfully at that weight class. Very similar to Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks has such problems with his weigh-ins because he, he balloons up in the offseason. He carries too much body fat. It's extremely unhealthy to dehydrate the muscles where you can't dehydrate the body fat. So it's strictly, it comes out of all the vital areas of the body, and that causes these poor performances. And I believe that's exactly what happened to, to Kelvin. You look at Tiago Alves. Tiago Alves is the biggest welterweight in the division right now. He has more muscle mass than everybody else, but you look at how lean he is. That's the, and Tiago, Johnny, and Kelvin, they're all the same height. They're all right about 5'10". If Johnny and Kelvin had the same body fat as a Tiago, they don't live the off-season like Tiago. Tiago follows my program 12 months out of the year now, and that's the maturity I was speaking about. Mm. Kelvin's a young kid, and I understand. He's a young kid. He's, he's got some fame. He's got some money, and I don't think he's surrounded by – the healthiest people year round, but he's, he's, a, he's a professional and he's got to make these professional decisions on his own. He could be the welterweight champion. I've said before, if Kelvin gets his body fat down to you know 10% or so, which is perfect for combat athletes, 7% at competition, I think 170 is easy for him. And I think he grows into a very dominant lightweight. Now, I'm not saying he should go there, wow. but I'm saying based upon his frame and based upon his body fat ratio, that's not outside of the realm of possible. Right now, if he just drops his body fat, he's probably, you know, high teens, 20% body fat. If he gets that down into the 10, 8% range, he makes 170, no problem, eating all week.
That's what I'd love to see. I'd like to see this kid be healthy. So why didn't you work with him for this fight? Oh, for this fight, I already had Thiago on the card, and he okay. never called me. Oh, you know, and that's oh. I would love to work with him. You know, I, I think he's got it. Why wouldn't I want to work with a kid like Kelvin? And that's why a lot of the media, all the headlines, it was all BS. Why wouldn't a professional, why wouldn't I want to work with a rising star like Calvin Gastelum? It's silly that I'm ignoring his phone calls. I mean, that's just the media trying to sell copy, and it's unfortunate because it's not true. And nobody even contacted me for a comment. They mm. just put these stories out there as if that's fact without any, any sort of a back. That's, that's bad journalism right there. Um, contact, you know, definitely verify the story, verify the source. Nobody did that. Why would I not want to work with a kid like Calvin? And the work that I did do with him was for the Brian Melanson fight. You look at the way he looked on the scale physically. You look at the way he performed. You look at everything he said. The kid was in great shape. He felt amazing. He was fully fed, fully hydrated. That's what I'd like to see about this from this kid moving forward. So uh, do you think it was a mistake to let him fight, considering the fact that he was hospitalized on Friday, had so much trouble, reports of him being you know, carried out, throwing up all this stuff? Uh, if you were in his corner, would you have advised him not to fight on Saturday? It's, I, I don't think I can speak to that because I didn't see what he went through. Okay. And there's a lot of smoke and mirrors that go on yeah. through the media, you know, through the, the fight camp. Um, a lot of athletes have flu-like symptoms while they're cutting weight. A lot of athletes throw up while they're cutting weight. I've seen, I've seen the worst of the worst, and I've seen athletes. I mean, Rampage. When Rampage fought Lyoto Mashida, Quentin was the sickest I think I've ever seen a human being. And he was able to battle back. We battled through the weight cut. He made weight. And he went out there and he won a three-round decision against Lyoto Mashida, who I think was one of the toughest stylistic opponents that Quentin had had. So sometimes as an athlete, you just need to nut up, get out there and do your job. Was Kelvin's health at risk? I can't say. I don't believe so. Otherwise, I think he would have been flagged and pulled from the card. I think it was a little more um, spin in the story just to kind of get the focus off the weight issue, the weight cut issue. Uh -huh. And uh, they wouldn't have let him fight if he was truly unhealthy. So Dana White said he has to go up to 185. You're talking about, you know, he could be a lightweight. Do you think this is, you know, bad for his career? This is a guy who's undefeated going into this fight, maybe one or two away from fighting for the belt. Now he has to go up to 185. There are some monsters there. Are, 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 are you concerned about this? Yeah. Uriah Hall, you know, at 185, and he's had some other wins at 185 and much smaller shows. But come on, there's no way a kid like Kelvin should be fighting the guys at 185 pounds. Those guys are absolute monsters. They're going to walk into the octagon with 20 to 30 pounds more lean functional muscle than Kelvin with, you know, four inches in height and probably, Jesus, four to 12 inches in reach over him. So as good as Kelvin is, now he's giving up a lot of advantages. He could probably pick off some of the guys outside the top 10. Once he gets into the top 10, he's fighting a killer's row at 185 in all the divisions. And even down at 155, that's right. not an easy division either. But you want to bring as many um, skills and attributes with you to competition, and he's going to be giving up a lot of his, his uh, skill set when he goes up against the bigger guys. And, God, I hope he doesn't walk in there thinking, well, now I don't have to diet anymore. And he, and he adds even more non-functional body mass because that's going to lead to, you know, very serious long-term issues to his career. I know you don't need more work, but you did call him your friend, and you seem pretty passionate about the idea of him fighting at 185 not being a good one. Will you try to rekindle this working relationship and maybe talk to Dana White and say, look, if I work with this guy, because Dana has said, you know, we want this person to work with Mike Dolce. He has endorsed you. So will you try to make that happen and, 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 and get him on board with that idea if you are working with him? I mean, it, it's, so, it, it's, it's awesome 
when I hear Dana and Joe Silva and Sean Shelby, when they reach out to me with some questions, because they've seen for over a decade what I've done with athletes behind the scenes. And they know how much I care, how compassionate I am. And they know that I put the health of the athlete before everything. And we've never had an athlete miss, even with Johnny Hendricks. Johnny's never missed weight. I mean, it takes every ounce of skill that I have to get Johnny on weight, but he's never missed. And that's why they, they kind of recommend me and they, they, they ask me what I think about certain situations. With Kelvin, I'm always here. The, my, phone, my phone's right next to me right now. Um, his coach did call me uh, and say, hey, let's talk after this. Of course, I would have that conversation. But again, man, you know, I, I got a baby on the way right now. I have a very full dance card with the career athletes that I do work with. Um, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for Kelvin. We spent a lot of time on season 17 of the Ultimate Fighter together. Um, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him, you know, make millions of dollars and take care of his family. And uh, I'm, I'm available. Uh, we just got to make sure the timing's right. But truly, he's got to be committed. This is yeah. a 52 a week, you know, year job. And a lot of the guys that listen in right now, you have to be a pro 52 weeks out of the year. There's no in-season, off-season MMA. This is your life. I mean, this is your life, guys and girls out there. You got to take this stuff seriously. And nutrition is the one thing you can control. Your conditioning, your shape, your health is the one thing you can control. So, I mean, that, that's the easiest thing. And it's, it's often most neglected. And that's unfortunate. Before I ask you about Lineker, you mentioned him a couple of times. So I want to ask you about him. Johnny Hendricks said after the, the fight against uh, uh, Robbie Lawler in December that, you know, he ballooned uh, too big and, and, and he thinks it was an issue. How much of, a, of an issue... As far as his performance in that fight was the fact that he got too big and had to cut too much weight. Do you think that if he had a normal weight going into the training camp and didn't have to cut too much that he would have won that fight? Absolutely. I, th I think Johnny did win that fight. Mm. If, if, I mean, shit, 10 out of the 12 media members that saw the fight through you know, a third-party poll said Johnny Hendricks won the fight. Most of the people that I've spoken to think Johnny won the fight. Robbie's awesome. I, I, either way, it doesn't matter. Robbie's a champ. Love that. I personally try unbiased watch. I, I felt Johnny won the fight. No problem. Um, but outside of that, did Johnny deserve to win? Not based on his off season. I mean, Robbie, I know Robbie, Robbie, 52 weeks out of the year, the kid is in the gym. He's training. He's eating super clean. He's a serious professional. You don't deserve to beat these guys. If you're not living the same lifestyle, talent and a hard punch is only going to get you so far. So you got to earn the victory, you know, long before the fight, you know, the, the, the Muhammad Ali, Ali quote, the fights are won and lost, you know, months before on the dark, you know, cold mornings, when you get out there, you do your road work. That's when guys like Johnny, that's where their excellence will really be achieved or that's when greatness is going to be lost. And I would love to see Johnny really dial it in. And uh, it seems like he's doing that right now, but we won't know until fight week comes. I mean, that, that's the unfortunate thing with Johnny. Well, his fight is a little over a month away. How's he doing? Is he as big as, as he usually is or is he taking it more seriously? He, you know, I think that the good, there's, two, you know, there's a, a good and bad thing about him taking the fight on such short notice. He took it on short notice, which means his weight didn't blow up nearly as high. He stayed in the high nine. He didn't get higher than the high 90s, right. which is big for a welterweight. Yeah. But he didn't get into the mid-200s, 210, like he normally would do. The bad thing is that short turnaround is hard when he went through a weight cut like he did, when he went through you know, the type of, of fight that he had. That was a hard fight. Robbie landed some serious shots, not just to his head, but to his body. That was a hard fight Johnny went through. Um, but Johnny's a champion, man. You can't count the kid like Johnny Hendricks out. Look at his body of work. Look at what he's done. Look at his GSP fight. I think he manhandled GSP. How do you count out a kid like Johnny Hendricks, who's a born winner, but he's got Matt Brown. <laughs> Matt Brown is a stud. I'm friends with Matt also, and Matt is training at
you know, number one contender fight right there, I think. Okay, let me ask you about Lineker. What, what an unfortunate situation this is, because here's a guy who, if he wins that fight and, and makes way prior to it, he's probably fighting for the belt. He beat Ian McCall. There aren't a lot of contenders. He's a great fighter, but unfortunately he misses weight again. This time he weighs in at 130 for a fight that, you know, the limit is 126, and Dana White says he's got to go to bantamweight. What's he doing wrong? Because you've, you've worked with him a bit too, right? Yeah, I, I worked with Lineker, God, I think it was 2013 or 14, I forget the year now, um, after one of his, you know, spectacular missing of the weight uh, right. instances. And uh, he got on my program, and I think, you know, on MMA Fighting, actually, the article was about Lineker, who lost 11 pounds the first week following my eating program. He said he normally walks around in the mid-60s. Within a week of being on the Dolce diet, he was walking around in the low 50s, and he felt absolutely amazing. For some reason, he and his camp felt, and this happens a lot, <laughs> he and his camp felt, well, we're making such good progress right now. We don't need Dolce, maybe because they don't need to pay Dolce, which is fine. I'm busy enough. And they stopped working with me. Uh. And what happens? Lineker goes out and misses weight a couple more times, and he lost his title shot. God knows how much money this kid lost because of that. He lost the faith of the organization. He lost the backing of the fans. And I think he can probably win the title at 135. I don't know if he can beat TJ Dillashaw, who I think is the best bantamweight in the world right now. Um, but at 125, I think you know Lineker was the clear-cut number one champ, number one challenger. And he lost that opportunity. God, you don't want to lose this stuff on the scale. Yeah. I mean, again, these are the things that you can control. It's, it's you know, how dare you? And, you know, that, that to be that far over, it's not like, you know, you collapsed a pound over and your body just shut down. We've seen that before. You can't blame the athlete when they try to come in, you know, four pounds, 10 pounds overweight. Guys and girls, that is not professional. Imagine if you didn't do 50% of your job. I mean, that's what this right. comes down to. There's, there's two parts to the contract. You make weight, you fight. You don't do 50% of your job. God, you're just not, a, uh, you know, not dependable at that point. I know you're a good guy, but, but honestly, when someone says to you, yeah, we could do this on our own, what, what, what you were doing, you know, working, you know, making wonders out of this guy and, and, and getting him back on track, cutting all that weight, and then you're there in Vegas and he misses the weight after they told you that, does a part of you say, I told you so? Do you, do you, you kind of smirk deep down inside? You know, I don't, I mean, it's, it, it bothers me. It bothers me when athletes miss weight. And I'm, it's not just, you know, uh, talking out of the side of my mouth right now. I want to see these athletes healthy. Again, I'm a longevity advocate and I don't want to see these athletes suffer. And this is our sport. When athletes miss weight, it makes us all look bad. It really does. From the journalists to the, uh, the promotions, uh, to the fighters, to the coaches, it makes us all look bad. And we're not taking it seriously because it's as if we're not disciplined and dedicated enough to do our jobs. I think it's ridiculous to see a kid like Lineker or Kelvin. When I know the work that I did with them, I know what I was able to do to help them. I know they would have made, you know, I, I add zeros to people's paychecks. I mean, that, that's a fact. And, you know, it's, that's a little bravado with me saying that. But, you know, you look at the paychecks of athletes that I've worked with for a long time, guys like Hendricks, guys like Nick Lentz, guys like Tiago Alves. I help these guys really move up the pay scale, Mike Pyle, very fast. And they're able to go out there and really provide for their family for a very, very small, you know, minuscule percentage uh, of those earnings. And for them to kind of make it about money, it shows that there's a greed and there's a selfishness out there because they're, they're typically not paying their other coaches properly. They're not doing the right things, and typically they're cutting corners. So it's, it's, 
it's part of a bigger, a global problem. And it's not me because I'm not the only guy out here doing this. I mean, there's other great nutritionists and dietitians in this field. So you don't have to hire, you know, Mike Dolce to, to come in and, and revolutionize the weight cutting game. Um, there's other people out there. Get somebody who's qualified. Get someone who's experienced. Someone who's done it before and has a resume of doing it with uh, re- repeated results. That's not a problem. Unfortunately, these guys and, and girls, they're not doing that. And that it, it makes no sense. They have world-class jiu-jitsu, world-class striking, world-class wrestling coaches. And then they're listening to, you know, their local buddy or, you know, a, a personal trainer or sometimes one of the skills coaches. Right. Now, you know, a strength coach isn't going to go out there and show jiu-jitsu technique. Why would a jiu-jitsu coach teach a fighter how to cut weight and lose weight and, and, and weigh and rehydrate for competition? That's not very professional. It's a disconnect. Well said, as always. Congrats on a great weekend, Mike, and uh, thanks for dropping some knowledge here. It's always great to talk to you. I appreciate it, Ariel. Thank you, and congratulations to you also, man. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it very much. And uh, also, when's your wife uh, due, by the way? She's due any day now. Wow. So anywhere. We're scheduled for the 7th, but it could be uh, you know, any day, hopefully a little sooner rather than later, because i got to be in Colorado with Nick Lentz <laughs> on the 14th. I want to get a little more baby time in. Yes, absolutely. Well, your, your life is about to get a thousand times better Early congratulations to both you and your wife. Thank you so much, Eric. I appreciate it, brother. All right, there he is, Mike Dolce. Great stuff from him, as always. Busy weekend in Las Vegas. And uh, unfortunately for Kelvin Gaslam and John Lineker, they, they, they missed out on some big opportunities, but hopefully they can get back on track sooner rather than later. All right, let us go now to the phone lines. It has been a while. You know, there was a time where this guest would come on our show all the time, but uh, it has been a while since we talked to him. So I'm very excited to welcome back Caesar Gracie to the show. Caesar, how are you? I'm great, thank you. Yeah, it's been a while since we talked to you, and it was good to see you. Uh, I didn't actually talk to you, but you, I know you were obviously in the mix in, in Vegas because Nick was fighting. Uh, so there's a lot to get mm-hmm. to with you. Um, you know, I'll ask you right off the top. Nick said afterwards that he thought he won the fight. Do you think he did enough to win that fight? You know, I really haven't seen the fight like on, <clears throat> except for being there. I yeah. thought Nick was kind of the aggressor and everything. If, if the other guy scored more points, then, then he scored more points. I don't, you know what I mean? It's, Hopefully we have competent people watching it, and I, I think uh, I think Nick did great. I don't know who won the fight or something like that. I think Nick did, um, <clears throat> you know, he did really well. He uh, showed he could deal with the kicking game. How much better he's got at that, at, with the checking the kicks and the um, you know throwing kicks himself and kind of getting in tune with all that. Because I, I know that uh, he's had problems with that in the past. Him and his brother and. Um, I think he's, he learned a lot for this particular uh, fight, and I think he did well. You know, a lot of people weren't giving him, uh, you know, a big chance going into this fight. They were sort of dismissing him because of the size advantage. He had not fought in quite some time. Did he, I know he lost, but did he do better than you thought he would? Yeah, fair enough, guys. Um, I didn't know how he was going to do, because you look at a guy like Anderson Silva, and, you, you know, I studied his fights, obviously, Um the nightmare scenario is a Chris Lieben type of fight mm-hmm. where he comes out and he uh, just kind of starches you, throwing good punches and, uh, you know, getting his combinations together. And then you never, from the get-go, you're not in the fight. So that's the nightmare scenario for it. The other one where he kind of just gradually takes over and beats the hell out of you, which Franklin and so forth. Yeah. But we kind of focused on, on some other things, some fights where he had problems with, uh, other types of strikers, and the the, the thing is, the, the game plan, I mean, obviously we had, we prepared for the fight and everything, but Nick really came up with that awkward game plan of his. You what know, do you mean by awkward studied, game plan? 
Well, he was just, you know, we were in the, the back room, and, and Nick goes, I'm thinking about doing this. And he put his elbow up, and he walked to the left side with his, just his elbow up, and, and he goes, his op, and, and then he broke it down. Look, this is Anderson's options if I walk this way with my elbow up. He can try to punch me this way. He can try to do this, and I'm going to counter by doing this and doing this. And, you know, Nick does some crazy stuff, but he really is a brilliant um, fight guy. And uh, he came up with a really interesting standing game plan on the ground. You know, we obviously wanted it there because I thought Nick would take over on the ground, but but uh, Anderson didn't want any part of that. So pretty much, I figured it'd be mostly stand up. He mentioned afterwards that he had an arm issue. Um, did he do that 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 new stance with the elbow out because of the arm issue? And what did you think when he suggested that backstage? I thought. You know, I thought it was a good idea. I mean, we were we were going over. It wasn't just me. I'm not a stand-up guy, right. stand-up coach, whatever. But Schilling was in there with us, obviously, and he thought it was a good idea. So it just kind of made sense. You know, Nick comes up with some crazy stuff, and uh, he just gets he just figures people's psychology, and he goes, okay, this is what's going to work against this guy. This is going to nullify his game if I do this. And a lot of times it's it's off the beaten track. It's very unconventional, if you will, you know, but Anderson is expecting a certain type of fighter to come out and he's prepared for Nick to fight a certain way. And so Nick came out and fought a completely different way. And I, I think, uh, you know, Nick had a lot of success with that. As far as the arm issue, yeah, yeah. his arm is hurt. I mean, I don't think he's making an excuse. Everyone's not hundred percent when they come into a fight, you have issues, but uh, it was locking up and, um, you know, he had to uh, make some changes and, and go from there. Was there a chance of him pulling out of the fight? Was it that serious? No, no, not at this fight. No, not, not this one. This fight you don't pull out of. Right, it's too big of a. You know, it's not just a financial thing. It's kind of a, a big fight. You know. You know, as I said to Gilbert earlier in the show, I thought the first round was so incredibly entertaining because it was surreal seeing them in the cage together. And then he was doing stuff that we've never seen anyone do to Anderson with, you know, the trash talking and lying down and turning his back and all that. Was that part of his game yeah. plan as well? Was he trying to mess with Anderson's head? Oh, for sure. Because Anderson will do that to you. So yeah. the thing is, you got to do it first to him. You know, Nate? You know, backing up into the cage and goading someone to come in. Well, Nick, the laying down thing... You're not going to see Anderson do that, but Nick can do it because of his jiu-jitsu skills. The guy, he's phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, he's just kind of trying to get all that out there right away. So, you know, he he's kind of flipping the script or whatever they call it Yeah. on uh, on Anderson and uh, definitely part of his plan. Were you surprised Anderson didn't take the bait? I know, to be honest with you, I mean, Nick, Nick on the ground, it's not even a – He's very weird. He's unconventional jujitsu kind of guy. And uh, people that you can't really train for Nick on the ground because no one really does that kind of a game. So I think Anderson had a game plan, and I think he stuck to it. I think his game plan was to stand with Nick, throw good punches, throw kicks. And uh, he, I don't think he, he wanted to be on the ground at all. Were you concerned about Nick, you know, missing the flights on Tuesday and Wednesday, coming late? Were, were, were you worried that, that he wasn't into it? What, 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 what was the reason for that from your perspective? Uh, he contacted me that night when he, when he left the airport. Okay. He told me his reasonings and everything and uh, why he didn't get on the plane and, and what his plan was. He was never thinking of not fighting. And I, and I, and I know Nick, he's always going to 
he signs on that contract, he's going to you know, he's going to fight. He's going to show up to the fight. He's going to do the fight. Uh, without you know, there's just issues. You got people and you've got problems, and you know, there's a camera crew there, and uh, Nick wasn't prepared for that. He was really trying to just get into fight mode and rest and everything, and uh, he didn't want to answer a bunch of questions. He didn't want like the spectacle of it at that point because yeah. he was trying to mentally, mentally get himself geared in. And he didn't know about it. He didn't know about the camera crew there. Right. So they, they totally caught him off guard. He wasn't ready for it. And, and he was uncomfortable and he wouldn't be able to rest. So he said, Hey, I'm catching a different plane. And then he left. That's what happened. So that was the reason why he left. Yes. But there is some, I mean, it, it definitely raised the interest in the fight, right? I mean, the, 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 the buzz, magnified after he did that so it was kind of brilliant would you agree unintentionally brilliant yeah, yeah it was uh it, it definitely a lot of people start talking about it it made some kind of national news and everything but that is not the reason that did it it, right. it literally you know he does things i guess for his for his own like he said his safety and, and well-being and at the time for his well-being he didn't want to get on a flight I wanted to ask him this question after the fight, but we ran out of time. He was talking about a, a certain coach that couldn't be with him due to a miscommunication issue, and it seemed like it was Richard Perez, his longtime boxing coach, who uh, has been in his corner so many times before and wasn't there. Was, was, was that the person he was talking about, and can you shed any light as to why he wasn't there? Without, I mean, a little bit. It was Richard Perez, and Richard Perez has a long relationship with um, my team. He's part of our team, and he's... Nick's boxing coach, he's done a phenomenal job and everything. And maybe there was some miscommunication. And I think there were people that were supposed to be handling certain things that were around Nick at the time. And um, for whatever reason, I don't know if they didn't want Richard there or I don't, you know, if there was some kind of miscommunication with that. And I'd spoken to Rich about it. And I was kind of, you know, not happy that he wasn't going to be going to the show. <clears throat> but, um, you know, he's a great coach, and I'm sure he'll be walk, working with these guys in the future. And and what's your uh, status with Nick now? Because you know you no longer manage him, right? Right. Um, but you're still – are you still his head coach? Is that accurate? That's that's what he said. That's what, Yeah, I'm his, I'm, I've been his coach since he was 16, and, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, <laughs> to replace that. Right. But <laughs> you, were, were you with him the entire training camp? I was with him part of the training camp. At the end, mostly, you know, not the entire training camp. The people that were there are people that I've gotten there, you uh -huh. know, people that I've set up. Joe Schilling, I brought him up. Um, he's been with our camp ever since. Uh, we got phenomenal jiu-jitsu guys like Kron and everything. We've got a, just a bunch of good stand-up guys that have been brought into our camp that kind of hung out with Nick and he worked out with. Last few weeks, he kind of asked me to come in and, you know, take over. Um, so I was more than happy to do that. It just felt really good to be there with him. And, uh, yeah, so without going, it, it's, you know, it is what it is. But I'd like to talk about the fight. I mean, I don't know. No, I, I'm just curious because you're a big part of, of his team, so I'm just wondering why you weren't with him for the entire camp. Uh, the entire camp. Let's just say, I'll put it to you this way, and I think every fighter or manager or anything in the world kind of knows what I'm talking about, that when, the, when, when there's a big fight and there's money involved and there's a lot of cameras and there's a lot of fame, everybody in their, 
and their brother is going to come into a camp or try to get into a camp or try to get in someone's ear, and it's going to be problematic. And I, it's not just obviously MMA, but it's any big sport when yeah. there's a lot of fame and a lot of people, you know, building you up and everything. And you're going to get people that haven't been around for 10 years and they're going to be shown up and they're going to, they're going to try to divide and conquer. And that's kind of, I think, what happened with me. I think it's kind of what happened with Richard Perez and anybody else that is close with, with Nick Diaz is going to get people try to, you have to divide and conquer. You've got to push the coaches away. And so you can be a coach. So you can be the guy doing something is what I think happens. Okay. That's my personal opinion. And, uh, you know, and it, it's, it's ruined a lot of people. And, but that's going to happen. You just have to, to work through it. What did you make of Anderson in the fight? Uh, it had been a while since he uh, competed. He had his arms up, he had his hands up the entire fight. We've never seen him like that before. How would you assess his performance? Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of this, number one. Um, <clears throat> I like him as a, a person. I forgot to speak with him. And uh, as far as his performance goes, um, I don't think he was really – he fought a fight that – he wasn't expecting that from Nick, I don't think. I mean, I think they looked at it. Okay, this is a perfect opponent to come back. He's a lot smaller than you. And uh, he's going to fight this certain way. We're going to train for it. Look how we trained for – he had a coach that was with the guy that, that – that, that, what's his name? The Brazilian guy, Dos Anjos, that, that built, beat uh, – Luis Dorian. I think they kind of – yeah, I think, yeah, exactly. So that kind of, they, they kind of almost probably thought about it the same way, you know, but they have to deal with Anderson, which just means he's going to have, he's not going to be doing takedowns. Right. was the only difference. And they had a, a similar game plan maybe on the feet. And uh, then Nick came out and, you know, just kind of completely changed everything that you would expect him to do, except for the, maybe the taunting or something. And I think it threw him off. So I don't think you, you know, he's getting a lot of criticism. Anderson is. Yeah. But it's not about Anderson so much. It's more about Nick's performance. Look who he's fighting. And I think he, he, afterwards in his thing, he said, hey, this is the first guy I fought that does everything well. Right. Is what he said up there in the cage. He's like, this guy kicks hard. People don't think he punches. Anderson, he said, Nick punches hard. And I think Nick came out right away and landed some shots that got the respect of Anderson Silva. And Anderson had to respect him the whole fight. Do you think we'll see Nick fight again? Yeah, no, definitely. Another thing, too, about that fight I just wanted yeah, to mention was sure. that, you know, I mean, as far as, as like weight and everything like that, some, someone was asking me, Nick came into that fight at 190. He literally only gained five pounds wow. the, uh, from the weigh-in. So... That's how brilliant his performance was. He had to fight a guy that was, I, I guarantee, well over 200 pounds. And a guy that's fought these big guys, Chilson, and you know, goes down the line and is able to deal with big guys. And, and Nick was a much smaller opponent when he came in there. And I kind of just, you know, that was going to be evident. I had a talk with him. I said, hey, man, remember back the day when you started this stuff and you're fighting and who the legends were and everything? And they never, don't let that affect you, the weight thing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's the, the mindset and the warrior mindset that Nick walked in there with. Do you, do you now, see, you asked me about him yeah. fighting. Yeah, no, for sure he's going to. I mean, you know, let's face it. He's a fighter, and he's going to fight. It's, it's going to happen. And, and based on his performance, uh, you know, he, he obviously hung in there, and a lot of people, you know, he thinks he thought he won the fight. But would you rather see him go down at 170 now the, to resume his career? Like, this was a fun fight and all, but do you think he's better served fighting at 170? I think a guy like him is better served doing big fights, no matter where they're at. Okay. Seriously, no matter where the, the fight is, is, even if you have to go down a, 
a lighter weight than even 170. I mean, he's gonna he wants big fights. That's what motivates him. I think that's what the, the greatest guys did was they, they didn't look so much at weight classes, but they they looked for the big fights that motivate them. And and I don't want to see Nick go out there and fight some guy he never heard of at 170 or some up and comer. It's like you you don't even have the he's already passed all that. You know, yeah. he, he deserves the respect of having big fights. So it'd be great to get him. Personally, you know, the best case scenario would have, without a doubt, would have been for him to gotten a nod. You know, went beaten Anderson Silva, and then we'd be seeing Nick Lawler too. And I think that would be a fan favorite. I think that would be incredible. That fight, the build up to that would be so yeah. huge. You know, now now with Nick losing a decision, that fight probably isn't going to be on the table. And you know, I don't, I don't, I haven't spoken to Nick or who he wants to fight or anything like that. We haven't even gotten there. But uh, that's just my personal opinion. I would have loved to have seen something huge like that. If you have it your way, though, considering what did in fact happen on Saturday, is there anything that comes to mind, what you would like to see for him next? Uh, really, I, I haven't thought about it. Maybe, uh, I, and I don't want to, you know, I, I can only give you my opinion as a sure, fan because sure. I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to set up a fight, but, you know, there's, there's different avenues, you know. Who wouldn't want to see like a Vitor Belfort or something like that fight Nick or who wouldn't want to see, Nick maybe beat a 170 pounder and then fight Lawler if that's what they have to happen. You know, just there's different scenarios. I think would be would be kind of fun. Okay, and uh, just before I go, I just want to ask you, what is the state of your working relationship with Nate? Because you weren't in his corner, right? In Phoenix, will you be working with him in the future? Yeah, for sure. You know, like I said, there was just a lot of issues when people, you know, that kind of get involved in everything. Yeah, Our relationship with Nate is is very good. Um, we hung out a lot, and uh, we haven't even gotten there. I don't even know when if Nate wants to fight soon or anything like that. He's got nothing on the table that I'm aware of. I don't I don't know what, you know, we, we haven't even discussed it, so it's kind of a tough question for me. Okay. Why do you think after all these years that they are still, you know, top five most popular guys in the UFC? Like, people love the Diaz brothers. Why do you think that they still resonate with the people the way they do? That's a... I appreciate you brought that question up, Dario, because I think the fans, you know, and, I, and I've said this over the years and people weren't really listening, and, and now they are, is that you have to have a fighter that wants to fight and not is not looking on just, they're going to go in there and they're going to give heart and soul, win or lose, and it's kind of like what happened back in the day with Pride where you want exciting fighters, and nothing against like a Carlos Condit or something like that, but there's a reason he doesn't have these big fights. You know, because with Diaz, he had that opportunity. It was supposed to be a, a dog fight, and then he kind of tried to outpoint him. I'm just letting people know that sometimes you can win a battle, but you're going to lose a war. Mm. The war in your, your fighting career, if, you, if, if you're going to fight a certain way, there's going to be repercussions. Because the fans want to see, in this sport, you know, the Warriors come out and, and, and just, you know, go, go up, go down, win, lose, but they're going to leave everything. They're going to they're gonna try hard. And... Uh, that's why I think they're so popular. Last question for you, because I said at the top, uh, it's been a while since we've we've talked to you, and I follow you on Twitter, and I see you, you kind of pop in and out from time to time, but what's your take on MMA these days? A lot more shows, you know, um, you know, there's Bellator coming up, UFC doing their things, uh, but, but what's your take on the way the, the sport is going now? Um, it's good and it's bad because there's a lot of money in it. I think it's good for the sport because these guys are starting to get paid what they should be, you know, getting closer to that. I think um, it's luring professional athletes like a 
you know, John Bones Jones, people like that, instead of playing football, maybe they, they do MMA and, and they're, they're gifted athletic individuals. And maybe they, they look at this as a viable option for an athletic career as opposed to, to a different sport. So mm-hmm. that's the good part. I think also there's more, the matches we want to see are happening. Um, also, there's a lot of watering down for sure because there's so many shows. I'm yeah. sure you've seen that. You're, you're at them. And there's just a lot of fights that I don't care about and I think other people don't care about. And uh, that's why these other guys, that their household names, Anderson Silva, Diaz, you know, you go down the line. It, they're needle movers, if you will, mm-hmm. like Dana said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very well said. Uh, Caesar, great to talk to you again. I'm sorry things didn't go your way on Saturday, but it was good to see you back there with Nick. And uh, I wish you the best of luck as always. Thanks for the time today. Right on. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right. There he is, Caesar Gracie, stopping by uh, in the trenches with his longtime student fighter, Nick Diaz. Didn't go their way on Saturday. But uh, as I said, it was good to see them back together then uh, on, on, on fight week and on fight night as well. All right. One more guest to go. And I'm, I'm happy that we're ending on this note. Uh, this man has been by Anderson Silva's side. Uh, for a very long time, and in fact, after he broke his leg in the most gruesome way possible at UFC 168, he was literally by his side, and we'll talk about that in a whole lot more, but I'm sure he was very emotional on Saturday night, seeing Anderson return and also seeing him win. Of course, I'm talking about his longtime friend and manager, Ed Soros, who joins us right now on the phone. Ed, how are you? I'm great, man. How are you guys? I'm great. Thank you very much for the time. Congratulations. We saw Anderson react in the most authentic way possible, I thought. He broke down in tears. Um, you weren't on camera at that moment. What was your reaction when the fight was over and they announced that he had won? I mean, man, I was, I was ecstatic. You know, watching, you know, when you're sitting there watching live, I mean, I definitely thought Anderson was ahead, but, you know, it's just you're so emotionally invested in the fight. I was just, it, I'm, I'm a horrible judge when I'm emotionally invested in a fight, you know what I mean? I'm just like, I just don't know. I have doubts. I don't know if I'm being biased. I don't, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, every time it goes to the judges, I, you know, I was always like, man, you know, I, once they announced, you know, 50, you know, 50, 45, 50, I was like, good, you know, and then he, he won this fight. Did you have a feeling that he would react that way, that he would break down like that? Uh, no. Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't know how he'd react. You know, Anderson doesn't break down. I, I, I haven't seen him break down like that in public very often. Um, and, uh, but it, you know, it, it was nice to just see him, you know, let his feelings go and, and, and really, um, just break down. You know, I mean, it, it, it there was a lot of, you know, only he knows how much uh, pressure he had on him going into something like that to think about that. 13 months ago, actually 13 months and, and three days um, ago, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a big, it's a big deal. He, he walked into the same arena where that accident happened and, and fought somebody. I mean, it was, uh, you know, only, only he knows what he had to go through to get back there. Yeah, the arena part wasn't talked about that much going into it, but that's the most amazing thing. I mean, him coming back is is tremendous, but to do it in the same place, it must have been kind of freaky just being back there for him. What was his mindset like? Like on fight night, were you, were you sensing? Because, you know, I will admit, watching him go to the cage, he wasn't doing a lot of dancing. He was doing a lot of breathing. You know, i never seen him fight with his hands up like that for 25 minutes. It felt like he was, you know, he just wanted to get through it, and, and he was a little more tense than usual. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I, I think after he told me, he said that he did a lot of thinking about 
what what got him and what started in his how he started his career. And I think he he was thinking a lot about those sorts of things. So I do think he fought you know he fought the whole time with his guard up. Uh, like he should be doing the whole time. Sure. So I just think he was a little bit cautious and he just wanted to get through this and uh, get some lean time in there and, uh, and, and, and get that victory. And that's what he did. And, you know, watching the fight there, I can tell you, I didn't enjoy it as much as I did when I watched it last night at my house when <laughs> I got home. Um, it, it, and I enjoyed the fight. You know I mean? At, at the moment when you're emotionally invested in the fight, like, like I am, I just, you know, and my friend and, you know, my, it's just, it, 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 sometimes it's not as entertaining as you may think. How would you assess his performance? Was that the old Anderson or was that an Anderson who's almost 40 and hasn't fought in 13 months? I, uh, I think his performance is very well. I thought he, I, I thought he performed very well considering everything. I mean, he went out there, he fought well and Nick Diaz is not an easy guy to finish. I think the last time he was finished uh, when he, was when he was 19 years old, and I, 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 he came back and beat that guy a few times since. I mean, uh, yeah, fights have been stopped because of cuts before, but as far as Nick Diaz being someone to finish, he, he, he hasn't been finished um, other than those times. So um, I think Nick was a tough guy to finish. Nick was a game opponent, and uh, I think Anderson just wanted to, you know, Get, get get the rust off and uh, go out there and perform. I thought he fought well. I thought he, um, you know, he definitely won the fight hands down. And I think he won, you know, 50 to 45 or 49, 46. Neither one, either, either one of those aren't, I, I don't think are wrong. You know what I mean? Just depending on how you looked at it. I do think Nick could have potentially won one round, but, uh, but I think the judging was pretty right on. Knowing Anderson like you do, were you surprised that when Nick was doing what he did in the first round, the trash talk, the antics, lying down, turning his back on him, were you surprised Anderson didn't try to one-up him? Because we've seen things of that nature from Anderson, and he was, you know, he was stone cold. He, he had no reaction. He just kept doing what he was doing. He kept fighting. He didn't, he didn't yeah. try to go tit for tat. Were you surprised that that didn't get him off his game? Uh, no, I wasn't surprised. I knew that he went in with a very focused, you know, his mind was very focused on, on, on going in there and putting on a performance and winning. So, no, that didn't surprise me. It would have surprised me if Anderson would have fell into that. Wow, okay. Well, that, that's interesting. It was, it was surreal watching that all unfold. What were you thinking when Nick was doing that? I was thinking, man, Nick Diaz has got some balls. <laughs> I was thinking Nick Diaz has got some balls, and, you know, my... my uh, George, my business partner, yeah. you know, sent me the picture of him laying down. And the crazy thing is, is that when he was laying down, bro, for that split second he was laying down, Nick Diaz looked completely relaxed. It's you know what I mean? When, like he was just like just chilling. <laughs> at you know the what beach. I mean? It was like at the beach, yeah, just chilling at the beach. I mean, that goes to show you that you know, Nick Diaz is uh, is a hell of a showman and a hell of a fighter, and he's one tough guy, man. And I, I have a world of respect for him. Um, I think he's a great guy. Um, you know, I, I don't think that Nick uh, meant to do that stuff. I think those are just the kind of things Nick needs to do to uh, to fire himself up in a fight because he, he wasn't disrespectful to Anderson. And, and, and really during that fight, I didn't really look at that as disrespectful. I think it's just different people have different ways of motivating themselves. And, uh, and I believe that's just the way Nick needs to get motivated to get in there and scrap. Were you concerned at all that he might not show up after he missed those flights Tuesday, Wednesday? Nah, I wasn't concerned. No. 
I wasn't concerned. You know, Nick Diaz could do what he wants, but one thing you can always count from Nick, count on from Nick Diaz is he's always going to show up to fight, and he always puts on a great fight. So, you know, I, I wasn't worried about Nick Diaz not showing up at all. You know, uh, before we, we brought you onto the show, I, I talked about you literally being by Anderson's side after UFC 168. You, you were sleeping right next to him when he was, you know, right out of surgery, yeah. right? Yes, I, I, I was. I was. Um, I pretty much right out of the hospital. Um, you know, he, he went into the hospital. When he went into surgery, I went back to the hotel. And right when he got out of surgery, he called me. And I was going to go there the next morning, but I could tell he was kind of like, you know, you're not going to come till the morning. And then I said, no, I'll come right now. And then I, I went over there and there was a little recliner in the, uh, in, in his hospital room. And that's where I slept for the next three days by his side, pretty much. It was just you two and in the room? matter of fact, just us two. Wow. Um, and then, you know, visitors would come in and once in a while. And I remember there, there was one part, one night, the first night he had the, the, the pain medicine, you know, where, where he could, he could punch, he could press the button once every like nine minutes or something for, for the pain medicine to, to go into his system. And what would happen is if he'd fall asleep and when he'd fall asleep, he wouldn't be pressing the pain medicine. And then he'd wake up because he was in so much pain and then, and then you'd have to press it again. And the second night, you know, so he slept the whole night, man. I literally was up the whole night every 15 minutes pressing the button for him so he could sleep through the night. Wow, man, that gives me goosebumps. That's like, you know, stuff that you see when with a husband and wife and or, you know, a couple. I mean, for you to, I know you've been with him uh, and been through so much with him. Uh, did, did you think about that, that experience, you know, last week in Vegas, how far you guys have come and how it looked like at one time his career might be over? Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we, we've, we've worked together for a long time and, and uh, we're, we're more like family than we are like, you know, client and, and you know, manager sort of a, a situation. We're more like family. So we're, I'm like a brother to him. I, I almost feel like a big brother to him. We fight, we, we argue. Um, there's times where we don't get along, but at the end of the day, I love the guy and he's part of my family and, and, and I, I, I believe he feels the same way about us. Honestly, when you were sitting there with him and he had just come out of surgery, did you really think he would fight again? Um, I, to be honest with you, those weren't even things that went through my mind uh -huh. if he would ever fight again. You know, uh, I just wanted to make sure he was okay. Um, he was the one that kept saying, when can I go train again? You know, before he even went into surgery, he looked at the doctor and said, so after you do the surgery, when do you think I can train again? I mean, this is like literally an hour and a half after his leg broke, he's in the hospital and the doctor saying, okay, we're going to go into surgery. And he's like, okay, well, after the surgery, how long until I can train? <laughs> so it was like the, those thoughts of if he'll ever fight again, never, never really went through my mind. Okay. So then let me ask you the question. Everyone wants to know the answer to, and, 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 and this was very interesting because I posted this picture on my Instagram and I said, is this the last time we ever see Anderson Silva fight? And then I'm just looking at the comments briefly and there's Ed Soares popping in in the comments section it says definitely not that he will be back let's just give him some time so you think 100 percent anderson silva will fight again yes i do think anderson silva will fight again i just think he just needs people just need to let him enjoy the moment right now i mean what he overcame in these past 13 months and 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 him being able to go out there on the stage like that and perform the way he did um you know speaking with my business partner george he told me to to him, that was one of the greatest shows he's ever seen. 
I mean, Nick Diaz going and laying down, and Nick Diaz doing what he was doing. Not only doing that, but doing that to Anderson Silva. I mean, for you to lay down in a, in a mixed martial arts fight in the UFC, you got to have balls. <laughs> to do that against Anderson Silva, dude, you're an asshole, man. I mean, you, you, that guy, that guy's, that guy's, that guy's got balls. Yes. And 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 you backed it up, man. He went out there and went toe to toe with him, so. You know, I got nothing but respect for Nick Diaz. And as far as Anderson Silva coming back, yes, Anderson will, will be back. But I think right now the most important thing is just to let him, you know, just, just enjoy the moment and, and let him just embrace him overcoming everything he overcame in this past year and being able to put on the performance that he did. So why was he saying, you know, his kids and everything? Like, why does he not want to say it, but yet you're so confident that he will come back? Well... I just, I just believe that he will. It's not that I'm so confident. I just, I just think that he will. I mean, out of respect to his kids and I respect him, he has to talk to his family. He, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it's not that I'm so, I'm just saying you're asking my opinion. Yeah, my opinion yeah. is, yes, I believe he'll be back, um, you know, and, and I just think right now he just needs some time to just enjoy the moment. You know, he, he went through a pretty heavy 13 months. Dana White said before the fight that if he wins, he'll get a title shot. Would you like to see that happen? Do you think that he did enough to earn a title shot? And do you want to even see him, if it is Chris Weidman as champion, see him fight again against Chris for a third time? Um, you know what? I, I don't think, um, I don't think, well, especially the way the, the, the middleweight title thing, he is the number one contender. He's been the number one contender. Um, and, you know, I guess whatever the UFC decides is, is, is what, what will happen, but I just don't think when you look at the timeline, um, you know, depending on when they're planning on Anderson coming back to fight, um, I just don't think it's going to work out for him to fight for the title next. So I'm sure that they'll, they'll put the, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, a top 10 contender up there for him to fight, uh, you know, in a perfect world. I mean, you know, we'd love to do another super fight to do a GSP fight would be awesome. Oh, yeah, I see now. You see, I say that the only fight I want to see Anderson, that's the fight. They don't have belts attached. We've been talking about it for so long. I feel like this is the time. The time is now, as the UFC has been saying, to make yeah, that fight. I, th- I think I think the GSP fight would be an incredible fight, and I definitely think that that would be the fight. If, if I could be the ultimate matchmaker and say which fight would I like to see, I'd like to see GSP versus uh, Anderson Silva. I think, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they're both towards the tail end of their career. They're two of the greatest that have ever stepped foot in the octagon and that uh, neither one of them have a title right now. So this would pretty much be the super fight that, I mean, that this would be the biggest fight, I think, of UFC history. It'd be bigger than UFC 100 if, if George St. Pierre and Anderson Silva fought. What do you think the chances of that happening are? Man, I have no idea what the chances are. I mean, that's a, that's a question for Dana, and, and, and maybe that's a question you got to ask George St. Pierre. Yeah. I, I definitely, I know that Anderson has all the respect in the world for George St. Pierre, um, but I know that that's a fight that, uh, you know, from from a, from a fan's perspective and from a business perspective, I think it's a fight that makes sense for everyone involved. I know that Anderson and George would make a ton of money, and so would the UFC. It's just a win-win for everyone. Everyone would make a lot of money, and there'd be a, a lot of hype around that. Will you pitch it to the UFC? Well, I don't think I need to pitch it to the <laughs> UFC, man. I'm sure the UFC would probably want that just, just as much, if not worse than us. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think that if the UFC could put that fight together, they, they would try to put that fight together, man. Do you think we see Anderson fight in 2015? Yeah, I do. Okay. I, 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 I do think I, I do think uh, you're going to see. Uh, but you know, right now Anderson, is, they're already starting to film uh, the tough Brazil yeah. today. Um, yeah. You know, so so he's got a pretty tight schedule. So he's going to be filming tough till probably the first week of March, um, and then uh, and then he'll take some time off and uh, and uh, sit there and, and and see what's next. But you know, I definitely could see him. Uh, fighting again in the second half of this year. A couple more things, and then I'll let you go, and thank you very much for the time. Can you clear the air on the Machida story? Dana White said on Saturday that they offered Machida a fight against Vitor Belfort at UFC 184 in just a couple of weeks' time in Los Angeles. Machida said yes. Belfort said no. Is that your understanding? That's not my understanding. That, that, that is what happened. That's... Dana called me and, and asked uh, if uh, Leota would be interested in that. Leota would be interested in um, uh, fighting at uh, uh, Vitor Belfort on February 28th, and I said, I believe so, but let me just check with him real quick. I called uh, Lyoto, and before I could even finish the question, he basically said, yes, send me the bout agreement. And uh, I called Dana back and told him, and he said, great, now i got to clear it with uh, Vitor. And then uh, about 15 minutes later, Dana called me pretty pissed off, saying that you know Vitor didn't want to fight him and didn't want to accept the fight, and he said that, um, that he... Uh, he basically said he didn't want to fight him because he's been training uh, for, uh, you know, for he, he wasn't preparing for a southpaw and he wouldn't have enough time to prepare for a southpaw. And then about 20 minutes later, I texted Dana and said, we'll tell, and I said, we'll tell Vitor that uh, uh, Leota will start every round with his left foot forward. <laughs> wow. And what'd he say? Dana just put LOL. <laughs> so it's not happening. And it came from Lyoto. I mean, he, uh, wow. he, he, want, he, you know, I mean, Lyoto wanted that fight. Lyoto really wanted to fight an opportunity for him to fight for the interim title. Yeah. And then also to be able to face Vitor Belford. It was uh, everything that uh, Lyoto wanted. They have a bit of a history, right? No, I, I wouldn't say they have a history as far as, uh, and there's no negative or, or a bad blood, but when, when, when Vitor, um, when when Leo didn't take that fight, I believe it was against John Jones at the short notice fight at UFC 152. He he was on his way to Brazil um, for the grand opening of his academy, and and he and when he didn't accept the fight um, in uh, three weeks before that fight, uh, Vitor did say something in, uh, about there's something in the anthem. Yeah, what is it that the anthem says? What? Yeah, yeah. There's a part of the anthem that says the son of Brazil doesn't run away from the fight. Right. Um, and and uh, basically, uh, Vitor kind of put that out there, almost insinuating that Lyoto was running from the fight. So mm -hmm. that 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 bummed out Lyoto. So you know, in a roundabout way, Lyoto now is kind of feeling, well, what happened to the son of this country? He's running from this fight. Wow. So uh, right now, it's not happening, and it's just back to the Rockhold fight in April for Lyoto, right? Yeah, as from from what we know, um, that's what it is, and that's exactly what's happening. Okay, and last thing before I let you go, this weekend, quiet weekend in MMA except for RFA, RFA, RFA twenty three, right? The the stage is RFA yours. 20, yeah, RFA twenty three in Orange County. Yeah, it was a busy a busy few weeks for me, man. I uh, 
I'm, I'm still not, I still not recovered uh, from, uh, <laughs> from this past week, but, uh, but yeah, we've got a fight Friday night. Uh, we'll be live on access. Um, and it's, it's going to be in orange County. Well, why should people watch it? Give us a sell, put the and, promoter hat on. Well, I think, I think people should watch RFA because that's where the, you know, the, the best talent, the best future stars are being made right now. Um, and we've got a, a pretty action-packed card. We've got our main event. We got uh, Joe Murphy um, versus uh, Terion Ware, who's uh, that's going to be for like a, a number one contender bout in the 135-pound division. We got Joe Henley fighting Gabriel Checo as the co-main event, and we just got a pretty action-packed card, man. You know, that's one thing about our cards is that there's always a lot of action and a lot of great fights. Is that like winning the lottery when you get a, a card on a weekend where there's nothing else, no Bellator, no UFC, no Worlds? There's there's literally, a, as far as televised MMA, unless I'm forgetting something, but I don't think I am, all eyes are on you. That's that's very rare these days. Yeah, it, it, it is rare. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's necessarily like getting the lottery. It's just, uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's great, though. It's great that uh, we can have that stage and... Uh, and people can get the opportunity to, to, to watch, you know, uh, Friday night. Um, like I said, you know, it, uh, you always, you don't have access to TV, which no. is unfortunate because I, I'd really like to, I'd really like to, for you to watch or, or at least be able to make it to one of our events sometime. I, I, I promise you before my days are done, I will be there. But yes, if you could put in a good word with Mark Cuban to get us access TV in, uh, in the New York area, that would be great because I'm missing out and I want to watch. Man, yeah, I see the highlights. I, I I, I don't think it's it's up to Mark Cuban. I think <laughs> it's you need to put in a good word to your cable provider and tell them that they need to get access TV. I will do that. And I uh, I recommend everyone else in New York who is watching or listening does that as well. And I, I'm very happy for you guys. What a scene it was in Las Vegas. I, I know it was emotional for everyone. It was very cool seeing everyone, except for you and your 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 partner, George, wearing those outfits. Very intimidating, by the way, I thought, those outfits. Uh, on, on, on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I would have. Yeah. I would have paid good money to see you and George wear those outfits. By the way, but I understand why you didn't. Um, very happy. Yeah, Con congratulations to you. Didn't fit right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, congratulations to you and the team, and uh, and I look forward to what's next for Anderson. Hey, thanks a lot, Eric. And good luck this this Friday at RFA Twenty Three. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, there he is, Ed Soros, stopping by. Uh, RFA 23, by the way, uh, is this Friday, and it's on Access TV. It's in Costa Mesa, California. I believe the main card kicks off at 10 p.m. Eastern time. All right, that does it for our interviews. Uh, we still have some time. We did start a little late, but all that is forgotten. No technical difficulties since we actually officially started the second version of today's show, so I'm very happy about that, unless I missed something, but I don't think I missed anything. Uh, let's regroup. Let's go inside the vault. We didn't show an inside the vault last week because we ran out of time this week. We have a little more time. So let us go inside the vault. And since we're talking about Anderson Silva, let us go back to May. I think it was May 26th, May 26, 2010. It was media day in Las Vegas, UFC 114 fight week. Anderson Silva was there to see his good friend, Antonio Rogerio Noguera, Prepare for a fight against Jason Brills. Remember that fight? Somewhat controversial. Little Nog won the fight, but a lot of people thought Jason Brills, who took the fight on short notice, should have won. It was, a, it was a fun fight. Interesting card headlined by Rashad Evans versus Quinton Jackson. I spoke to Anderson at that media day. We were just, what, 
a month and change removed from UFC 112. Bizarre show. Damian Maya fight. And if you compare also, you know, Anderson Silva at UFC 112 to the Anderson Silva who we saw in the post-fight press conference, humble, you know, down-to-earth, emotional, talking about his family. He was a totally different guy, and it was great to see on Saturday. But remember back then in 2010, he was public enemy number one. Everyone was pissed at him because of what he did against Damian and also the fights against Talos Leites and, and, and Patrick Cote. So this was the first time we've seen him since. Chael Sonnen was lurking. That fight was going to happen. And then, and then Anderson was trying to kind of regroup and get back on, on people's good side. So we spoke to him at the media day, and we even danced with him at the end of the interview. Very memorable stuff. Anderson was in rare form that day, so I thought it'd be fun to look back at that interview. Uh, Fight Week, UFC 114, May of 2010. Here's my interview with Anderson Silva inside the vault. Ariel Hawani in Las Vegas, Nevada, with the UFC middleweight champion, Anderson Silva, who's turning the tables on me here. But you're holding the mic very high, Anderson. It's almost like up my nose. How are you, Anderson? I'm fine. I'm fine. Let's I'm do this. I'm here for the fight with my friend, uh, Rogério. I'm happy. I'm so happy staying here. I, I do sense that you are very happy. You're, you're signing autographs. You're, you just have a huge smile on your face. Why are you so happy? Hey, the people is love UFC. UFC is my house. I love the people. I love my fans. You like interacting with the fans? Yeah, I love it. Do you feel as though this is something that you need to do more of, especially after what happened in your last fight and some of the comments that you received from the fans? Ah, não pelo mal entendido, é porque eles merecem é, a minha atenção, só por isso, mas não pelo mal entendido. Eu acho que o que aconteceu na luta é uma coisa que acontece. É, yeah, um, you know, I'm not here intermingling with the fans because of the misunderstood fight that I had last time. It's just simply because they deserve it. Uh, you know, they're here, you know, they're fans, they pay for the pay-per-view, and sometimes the fans don't understand exactly what's going on um, inside the octagon. Um, unfortunately, they're used to seeing a knockout, and sometimes they can think that you can knock them out whenever you please, but it just doesn't work that way. You have a strategy, this is a sport, it's a dangerous sport, and you got to make sure to go in there and protect yourself. Um, my strategy was done. Um, I fought all the way to the end and completed my strategy but sometimes you know the fans I understand they, they pay to see a knockout they pay to see a big finish but sometimes it doesn't happen so that said do you feel as though there are misconceptions about you um, in the MMA community do people not know the real Anderson Silva ah com certeza com certeza é eu sou uma pessoa super tranquila pô adoro todos os meus fãs é ao contrário do que muitas pessoas pensam é, é, que eu não sou humilde, eu sou muito humilde. Eu acho que eu não cheguei até aqui hoje para eles estarem é, é, sendo meus fãs e me tratando com esse carinho que eles me tratam se eu não fosse humilde. Então, é, luta é luta, é, se, acontece coisas que says, you know, acabam... Um, I do think a lot of fans have mis, uh, misunderstood me. You know, I said, uh, you know, I've, I've worked my butt off to get here. I'm a very humble, humble person, even though some people didn't think I haven't been humble, but uh, I wouldn't have gotten to where I've gotten if I wasn't humble so um, you know I just work hard every day and uh, just trying to do the best that I can and um, you know that's what we'll see I'm always here to get better so what is your relationship like with Dana White these days Pô, espero que esteja boa né eu não vi ele eu vou ver ele agora aí no ultimate eu não vi ele ainda mas espero que esteja boa tá boa né patrão qual é he says, well, I hope it's good. I haven't seen him yet. I'm going to see him in, you know, over the next couple of days. And uh, that's when he said, it's all good, right, Dana? We're, we're good. Well, 
Well, then, can you tell us what he said to you after UFC 112? Because uh, I don't know about you, but being next to my boss, with him looking that mad at me, I would feel uncomfortable, and I would almost be afraid to talk to him. So what did he say to you, and how did you respond when he said what he had to say? Depois uh, da, do press conference lá em Abu Dhabi, o uh, que, que ele falou com você um, lá, lá no quarto? Porque ele falou, se eu estava com o meu chefe no lado de mim, com aquela cara de raiva, eu ia estar tá preocupado em que que ele me ia falar. O que, que ele falou com você? Anderson, I love you. I'm sure he <laughs> Okay, just a couple more questions before I let you go. Good answer. Um, Chael Sonnen, your next opponent in August in Oakland, um, he has said a lot of things about you. He's been saying these things for a long time. He's called you a fraud. He's, he's attacked your, your, your character and your credibility. Have you taken any of the things that he's said to heart? Has it bothered you? Ele falou que esse tio está falando muitas coisas erradas. Ele falou muitas coisas que está uh, falando de você como uma pessoa, com a tua credibilidade, que você é falso, que você é aquilo. Uh, que, que isso está afetando você? Não. Nothing. Nothing. Well, he says he's going to be the man that he's, he's going to figure you out. He's the one that's going to bring the fight to you and beat you. Do you feel as though he brings anything to the table? Is he a true test to you? Ele falou que ele vai ser, ele está falando que ele vai que vai ser o cara que vai descobrir como salvar essa quebra-cabeça de vo, que você é um, e que ele que vai salvar a solução para ganhar de você. It's fine, it's okay, no problem. You will solve this problem in August. Vai salvar esse problema em agosto. Is there anything you want to say to him, though? Because he addresses you a lot, and you never really respond to him. So is there anything you'd like to say to him with uh, a month and a half away from the fight now? You love him. I love it. The guy talked to him, blah, 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 blah. Go inside the ring, in octagon, it's different. Will you go into that fight with a different mindset to sort of prove all your doubters wrong? Não, eu não tenho que provar nada para ninguém. Eu acho que é, os meus fãs sabem como eu sou. É, eu, como lutador, não tenho nada que provar nada para ninguém, nem para o Sonnen, nem para qualquer outro lutador. Eu acho que é, as pessoas, é, é, os, alguns yeah, you lutadores. Know, you know, have, you know, he, Chael is getting his opportunity now to step up and, and you know, fulfill a dream of his. And you know, there's a lot of fighters out there that are frustrated fighters that that say a lot of things that aren't uh, are untrue. They just try to hype the fight. But he's going to have his opportunity on August 7th, and uh, you know, a lot of people talk. We'll see what happens. Okay, final question: Who is tougher, this man or this man? Let me check. It's the Anderson Silva toy. You ready? Yeah. You ready? Go. Oh, this wow. guy is This tough. guy is uh, amazing. This is the man. Can we see? And, and finally, I, I've always appreciated your dance moves. Can we see it? I mean, I've seen the, the, the Michael Jackson homage. You've done it before. You've danced in the octagon. Can we see you dance? Just for a couple seconds here. Look at all these fans. Do you guys want to see Anderson Silva dance? They want to see you dance, Anderson Silva. Give him a little uh, Michael Jackson. Billy Jean is. You dance together, me? Sure. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> you dip. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you. There he is, Anderson Silva, the UFC oh, middleweight champion. There he goes. Classic stuff. How many people can say they dance with the greatest of all time? That was memorable, and uh, it was great to see Anderson back. It was it was a surreal thing seeing him back 13 months later in the same arena, and uh, seeing him at the post-fight press conference was really cool as well. Alone, uh, very reflective, very humble, speaking about his family. He has come a long way, and my friends, I have been at a lot of tense Anderson Silva press conferences. Abu Dhabi, Montreal, I mean, those are just a couple, and this was completely different. It was great for him, and uh, let's see. I, I, I vote for the GSP fight, and that's the only fight. I don't really care to see him fight uh, in any kind of fight. If that doesn't happen, I think he's done enough. What's the point? Um, and I also want to see Nick Diaz. I think, I think Nick did a lot better than most people thought. In fact, let's ask our own New York Rick what he thought, because last week, Eric, you, you said, I mean, you, you kind of implied that it was going to be a very one-sided fight. And, and it was, if you look at the scorecards, 50 to 45, 49, 46, that's one-sided. But it didn't feel as one-sided as those scorecards would suggest. Would you, would you agree with that? Did he do better than you thought he would? Uh, I suppose. I suppose, yes. You know what? That, that's not giving him enough credit. He did do better than I thought he would. But I think it was more indicative of Anderson Silva not looking the same way Anderson Silva always looks and Nick Diaz not looking the same way Nick Diaz always looks. Um, Anderson was not as aggressive in, in the openings that Diaz was opening for him. He wasn't, he wasn't capitalizing on them as, as we are typically used to seeing him do. And Diaz wasn't as forward charging as he usually is. Now, d don't get me wrong. Certainly he was the aggressor in, in terms of controlling the, the movement in the cage and, and where the fight took place uh, uh, on the feet, where he, he was the one pressing the action forward. But he, he's typically throwing more combos and, and much more aggressive with his boxing uh, than he was in that fight. So I'd say it was surprising from both of them. Um, Diaz probably did better than I would have thought he would have done, but uh, it, st it still wasn't a competitive fight, in my opinion. I said that the first round was one of the most entertaining first rounds that I've ever seen. I loved it. You implied Entertaining? Oh, uh, it was so you, much fun. Now, you used the word best. Best. I'll go with best. I loved it. I, See, I had a huge smile on my face. I loved every second of it. Entertaining? Sure. Best? No. You didn't love that? I mean, did you really expect Nick to do that? No one did. No, after I didn't that expect week. Nick to and do that. And then for him but... to pull that stuff off. And it was, it was actually... I mean, you look at the action. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, Daily Diaz, but... It wasn't stalling. Yes, it wasn't Daily Diaz. That's it, that's end of full stop. Yeah, period. No, but that this was something else. To, when you when you consider the fact that we never really thought those two would be in a cage together. When you consider the fact that Nick essentially retired. When you consider the fact that Anderson had injured his leg like that, and then Nick comes out with that kind of stuff. Oh man, I I could have watched that round a hundred times. Just give me that first round. For five, you know, rounds, if you know what I'm saying, 25 minutes, and I would be the happiest guy. I love that. That was so much fun. How do you not appreciate that? I it was entertaining, but I, you know, that wasn't really. He does have, and we didn't we didn't need that first round to confirm that Nick Diaz has huge balls. But holy moly, the guy has huge balls. Yeah, I. I and credit to Anderson as well, right? Credit to Anderson for not. Playing yeah. into it, not taking the bait. That was equally as impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, he was not sucked in by, by the antics. Do you want to see both fight again? 
Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, Anderson, I'm kind of on the same page with you. I'd like to see. I, I don't necessarily want him to compete in the same way that you know somebody else in the division is just com- competing to climb the rankings and get the belt. Um, but I, I would have no problem seeing Anderson compete again against you know uh, George St. Pierre or a similar high-profile fight. To me, it's George or bust. Do you disagree? Nah, I'd be okay with seeing him in a few other fights. Um, but that's the one I want to see the most. And then Nick, I'd watch Nick versus anybody because he'll make it entertaining uh, against anybody. It doesn't matter who. I really felt for Nick when he said, I'm tired of being a loser. Um, and he's, you know, he's fought really tough guys. Anderson, George, Carlos, his last three fights. I definitely think he can hang with the best, especially if he gets sort of his training camp in order. Like, just, you know, I think he needs to maybe take a step back just to regain his confidence a little bit. But well, I'm just saying, like, Nick versus Tarek Safadine, let's say. A guy like that. Perfect, right? That's the other thing. This was a, a fight at 185. Right. Let's see Nick at 170. Right. And Back and to 170 against, like, a, a Matt Brown, Safadine, Maya kind of guy. Sign me up. 100%. We need Nick Diaz. We need more of Nick Diaz. Like, the UFC needs Nick Diaz. What he did this past week, and I know it was unintentional, but what he did to elevate that fight, I mean, let's be honest, I felt burnt out. I felt the fans felt burnt out. You know, like, Monday, Tuesday, we weren't treating Nick Diaz versus Anderson Silva like it was Nick Diaz versus Anderson Silva. Like, when it was announced, remember when it was announced? People were losing their minds. But after... You know, three fights in January, three very big fights, big cards, a lot of attention on them. This coming at the end, Super Bowl week, it just felt like it was kind of here and it needed to be here. It was at a six or seven. It needed to be at a 10 because it was such a big deal. And then him not showing up was promotional brilliance. Now, was it unintentional or was it intentional? I think Caesar, I mean, he did do, I don't know if you saw the scrum on Thursday. He did the old Dr. Evil thing. Yeah. Um, Who knows? But. Whatever it is, it was brilliant. And he deserves more of a bonus than he was going to get for just doing that. Uh, the, the MMA world needs Nick Diaz. They do. And the other thing I wanted to say about that before we move on, I feel uncomfortable, and it, it really bothers me, especially when that was happening on Wednesday and Tuesday when, when he was kind of MIA a little bit. I mean, we need to recognize the fact. I, I don't think he's doing it on purpose per se, but... You know, if you just look at Nick and, and, and have watched him enough, clearly he has some kind of social anxiety. I don't think he should be the butt of our jokes. You know, th- th- this is a real thing. And uh, even last week in Canada, it was, it was very much in the news. It's a real thing. I, I, I think we need to lay off the guy a little bit. And even if, you know, someone like me, media, like I think we just need to recognize that this is a guy who was born to fight. That's what he does. And I know it's part of his job, but... There's some anxiety involved there, and it's, it's not a joke. It's, it's really not a joke. You know, when someone checks into a flight, goes through security, has his bags go on the plane and go to his destination and then leaves, that's a real thing. You know, that, 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 that's something that should not be joked about, and I wish people would lay off a little bit um, when, when making those, you know, one-liners and zingers on social media and whatnot. Uh, but I definitely want to see him fight. I, I, I think that would be great. Um, I know people have questions and comments. There's a lot I want to get to that I wanted to get to at the beginning of the show, but let's see if people touched on them, and if not, I'll quickly touch on them at the end. All right, first question. Uh, We answered this a little bit. Would you like to see Anderson Silva fight again, uh, or do you think he should retire on a win if he was to fight again? Who do you think makes sense for him? Seems like the timing would be be perfect for the GSP fight, but if GSP wasn't to return, then who would be a good opponent? To me, it's GSP or bust. If GSP doesn't come back... I'm cool with him walking away. That's it. Nobody That's else. It. That's it. Don't really care about anybody else. It's not that I don't care. I mean, 
clearly he can fight. I mean, the guy is not, uh, he's not a bum, but what's the point at this point? I gotcha. It was a great way to come back, 40 years old, family man, leave it at that. Uh, was Anderson versus Diaz round one the most entertaining round ever? Haha, <laughs> ooh, I like this guy. <laughs> Taskmaster X. Uh, it's up there. Ever? I don't know. That's getting a little crazy. Well, don't it's back off there. now. No, I, don't top back five. off now. Take I it. I didn't say it was. Run I, with it. Look, I loved it. Everything about it. I had the pleasure of watching that first round. Everything about it? Everything. The fighting part of it? Everything. Every <laughs> single thing of it. Um, uh, I had the pleasure of watching that with the uber-talented Will Fox. You know Will, right? Yep. Photographer for uh, Greg Jackson's camp down there. Well, not really. He actually works for the UFC. Um, he's evolved. And he does a lot of the great behind-the-scenes stuff for them. Anyway, we were watching it in the arena. And that was the only fight I watched in the arena because I was backstage. And I just... I loved every second of it, and it was, it was like seeing, the best way I could describe it, a real-life video game. You know, UFC Undisputed come to life. It was so much fun. Nick lying down, and actually, I, I must apologize to Mark Ramundi. I think he did twerk. The buttocks went in and out. I mean, I think that's officially a twerk, so it was amazing. And it, it, there was some action. It was great. I loved it. Loved it. Anderson coming up with his hands up. Awesome. Give me more. I disagree. Next question. Uh, who do you want to see Nick face next? I would love to see him against Condit. It would be, would be an awesome rematch. And if he wins, he could fight the winner of Lawler versus Hendricks, uh, assuming Hendricks wins against Brown. Wouldn't it be great to see Lawler versus Diaz too, and this time for the title? And wouldn't it be even greater if McDonald wins uh, against Lombard and he's still not getting the shot because of the bigger draw this time is Nick Diaz? Well, that wouldn't be so great. I think. Yeah, I don't like that yeah, part. That's kind of a dick comment. Um, I think Rory deserves it right now. That being said, sure, Condit. I love that. Lawler. I don't know about Lawler. He's a champion. So? Well, he's lost three in a row. Let's get him yeah. back on track. He's a prize fighter. No, no, no. Nah. Um, Rory deserves it. Let's not pretend that UFC title shots no, are granted that, that, on that, that doesn't mean That doesn't mean we have to take part in it. It doesn't mean we have to endorse it. I think it would be a competitive fight. I sure. Wouldn't, I wouldn't count. But there has I to be. I think Nick Diaz could win the title right now. I think the days of giving people title shots coming off losses should be over. So, you know, I hope so. But Matt Brown, if he beats Hendricks, awesome. If he doesn't get the title shot, because I think Roy should get the title shot. Condit, awesome. Safadine, awesome. Uh, Damian Maya, awesome. Give me any of those guys. Dung Young Kim, just let him get back on track. I don't know if those are the kind of guys that exactly. are going to quote unquote get his juices flowing. Exactly That's for all my. My fans out there, but uh, you get what I'm saying. He should still, he should still be fighting. Yeah, but is he going to want to take those fights? Yeah, that's the, the thing. That's the thing. Uh, our next question, Al Iaquinta. Yes. Is Al finally going to start getting some respect in the lightweight division? Yes. Who would be a sensible matchup going forward? Does he get a top 15 guy, a top 10 guy? I would love to see Eddie Alvarez versus Al. Uh, that fight would be awesome. Tremendous performance. He called it. Ray Longo called it. They were very confident. They thought they'd beat him up. Joe Lozon on, on the feed, and they did. Fight went on too long, but at least they did stop it when they did. Credit to Joe Lozong for not complaining about the stoppage. Uh, that is a very impressive performance, and that's two in a row and three finishes in a row. But the last two in particular, Ross Pearson and Joe Lozong, super impressive. Now, where does he go from here? I mean, it was brought up, Masvidal. You know, he's not in the top 15. He should be now, I think. Um, Masvidal is without an opponent. It's East Coast fight, Virginia. Masvidal was supposed to fight Benson Henderson. Do that one. That's the one. It's a great fight. Yeah. Uh, save for, you know, diving into a submission against Mitch Clark, 
he would have been on a seven-fight winning streak because he was pretty much beating Mitch True. Clark pretty easily. Um, one, that that one could mistake. be the turning point, right? That could be what brought him to this level. That he I, screwed I, up. I think he just messed up, and yeah. I think he was already kind of showing the signs that he was at this level. Um, he, he, you know, it's it's finally time. Let's let's you know give him a rank guy. Um, I think he's earned it. The time is now. No. No. I will not. I will not participate in that. Carmelo Anthony said the time is now yesterday in an <laughs> interview. It's catching on everywhere like wildfire. Uh, how about what's next for Joe Lozon? Mm. This person likes uh, an, a fight with Nate Diaz. I think this has the potential to be a really fun fight. Both like to stand and trade, and both are wizards on the ground. Both are also coming off losses. What do you guys think about a potential matchup? I love it. It's fun. It actually makes a lot of sense, too. Nate Diaz is ranked 14, which I think is... Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's wrong. Um, but it's because he dropped because he was inactive and taken off. I love it. Sign me up. That's great. Fun fight. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Meehan. By the way, I'd like to see Joe take a break after that kind of damage in a fight. But at some point, yeah. Uh, this person was really impressed by Jordan Meehan yes. uh, up until the kick. What do you guys think is the ceiling for him? Top 10, top 5 uh, championship potential. And who do you like to see him fight going forward? This, they suggest Gastelum, Dong Young Kim, Rick Story. Uh, those all sound like good matchups. Well, definitely not Gastelum because he's going to 185 now. Um, definitely top 10. He was on the cusp of that. It's so unfortunate because he looked so good. That would be a huge win for him. I think he just got cocky, honestly. Where did that... Rolling Thunder mm. come from? What was that? Uh, the, yeah, that part was a little, you know, weird and well, out of got, character. He got but, kicked right after, like a second yeah, later. But, you know, it was one round. We're, let's not, you know, turn this into to a situation where, we're, you know, Tiago pulled out the, the miracle um, upset. It, w- it wasn't anything like that. Uh, he, lo- he dropped a, uh, Tiago dropped a round, and in the second round, he got him. Um, that, that's not to say that Jordan Meehan didn't look good in, in the fight up until that point, but it was one round and he did, but he did look, he did look good. I think he's worthy of, you know, uh, high level competition. And I think he's proven that his striking is among the best, but I think there's this tendency to think because he's young, that he's not, that he hasn't reached his potential. Hmm. I think, you know, at a certain point, the, the number of fights matters. And I yep, think yep, this, yep. I think this matters in when we're talking about people on the, the tail end of their careers, you know, and people who start their careers late, um, the accumulation of fights, the accumulation of damage is, is what dictates your career. And Jordan's been in there quite a bit. I don't think he has this unlimited potential that some people think he has because he's 25 years old. Having said that, I think where he's at at 25 years old is pretty damn impressive. And I think he's ready to, you know, face top level competition. Um, so I'd like to see – I'm okay with any of these. If Gastelum was still in the division, I'd like that fight. I like Stun Gun. I like Rick Story. I think there's a lot of matchups out there for him because uh, he hasn't faced all these guys, and Walter Waits so deep. Um, so I'd like to see him in, in pretty much any uh, highly ranked fight. Uh, and I think he looked great on Saturday night up until that point. I, I do think that he got a little cocky, and, and, and he shouldn't have, obviously. Um, he did look amazing in the first round. And, you know, just wh- – by the way – was he wearing mesh shorts? It looked like it. it looked like he was just wearing amazing. basketball shorts. But, but I did see I did see pictures of him uh, on Fight Week doing the uh, the photo shoots, and he was wearing those same shorts. So it wasn't like a, a Cody McKenzie thing. Oh boy. Um, the, the, there was the logo of his school, you know, and all that in uh, in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. So yeah, I mean, you're you're 100 percent right. 39 fights now. 
at some point, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I still think he could go a little further, um, maybe evolve a little bit more. But yeah, you, you bring up a great point. You know, the name that came to mind, I don't know if I love the Rick Story fight because he is coming off of a great win. Um, they're right next to each other. They're both coming off disappointing losses. Jordan Meehan against Gunnar Nelson. Ooh. I think that could be interesting. That would be interesting style matchup. I like that. So, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Uh, flyweight title picture. Lineker is now being forced up to 135. Should Demetrius Johnson wait for the matchup with Dodson or take on a fresh contender like Horiguchi? I don't like the fact that Horiguchi says he doesn't want the title shot. You never want anyone in there who doesn't want to fight. But that being said, I would love to see DJ get in there sooner rather than later. Um, of course, if for family reasons he doesn't want to fight, then that's his prerogative. Uh, the fight I really wanted to see next was the McCall fight because I think that he would have brought out the best in him and there was some history there. Uh, Dotson coming off uh, a pretty big injury. I'd like to see him get one in before the title fight to, to get back in the mix. So Horiguchi's the only guy. There's no one else. You wanted to see uh, McCall versus Johnson more than Lineker versus Johnson? Yes. Why? We saw it twice. Well, the first time he was... In my opinion, if he didn't showboat, he could have finished that fight. McCall, right? Yeah. He had his back mm -hmm. and started messing around, and then it should have gone to a fourth round. So who yep. knows what would have happened there? So I kind of view that one as a wash. And then the second fight, you know, it was dominant, but because of what happened in the first, I'd rather see a third fight there. I think he has a better chance of beating um, Demetrius than Lineker does. I think Demetrius is a lot quicker than Lineker and would just. I mean, obviously, Lineker has great punching power, and he's a solid boxer. I just, I, I, I see Demetrius beating him. And I, I love the fact that there's someone there who will talk some smack with Demetrius and, and elevate him a little bit because he keeps fighting these faceless opponents that are doing nothing for him. And even though he may not want to admit it, he needs that. He needs that in his career. Uh, for the same reasons we talked about, you know, with Aldo and McGregor and Chael, and he needs that. And McCall is that guy for him right now. Dotson could be that guy, but I'd like to see Dotson get one fight in and then have that fight. I think Dotson's for sure that guy. Well, um, I think McCall's a better trash talker. McCall's a better trash talker than Dotson. And I, I don't. But I both fights are cool with me. To be honest, I don't think you know any amount of trash talk is really going to bring that division to the forefront. It's just the, yeah. It's just the case. If Conor McGregor was one forty, uh, one twenty-five, it doesn't matter. Trash talk is trash talk, in my opinion. Yeah, but that's not. None of those guys are Conor McGregor. But what I'm saying is, and if Conor, Conor McGregor, McGregor is a was 145 a or knocking people out. No, if Conor McGregor was doing the exact same thing at flyweight, people would feel differently about the flyweight division. It's just yeah. that no one has been doing it. No one has been trying to elevate that division. I, I, I just don't think that there are guys like that. Conor McGregor is. But you get the, what I'm saying. I, I'm saying it has nothing to do with the weight, which I think a lot of people. It does are, have to do with the weight. It does have to do with the weight. 145 what? is a very, very different division, and there is knockout power, and there are, it, there, there's, not, there's not a delineation where, oh, 135 is the cutoff of um, exciting fights and 145. But 145 is an exciting division. You still see knockouts. People like uh, fighters that size. 125 just isn't drawing with people. And, you know, if, if, if there was a guy like Conor McGregor who was at 125 knocking everybody out and talking all that smack, then certainly people would be, pay, be paying more attention. But there isn't that guy, and I don't think there can be that guy at that weight, and especially not against a guy like Demetrius who's able to control the, the flow of a fight so, so spectacularly. It's, it's not going to likely end in a knockout 
against Demetrius because of the way he just controls action. Now Dodson is going to have the best chance to do that, but it's it, I just think that the, the the in that weight class it's going to be very tough for uh, somebody to come along like like a Conor McGregor, even if they they had the potential, which I I don't think that you know Conor McGregor is a is a is a one of a kind. Um, it's just different. It's two full weight classes above. Yeah, but again, I, I, I respectfully disagree. I get what you're saying. But what I'm saying is if, if there was a guy with his abilities on the mic and in the cage, I don't think that people would be saying what they say about the fights. There isn't that guy. I agree there isn't that guy. But I'm just saying in a, a magical world, if Connor just happened to weigh 125, I do think people would get excited about it. And let's not forget Lineker, you know, since when was it? Uh 2013, so it's been like almost two years. His last few fights, Gashimov, round two, TKO. Jose Maria, round two, TKO. Well, this Phil is Harris, why I'm surprised. Round one, TKO. This is why I asked you why you'd rather see McCall. I'd well, rather see Lineker 100 times out of 100. That's fair, but my point of bringing that up, and also he had a couple other finishes, is I think you can finish. Look at what Demetrius did to... Um, Benavidez, what he did yeah, against Moraga. Yeah, there can be finishes, but overall, that's it's just not a that, the the weight class is two thousand, and uh, you know it's 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 one fifty five in two thousand two. It just it's not there isn't the talent pool, you know. Yeah, that's fair, but uh, I'd rather see Lineker versus Demetrius. E- I wish like, we could easy. see it. I'm I'm uh, you know the McCall thing is great, and I just don't think there's that much beef there. Uh, I think they can play it up, and it'll you know it'll it'll get more heated come you know as the fight draws near, but. I just think I'd rather I I would have now that it's not an op uh, it's not an option anymore I would have rather seen Lineker versus Demetrius and then above that uh, under any circumstances whether it's you know the first fight back from injury the fifth fight back from from injury I'd rather see uh, Dodson versus Demetrius. Yeah, I mean if Lineker won and he did and made weight, I would be you know very much okay with that fight. Sucks that he has to go up. Stupid. Uh. With both Lineker and Gastelum only being offered bantamweight and middleweight fights respectively, who fits the bill for this weekend's weight missers? Uh, they propose uh, Mitch Gagnon versus John Lineker and Tim Boach versus Kelvin Gastelum uh, for somewhere in that packed April schedule. I don't know. I, I hate the idea of both of the guys at higher weight classes. I wish that, you know, I don't know, they could somehow figure it out, go back with Dolce and see, because, you know, Say what you will about Doche. I know some people don't like him because, you know, he's he's uh, a great promoter. But the work speaks for itself. He's never had a guy miss weight. I wish we could see one last chance. And maybe that's selfish of me. But both guys should be at that weight class. I mean, what I was told about Lineker was he just stopped in the middle of the day. He just said, I'll forfeit the person. That's it. I'll deal with the consequences. See, like then you have to go up. It's I know. just unacceptable. Yeah, it's it, totally. You, you exce- cannot do that. It's totally unacceptable. It just I hate the idea of them fighting it as 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 a fan because I feel like we won't see their potential, especially Gaslam. Here's why I hate the idea of them moving up, because I think they're probably going to miss that weight too. It's possible. Look at look at Rumble. I think that this is a this is a self control thing. This is not an issue of the number. The number is not magical. Um, if you if they were properly prepared and planned for that number, they would have done it. Uh, Dolce is undefeated. He gets his guys on weight. He always does. Uh, you know, it would look close with Johnny Hendricks at one time, but the guys will make weight uh, if Dolce get if Dolce's involved. And this thing is is uh, uh, Lineker himself can, can continues to say uh, it's a mental thing. Yeah, it is a mental thing. He doesn't have the self control to make 125. And I think that by moving that number 10 pounds higher, 
all that does is yeah. allow him a new number to not respect and you know not make weight for. Now that's the number I'm shooting for, and I'm gonna miss that by five pounds. So I I don't love it because I don't think that they're going to necessarily benefit from moving up in weight and necessarily even be more inclined to make weight. To be honest, um, same thing happened the, with Rumble. Yeah, the proper thing to do here is to make sure they make weight. Uh, for the divisions that is best suited for their bodies and, you know, where they'll be competitive size-wise. Um, but, you know, that, that there's monetary reasons for that not to happen. There's, you know, there's all kinds of things for that. But I just, it just feels bad and it's super unprofessional. And, and the, whole, the whole idea of weight cutting for the sport is, you know, something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, Gaslam fighting felt a little weird after being hospitalized and all that. Certainly. I mean... Does anyone talk about Woodley? Uh, I think yes. Okay, okay. Uh, yep, here, right here. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting perspective. Uh, Tyron Woodley got more than another big win on Saturday night. He got he- a huge PR boost for fighting uh, Kelvin Gastelum, who weighed 10 pounds more than he did on weigh-in day, and for declining his 30% cut of Kelvin's purse. While I think there's no doubt that he's a class act and he's serious about uh, finally getting his shot at the welterweight belt, surely it's a no-brainer to accept the fight against the guy who badly missed weight to the point of mid-cut hospitalization. Surely there's no one weaker than someone who has pushed their body to the brink and had to be put on an IV drip to regain normal body function. Am I missing something? That's a weird perspective. I I respect it, but... Here's the bottom line. That contract said welterweight fight, 170 pounds, limit 171. Tyron Woodley doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes with Gaslam. I mean, we may know, and, and, and who knows, you know, as, as Mike Dolce said, smoke and mirrors, he doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is that Kelvin Gaslam weighed in at 180 and was there standing in front of him. You know, he doesn't know if he's playing possum, whatever it is. So if I'm him, I'm super pissed. That's not even 172, 173, it's 180. That's a big difference. That's closer to middleweight than it is welterweight. So if I were him, I mean, I would have been super pissed. And the fact that he didn't take his money, I mean, man, what, what, can you, what more can you say about the guy? An amazing role model in Ferguson, what he's done in that community. Every time he comes on the show, so well-spoken, he gets it, he understands it. And then to say, you know what, I don't want this kid's money. I mean, Woodley's a family man. He has another kid coming along. He could have taken that money and ran with it. 99.9% of fighters out there could and should take the money. That's part of the game. For him to say no is an unbelievable thing, and he should be commended for that alone. Um, he didn't have to take that fight. He shouldn't be pressured to take that fight. That was, you know, very much, you know, that was very much his call. And he, he made the call that he made, and, and, and good for him. He won the fight. He deserved to win that fight, in my opinion. But uh, the, the, I don't understand the perspective of saying, what you know, he's fighting a guy who's on... Uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the brink of, you know, uh, collapsing and all this stuff. He doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is that a guy weighed in at 180, his contract said 171. So he's well within his rights to question that and even walk away. If we're going to start taking fights at any weight class, 20%, 30% doesn't matter, then what the hell is the point of having weight classes? Um, this game is too... And, and if Gaslam wins in two years, in one year, no one will remember that. They'll just say Tyron Woodley on a two-fight losing streak, and they'll use that against him, and we've seen that happen. So he did everything the right way, and he should question that, and I would have had nothing bad to say about him if he said no. Yeah. The, here, here's what it comes down to. Not only ha- did Kelvin miss badly for this one, and badly is an understatement, but he's missed before. So this says, well, am I fighting a middleweight or am I fighting a welterweight? Um, and... Tyron Woodley 
justifiably should be concerned if, uh, about fighting a middleweight. He's in the welterweight division. If he's fighting somebody who continues to not be able to make welterweight, then it's a reasonable expectation uh, that he should be compensated for fighting essentially somebody who is a middleweight. Uh, he's not able to make the welterweight limit, so um, he should be commended for. I, I don't. I, you know what? I even feel bad saying he should be commended. Um, we shouldn't. He shouldn't be put in a situation where he has to fight somebody like this, who's who's missed by ten pounds. To be honest, um, so so saying he should be commended. I mean, he should. Be, I'm just happy. I'm happy that he was able to get the victory um, over somebody who just didn't respect him and didn't respect the scale. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I don't want to pour it on too much, but yeah, who knows what, what Gaston was really going through. I spoke to him very briefly after the fight. I, I don't even know if that interview uh, aired on Saturday, but uh, yeah. And then Gaston's for giving him spot. the money. Yeah, I guess something. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, do you think the Athletic Commission's punishment for missing weight are harsh enough, or do they need to be stricter to encourage fighters to make weight? What do you think of the UFC's decision to make both Lineker and Gastelum move up a weight class? Is it reasonable? Uh, is it a reasonable punishment for fighters who repeatedly miss weight? Also, are you surprised Kelvin was cleared to compete on Saturday, given the details that have surfaced regarding him passing out during the cut? Again, the details are a little iffy, but uh, I think the UFC is making the right call. What's the point of having Lineker fight at 125, killing off contenders if you can't trust them? In a, in a title fight. There's no point because the worst thing you could do is promote a title fight and he misses the weight or doesn't even make it to the fight. Um, you, have to, you have to give him that punishment and that's going up there and fighting guys who are, um, you know, in a different weight class who may be bigger than you. This, you want to come in bigger? Okay, now you're going to fight guys who are now bigger than you. I mean, what else can you do other than cutting well, them? And I don't think it's, 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 it's smart to cut them in this day and age because of the competition. They're very good fighters. So I, I, I agree with the move. And it probably should, especially with Lineker, it probably should have been done before. Who, who does it benefit, though? Does it benefit the UFC to have a guy who's clearly a 125-er at 135 getting smoked? I don't know. I mean, is he clearly a 125-er? He hardly ever makes it. But he should, okay. But that's his, fr okay, how about this? The frame of a 125-er, the size and, and the length of a 125-er. I mean, it's no different than what they did with Henry Cejudo. You know, they told him he had to go up, he won, and maybe then he comes back down after he proves. Well, this is five, six times for him. Yeah, There's I know. a difference. But I don't think it benefits the UFC to do it. To be, like, I don't know, I so don't know what the solution is. You cut I, him? I, maybe. Maybe you just let him know. try it somewhere you else cut, and learn his lesson. You can't let Kelvin Gaslam, the guy who won the Ultimate Fighter, go to Bellator. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. But well, Beltor doesn't have a this is not division. Good. This is not good for anybody. Well, let's, let's see what happens. Again, a lot of things happen. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Gaslam hires Dolce. They convince. Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? But then how much of a punishment was it? You know? Like, I mean, look, he just, lost. He's no longer, he's no longer uh, undefeated. He, he didn't get his win money. You know, he was embarrassed. I mean, he, he had probably a hellacious week. You know, he was hospitalized. That's pretty bad, I'd say. Yeah. Has Talos Latis become a viable contender again? How would this new version fare if he were to fight uh, for that title with Anderson back then? And how about now? Man. So this, so this Talos back yeah. then, how would that do? Yeah, Talos, I mean, what an unbelievable comeback this is. We had him on the show. Aldo got him back in the UFC. I don't even know how to explain this. The only thing that I can come up with is that entrance song. Oh, God. I mean, could you, could you come up with any... Other explanation. That is the best entrance yep, song in the business. It. He's calm. He's cool. He's collected. 
Honestly, who saw this coming? Nobody. The guy walks away with $100,000 in bonuses. Yeah. Which, by the way, I thought maybe you just give him, you know, the fight of the night and give and the other one. Al. Yeah, Al, poor Ally Quinta. But uh, holy moly, who saw this coming? Nobody I mean, saw it, this coming. That said, uh, I still don't think this version beats Anderson, especially that Anderson. The current Anderson? No, well, oh. there's two questions here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Talus versus that Anderson, I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't uh, know. But this Talus. He's definitely someone, I mean. I don't know. You, you might be able to get it done. Look, I'm looking at the rankings now, and, you know, I'm not against. I'm not against Talos versus Tim Kennedy, Gegard Mousasi. I'm not against it. That ending where he went for the arm triangle, couldn't get it, and then goes to the other side. It was it was brilliant to watch, especially after getting you know some some shots in there. I mean, his face was well, pretty messed up. I mean, we we can reasonably expect he's going to be able to do that to Tim Boach. But the thing that's yeah, so impressive about him is the the way he's able to put together a striking. You know, he's super tough. No, no doubt about that. He's he's taken some shots in some of these fights. Uh, the way he's able to, you know, utilize his grappling, put people up against the fence, use it to take them down. Uh, he's putting together the complete package, and he's looking incredible right now. All I'll say is, look at the old Talish. By the way, they're saying that's how you pronounce his name. I did uh, hear that on the broadcast. Look at the old Talish. And, uh, and and listen to the song he walks out to. Oh and now look God, at the new one. The listen to the song. That's all I'm saying. God, with the song. I'm saying. Look at the proof is in the pudding, my friends. P.E.S. Performance enhancing song. That's it. Three Little Birds, Bob Marley. Every fighter should do it. Oh, boy. UFC 184. This is going to be my first live event. It started off stacked, but now has been reduced to a substandard. Oh, I'm sorry. Reduced to stub, <laughs> substandard dribble. Dribble. What are the chances this card is safe by Vitor finding a challenger for the interim title? If there are no fights added, I am inclined to get my money back. Oh, stop it. First card, relax. You're going to see uh, Ronda Rousey against Katzengano, which, let's be honest, I mean, that's a fine main event. That's a much better main event than we've had in 2014 alone. Now, I know we were a little spoiled, and we thought it was going to be two tough fights. Great, but it's still Ronda versus Kat, which to me is worth the price of admission. Now, is the rest of the card way worse than it was when it was originally announced, absolutely, because let's not forget Romero Jacare also was on that card. Um, but I definitely think it's worth your time, especially for your first fight. Come on, don't 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 make a stupid decision like that. Um, it, it it has the debut of Holly Holm. It has a, a do or die fight for Ellenberger Koscheck. You know, I'm not here to uh, to sell you on the fight card, but hey, Jukau Carnero, I love that guy. He's back. Kid Yamamoto's back. There's still some stuff to sink your teeth in. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Yancey Medeiros is fun. So there's stuff. I mean, is it is it the best card? No. Is it worse? Yes. Is it still very much worth your time and money? In my opinion, yes. Who and, and by the way, oh. to to uh, touch on the Vitor thing, I look. I bet they. You know, if I say this, they'll announce something in the next you know hour. But if I were a betting man, considering what has happened, I I, I don't see it happening right now. I don't I, unless they you change. don't think they'll take they'll, they'll have him. Well, Weidman wants it. Vitor wants Weidman. He says he'll be back. I mean, it feels like it would be somewhat short-sighted to do that at this point. Okay. Uh, so then this is an interesting one. Who should fight Vitor for the interim title? Should there even be an interim yeah. title to fight for? Should Weidman forfeit the belt, holding up the most interesting no. division as of late? That's ridiculous. And and I'm going to answer the second question only. There shouldn't be an interim title because I think it should be a one-year rule. If you don't have a fight booked or don't fight within a year, then interim or stripped. It's been since July. Relax. And I know he, he pulled out twice. Absolutely. And 
you know, there should be some criticism there. That sucks. December 6th, February 28th, that sucks. But interim, no. Stripped, absolutely not. Let's see what happens April, May. Hopefully he doesn't rush. He gets in there. Maybe Montreal? I think Montreal would be amazing because I think that card could use a guy from New York, a champion. You'll have a lot of people coming from New York. Or if not, the All-American fighting on Memorial Day makes a lot of sense as well. Our next question, if Ronda beats Katzengano, uh would be just excited? I would be. I guess, yeah. I would be just excited, if not more, than last time for a rematch between Ronda and Misha, but that's a question. A very, okay. Let's just move to the next part. Or maybe think, it's, would you be just as excited? Oh, yeah. Would you? Yeah, that's good. Uh, would you be as excited uh, for that? Uh, I think Tate deserves it. She showed just how very tough and iron will she is after being blasted in the face with a punch that would have felled a horse. What do you think, and how would Misha have to adjust her game this time uh, to have greater success than the last two losses? A lot of credit goes to Misha Tate. She came back from a first round that she clearly lost. Uh, I think Glenn Trowbridge had it for Tate because she had that submission at the end. No way. She was knocked down. She lost that. And then she won the second and third with the broken orbital, now, which is amazing. Wait, yes. Before we go on, yes. she didn't have a submission at the end there. Okay, Let's, whatever it was. I'm trying to justify it. I don't even know what it was. Yes, you okay. know what I mean, though? Yes, like, yes, people yes. were acting was, like that was some kind of submission attempt, mm -hmm. but you know, there wasn't anything there. So more to my point, she should have yeah. won, that, uh, uh, easy, won that first easy, round. Easy. But she did come back, and she deserved to win the fight, and it was a super entertaining fight. It reminded me of the Julie Kedzie fight um, from back in Strike Force. So it was great, and especially to do that with a broken orbital, Fantastic. However, I don't want to see her fight Ronda Rousey. Two cracks. I think you need some time to let that kind of simmer for a little bit. And there are some interesting fights out there for Ronda. Let's see what happens with Holly Holm. Um, I still think Holly is probably one or two away, but she is new to the mix. And, of course, you have Chris Cyborg. I don't know if this comes up. But, again, as I've said on the broadcast and on Twitter, the, the decision to have Cyborg fight the night before in L.A., against Charmaine Tweed, 145-pound belt, is one of the shrewdest moves, not only for Invicta, but in MMA promotion, period. I mean, you cannot script a better scenario. And we've talked about Invicta piggybacking uh, off of the, the UFC events any given weekend, any given city. But to do that with Cyborg, of all people, the night before Ronda is a stroke of genius. Um, I don't care if the UFC's, you know, decided that or if Invicta's, I don't care who decided that. It's brilliant. And uh, I'm looking forward to being at my first Invicta, covering my first Invicta. I just love the wow. fact that Cyborg is going to be a part of the conversation all week long. Ronda called herself the parade rainer. It feels like Cyborg's trying to rain on her parade, but this to me feels like the beginning of that fight happening. It's, uh, and because let's be honest, Invicta and UFC are, you know, they're kind of on the same page. Uh, Invicta is on Fight Pass. I just think it's, it's brilliant. And that card will air on Fight Pass. It's, it's so, I can't say enough good things about that. So, that all being said, there are fresh matchups out there for Ronda that I'd like to see her conquer first before going back to Misha. If she beats Zingano, this is you know yeah, along yeah. the same lines, yeah. do you throw home to the Wolves and give her Rousey assuming a dominant win over Pennington? Or do you do the third Tate fight? So obviously yeah, you yeah. say no to that. I, I prefer home over the Tate fight, but I think home should have one or two more. And uh, a second question, if Diaz comes back for another fight, uh, that's Nick. Who yeah. do you think would be a good matchup? I think Matt Brown would be perfect. Yeah, that's cool. We, we talked about that yep. earlier. I'd be down. I like that too. But Matt has to... Actually, no. If you lose to Hendricks, it makes even more sense. Actually, it, it, it actually is, uh, is a fight then, rankings-wise, that 
I think people would get behind. Um, let's move to Twitter. But, yeah, I, you know, I'd watch either Diaz fight anybody. Yes. That's just the, the truth of the situation. Okay. Uh, this is a question. Is there an update on TJ Grant? I would love to see him back. Cowboy would be a great fight for him. Anything on TJ Grant? No new news on TJ. Last time I spoke to him was around, oh, maybe a month and a half ago. He said that, you know, he missed out on two title shots. He missed out on Halifax. Those were two very big goals for him that he missed out on. So now he's taking his time. He said he was around like 90. I'll, I'll, I'll read the, uh, the text, actually. Um, exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's not that, it's not that exclusive because I reported it on UFC Tonight at the time. Oh, wow. Um, but, 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 uh, oh, here it is. Okay, so this was on November 19th. He said, um, all is good, Ariel. Feeling real good, just taking some time away, no pressure, just working and being normal. Had a lot of pressure on my shoulders to get back. My goal was the title, then it became about Halifax, which is where he's from. Now that both of them are out of the question, I'm going to give myself some time to relax for a bit. It's made a big difference, so... That's the latest. That was two months ago, so I'll check back in with him uh, this week, and I'll let you know. What do you think of GSP being uh, in the new Kickboxer movie, along with Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yeah, that's cool. I like GSP. He's a good guy, and I think that the more he's away, I think the more we appreciate him. Also in that movie. Yes. Uh, I believe either... I think Gina Carano might be in it. Really? Uh, I know... Some glory fighters are in it. I know Joe Schilling, Joe Valtellini are in it, and I think Batista. Maybe I'm making. No, I think I'm. Pre, I'm I think Gina Carano and Batista are also in that as well. So a lot of, uh, you know, names we're familiar with in this one. Yeah. So I mean, again, I want to see him fight Anderson. If not, have a great movie career. Both of them. I. There are obviously a lot more fights that are interesting for a GSP because he left as champion and all, but still, um, I think he he's accomplished all that. You know, he needs to to cement his legacy. That would just be a fun fight because it was teased for so long. How, how do you feel about just uh, the the fighters in general being in movies? I mean, most like of them Ronda are Rousey most of them that. aren't great. Uh, let's see what happens with the uh, entourage. Speaking of which, Roy Nelson and his lovely wife came That's up to right. me after the fight. They gave me the Scorpion King. I think it was four, which he's uh, a part of. Also, Eve Torres, Hoist, no, uh, Hoist Gracie, Bigfoot Silva's in it. So uh, I got that DVD. I will check it out. And I wanted to give them a shout-out. Roy's fighting Alistair Overeem next month. Um, but they were very nice. They gave me that as a gift. And uh, I don't usually like to take gifts from anyone involved in MMA, but they were very insistent, so I had no choice. I love it. More fighters, more movies. Yeah. Uh, I think this is our last one. What would the odds be for Helwani versus Henderson? Oh. Who is the underdog? And then separate, separately, who is next for uh, Uriah Faber? Because apparently yeah. uh, Asun Sao is I'll out. weigh in on that part. Um, apparently Asun Sao's out. Uh, they've been doing the show, but it has been reported in multiple places, including on our site, which is unfortunate. But I'm not surprised because he was coming off of a pretty serious ankle injury, and I thought that they were rushing him, to be honest. But let's see, let's see what happens there. Uh, it hasn't been officially confirmed because I did ask about that, and it's not 100% from my perspective. But uh, let's see what happens. If he is, in fact, out, Faber, it's got to be Frankie Edgar, New Jersey. The time is now. Wow. Frankie doesn't have a fight. Fox, let's do it already. Faber, Edgar, New Jersey, finally. Did, Come on. Am I wrong? Did Faber not step in in Jersey last time, too? Uh, he has fought in Jersey. He fought Eddie Wineland. When, when, when he t oh, you're talking about uh, Hennon Brown. Yes. 
man, he would he would be the Jersey guy at this point. Yeah, I like that. Um, but the time is now. Come on, no, let's do it. No, the time yes. is now. Now, as for the odds, you're the odds maker. I, so what do you I got? I won't I be offended. Come on, I, let's I, hear it. There's there's no way. I haven't seen Benson play. Let's see it. I haven't seen Come Benson on. play. I can't do it. Just throw it I out there. Do what it. do you think? Based on, you know, this is if, a, this if is a pro athlete. Him being a pro athlete yeah. and the way he fights. Sure, go ahead. You got no shot. No shot. But that's that's the thing. That I doesn't prefer, mean hey, anything. I prefer being the dog. Make it plus 1,000. I prefer that. If I get to set the line on this, that would be awesome. I would love to. Well, let's see if it happens. Maybe I mean, he could if, send you some tapes. Well, yeah, Benson. If you if you got the video footage, send I'd it like to, to me, scout my him man. Too. And I would no no no. Ariel doesn't get to see it. Why I can't I scout see, him? No 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 no. You don't get the tape on him unless you're sending him tapes. Am I am I allowed to record our games and <laughs> then I send it over to Benson? I'll 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 play possum. You you can't you can't cheat like that. I'll do the rope a dope. But I'd love to see Benson play, and then uh, I'll get a line out there. We'll we'll take some action on it. And you said it's going to charity, so we could do that. Yes, International Fight Week. Anyone listening? Let's make it happen. I'm tired of this. It has to happen. That would be a bigger deal than Conor versus Aldo, which by the way was announced for July 11th, UFC 189 International Fight Week main event featherweight title. My opinion, Benson Henderson. There it is, right here. I mean, think about this. We've seen John Jones play basketball. This is it. Benson versus Helwani. Bang. Kyle Haas. Hollywood Haas. I mean, you're already down one zip right there. Wow. Does he make it? No. I, well, took, I took the charge, and then he falls, and it hits the rim. That's the part you don't see in this poster. <laughs> uh, took the charge like a boss, like Oakman. John Jones is the best fighter in the world, and we saw him try and dunk. Yeah. And that, that did not go well. Can't even get off so, the ground. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to expect from Benson. We'll see. All right. You, 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 uh, you stew on that one. I got it. I Benson, send me the send me the tapes. I want to see it. I think the world wants to see it, and then we'll hype. You know, maybe somebody will cut together a nice hype uh, reel for Helwani versus uh, yeah, Henderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get uh, Nick the face. Oh yeah, we'll get the we'll get the real pros on it. Okay, we're done. No housekeeping. Whoa, wait, wait. I will get to the housekeeping. First things first. Shout out Patriots Seahawks. 114 million viewers. Most watched show in the U.S. ever. In the history of U.S. television, most watched. I think that's worth a shout-out. Right? Okay. That got me very excited when I did read it. Did you watch it? Yes, I did. But I just wanted to mention that. I think that's an important thing to note on a media show. Next thing. What did you want to say before we go? Uh, congratulations to Mr. Ariel Hawani. Oh, yes. Five times. Fi- five five times. Time. Five Where is it? Like Where this. is it? Come on. Five times. Where's the music? No, no, no. No, no. music. All right. Uh, yes, I wanted That's to talk. That's not our music. I was, I was gonna, I was gonna save that for the very end, but uh, since you bring it up, well, no, congratulations are due. Five time. I was, you know, what I was actually just thinking about when we played the Anderson Silva clip. That was from 2010, and I was like, "That's the first year." Uh, what is that? Oh, this one goes out to all my haters out there. Um, but yeah, that was the first year you won it, and now it's five years later. Can you dig it, sucker? Daniel Cormier wanted me to do it. He wanted me to say that, but I said, hell no, I'm not doing that. And now you did it. Well, I did it here. It's a bit of a different setting. Oh, he wanted you to do it he at the awards? He wanted me to do it at the awards, yes. Oh, you, you were 100% <laughs> should have done no, that. No, no, that's a, that's a dick thing. I didn't want to do that. But I will say thank you very much to everyone who voted for me. I am unbelievably honored. And by the way, I don't take these for granted. Now, I will say, and I've said on this show that I feel a bit weird winning a Journalist of the Year award, and I think a lot of people deserve it, including everyone who works at MMA Fighting. I share with all of them. Uh, it was disappointing that they didn't win or we didn't win 
the source, media source of the year. But to me, three nominations for Journalist of the Year, Meltzer, Luke Thomas, and uh, I share with all of them, Sean, Mark, Dave, Dave, Brian, Esther, Casey, Luke, Chuck. Who am I missing? Am Nobody. I, missing? Nobody. I got them all. Yeah. You guys back there, even oh, though you, wow. even, well. even though you, even though you give me heart palpitations, I share with all of you. Everyone comes up, says they love the show, they love all of you. Um, but uh, I don't take it for granted, and I feel, like I said, I feel a little weird. But it's unbelievable. Five in a row, I can't, I can't even fathom that. I, I don't know what to say about that. So thank you. I don't think it was the best year, and I think I could do better. I will do better. But for now, it was fun. Joey Fatone was the man. He was so cool. What a great guy. Jose Canseco, the man as well. And a bigger man than all those guys. The great Ronnie Turiaf, who I didn't know actually cornered someone in 1FC. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yes, he's a big MMA fan. Former New York legend. New York Knicks well, legend, Ronnie Turiaf. But um, one of the best bench guys ever. Yeah, in I loved him when he was on the cheering and the celebrations. Um, pound for pound, uh, you know, top 10. Thank you very much to Fighters Only and to the fans. It was great. Uh, I posted my acceptance speech, but it's uh, private. It was just for my family. But I thanked all the fans, and I want to thank them here. That was wait, wait, wait. What do you mean it was just for your family? I don't want to post that stuff. Is that weird? I don't know. Should I make it public? I guess I should. So the only people who saw it were your family? I don't understand. You were accepting it and thanking your f and showing it to only to your family? I don't even understand what the... What's the point of recording it? Yeah, what the mechanic is that we're... Oh, on, on YouTube, you can make something private. No, I get that. But... So they gave you a version, and no, you no, just no. showed it to your family? I was, I was with my friend Andy Mayer, who, who flew down and uh, came to the fight with me. And when they announced that I won, he recorded it. And you only showed your family? Yeah, I don't know. What no, that, do? Yeah, then I don't know. Uh, that's a little weird to me. Why? Show the whole world. I don't want to. I feel like Their it's family it wasn't the ones who a voted lot of for you, the fans. That award. Okay, fine, fair enough. Well, actually, my family did vote I'm for sure, me, too. I hope they did. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Fair enough. But I'm, I'm humbled, and I really appreciate it. I can't say it enough. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but uh, thank you so much. And it strives me to do better and be better and motivates me. So I, I hope I live up to your standards. One for the thumb? One for the thumb. Hopefully I can uh, get MJ's Now the other award. thumb. Yes. Um, so yeah, that was great. great. Yeah, awards. Check them out. Fighters only. They do a great job. Okay. Before we go, Glory. I yes. said that the... Uh, Wait, is, is, uh, what are the... Oh, you said it to Ed Soares. There are no fights this weekend. Uh, well, it's RFA, but yeah. Um, yeah, glory this Friday. It's going to be incredible. Mike Tyson. I mean, what more do you want? Mike Tyson is commentating is Tyson? the main event. He's commentating the main event. On Spike TV. Wow. Give yeah. us a sell. Why should people watch this? Well, I mean... Give us the, the one-minute pitch. That's the, the elevator that's pitch. That's the first one. Who, who doesn't want to hear what Mike Tyson is about to say on Spike TV, on live TV? Yes. Uh... Heavyweight title fight, Rico Verhoeven versus Errol Zimmerman. Uh, that's going to be a banger. Um, there's, a, there's a bad blood there, right? Yeah, rivalry. This is a trilogy fight. Yes. This is the one. You know how, I know how much you love trilogies. I do. Uh, and then outside of that, just Glory has the most knockouts in combat sports. So there's, there's no reason not to watch Glory. I'm, I'm convinced. I've been saying it every day on this show. Uh, if you watch it, you will like it. Joe Schilling, our friend who, Stitch him up. Cor who cornered uh, Mr. Diaz. And, uh, you know, got, got some love from, from a lot of uh, combat sports uh, yes. directions uh, leading up to this fight. As for, for Deservedly so, as, as the elite kickboxer that he is, uh, faces young Robert Thomas from Canada, your, your oh, yeah. countryman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really, really talented guy. That should be fun. And then there's the one-night tournament, who everybody... Oh, what, what weight class? It's welterweight. Uh, so... 
whoever wins the this belt? is, is oh. fight. No, 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 no. They don't get the belt. They're fighting Canadian champion uh, Joseph Valtellini, Bazooka Joe. My man. Your guy. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the former champion, Nikki Holskin, is in it. So, and human highlight reel Raymond Daniels. I mean, it's just Raymond it's Daniels? a stack card. The real deal. The real deal himself. I interviewed Raymond Daniels back in the day in his, in his uh, Strike Force debut. I love that guy. Oh, he's in that, incri- that that kick. When the, was that? Like a, that was, a year ago. That or was uh, no. It was Chicago. A little over. It was it was glory. Yeah, it was glory uh, in in Chicago. No, I want to say Denver. It was actually Denver. Denver. Yes. Uh, he landed the the two touch kick. He kicked them once and then spun around and kicked them midair. Um, it's just you, you have to see it. Glory's incredible. Uh, go watch it. This Friday. Good to see them back. Yeah, it's, it's good. Been a while. It's good to have them back. Spike TV. All right. Uh, that does it for us. You can hit my music, Alex. So a late start, but we took up a little more time than usual because the time is now, my friends. Don't forget it. It's still going on. Next up for the UFC, Benson Henderson, Brandon Thatch. Then it's Frank Mir versus Bigfoot Silva. And then it's... Ron Rousey, Katz, and Gano. Unfortunate. Great stuff from Weidman, by the way, this, this episode. I like that fire. Oh, my Harlem Heat music. Rearing its ugly head. But again, thank you very much, everyone. That means a lot. And thanks to all who voted for MMAfighting.com as well. Fortunately, we didn't get it this time, but congratulations to MMAjunkie.com on their award, and uh, we'll do better next year. You can put the music a little lower. Just a touch, a smidge. All right, I want to thank everyone who tuned in. I want to thank everyone who stopped by today. Great show. This is this is one show that I'll never forget. This was a lot of fun. I felt like everything was flowing. Really appreciate everyone's time. Thank you very much to Chris Weidman. Get well soon. And looking forward to his return. Uh, thank you very much to Demetrius Johnson. Looking forward to what's next for him. Thank you very much to Gilbert Melendez. He wants Eddie Alvarez in Mexico. Good luck getting it. Thank you very much to Rashad Evans. Get well soon to him. And congrats to him and the team on Rumble Johnson. Thank you very much to Benson Henderson, my future opponent. Good luck to him on February 14th. Thank you very much to Mike Dolce. Great stuff as always. Thanks a ton to Cesar Gracie. Good to talk to him again. And finally, thank you very much to Ed Soares for stopping by. Congratulations, Anderson Silva. You are back. What is next? We shall see. We'll talk about it all next week. Until then, I say peace.